Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Whitney, everybody seems to make a big deal about the decade numbers, you know, whole numbers that end in zero, 10, 20, 30. Okay. You know, I think Mickey, Mickey Mouse's birthday was this year and he was 90. Okay. You know, nobody cares about 89. No. You make 90, it's like, yeah, let's get some flags and we're going to have a parade. And a party and everything oh, else. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. But this is episode 75, right? So that means nobody cares. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of torn on... <laughs> yeah. On, it's a milestone. Yeah, it, yeah well, it's definitely a milestone. I mean, I celebrated 74 because I thought 74 was... No one cared about 74 either, so... Well, this much is true. This much is true. We've gotten a lot of good feedback, Brent, so 75 is... I mean, it's it's on time. I figured at this point, once we surpassed... Once the show number surpassed our listener count... Yes. Somewhere around the 50s, I thought we'd be done. <laughs> we get enough feedback to just shut it down, right? Yeah, yeah. I just... No, no, no. Actually, we're still here. I actually, Brent, quite the contrary. So, And I do. Uh, not to not to foreshadow, but we'll say uh, towards the end of the show, yeah, I've got actually quite a, quite a good bit of feedback for this month. So, Oh, good. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, pretty neat stuff. So those... Uh, 50 people were busy? Oh, yeah, they were busy. They were busy. They, you know what, Brent? They value your time is what they do. They value your time. <laughs> I'm glad somebody does. <laughs> well, this is the November show. Yes. So no, November. Post, post-tryptophan. Oh, yes. 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 November yes. here in the States means Thanksgiving. Oh. And Thanksgiving means uh, just Sitting around like a lard ball <laughs> is what it means. Uh, I was being, moderated this thankful, year. Being thankful yes, for what you yes. have, no doubt. And, and I mean, all joking aside, it's a very solemn and a very, um, I, I think, a very good holiday for reflection on just how fortunate we actually are. It's just the sheer fact that you that you're at so many avenues where you can overindulge on the eating. Yes, it just, it absolutely. Just, it hurts. Well, I know you had like double Thanksgiving. Uh, actually, uh, times three. Oh, it, yeah, geez. Yeah. And I'll, I'll get well, into that. Did you that. adopt an extra family? <laughs> no, no. It's just, you know, good fortune smiles. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Well, uh, longtime listeners of the show will know that I host Thanksgiving for my family. So it all works out. All the kids come over and the kids play in the game room and I generally hang out down here and I don't have to as much anymore because yeah, they're getting a little bit older. They're getting a little bit older. We still got a couple little ones, yeah. but for the most part, they're they're a little older, so I don't have to worry about people, you know, just things happening. I don't have to worry about somebody roughhousing on the stairs. Yeah, exactly. And because yeah. or okay. or falling and hurting themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You know, see you don't and oh, <laughs> take a look down uh, pin row here, Whitney. You know the gun that hangs out of the side of Jurassic Park. Yeah, you definitely. don't want to take one of those to the head as a little no, little one. No, you don't. You, no, you don't. You don't have you don't have any pins with a with, with a an gun. appendage. No, no, I don't, and and I really have no desire. But I mean, I'm with you. It's not that I am super maniacal about the games themselves. It's just that when kit when smaller children yes. are with groups of smaller or somewhat kids will little be kids. older children. Boys will be boys. Kids will be kids, boys will be boys, and everybody wants to play yep. and these are bright, shiny, very well lit, very noisy objects. And then somebody's going to split their head wide yeah. open. And that that's the thing that always concerns me. I, you know, Whitney, I've kind of got... I, I don't know. How would you explain... 
how would you explain my stairs, Whitney? Well, one is a little higher than the next, and yeah. this proceeds until yeah. you <laughs> and they'll transport you from a low from a, a place that's low to a place that's exactly. high. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. My. <laughs> how would you that explain Brent, that, Brent? Is how we describe your stairs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that is why we are a successful gaming podcast. Exa- that's exactly right. We just, dude, we just keep it simple and keep it real. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So the, where I was going with that before I, <laughs> I made the, the silliest statement I've yet to make, and we'll probably, it will probably be the silliest statement at least for the next 30 seconds, is, is the, my steps, as you come down the steps, the left side, you've got a wall. Yeah. Okay. The mm-hmm. right side, you have a wall for about three steps, and then it opens. Yeah. And the it's, wall basically is truncated just above each of the, each of the treads. Yeah. It's, it's banister-less. And, yes. And there's is. no banister. Yeah. There's no banister. So, so, to me, that's that is perfect opportunity for a little one to come be bopping down and fall a little si- landing and fall sideways and just go boop. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I I keep my eye out around here. And yeah, it, it, I mean I get it. I, I totally get it. I, I don't have that problem at my house because my game room is all in in one room at the very end of the house. So everybody will have either traversed, fell rolled down or done the opposite <laughs> of trip up the stairs okay so by the time they get to my game room they're either wounded or okay and if they're wounded then they'll play anyway so it's all good all right but, so i gotta tell a story of myself it actually has to do with this jurassic park okay it some time ago i mean i've had the game now was a year, year has right, been, right has it been that long well i made arrangements to purchase it two SFGEs ago. So SFGE okay. was in June and I didn't take ownership until a couple months after just so we we got stuff arranged. So June, July, say August. So yeah, it's been about a year, year and some change. Not too long after I got that game, I had this seemingly unrelated. You picked that up in September of 2017. Okay. So it was September. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, Four, right. Four, just over a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourteen months, give or take. I'm glad I've got you around. He's, I, I, you know, I can search with the best of them. That's that's the one good thing that we have oh, about my, our show notes, man. My gaming life is cataloged in our <laughs> in our one note. in our one note. <laughs> yes, it is. So, seemingly unrelated, I happened to notice that I had this ginormous bruise on my hip. I mean, just, I mean, purple, ugly, pulsating. It wanted a cheeseburger. I mean, it was huge. <laughs> it, was it was large angry. and angry. It was angry. It was feeding yeah. me. Yeah. And what it, it took me a couple days to put together that a couple days prior, I come bebopping through here, to yeah. use that phrase a second time in the front of the show, bebopping. And you hung your hip. And I caught my hip on that thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, it, so now I'm like uber careful yeah. of it. Well, and you know, and I need to move it because it's a pinch point right now. It, it truly is. But all that being said, we're getting of the age where we hurt ourselves and yes. we don't remember how we hurt ourselves. Yep. And I, I mean, I do it as well. I mean, I'll have a bruise and I, I have to really think very intently as to how did that get there. So, yeah, it's, it's I, I feel that. Well, as I mentioned, I hosted Thanksgiving. And <laughs> so. Along with that, it's either a burden or a privilege. It, I don't know. Which. Well, speaking yeah. of a burden, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, things got loose in the house. So occasionally, you, you haven't been here long enough, Whitney, yet to see it. But I've noticed that uh, along with the chickens that I normally raise this year, I actually kind of raised turkeys just to get ready for the holiday. And oh my gosh, with Brent, the kids and everything, crap! You had turkeys. Here? Just got real. 
You had turkeys here? And, oh, there was turkeys. There's still turkeys here. They're unaccounted for turkeys at this point. And Dude, turkeys can be mean. What you haven't noticed is, is that... I know because I grew up with them. I know. Uh there's, <laughs> there's, Brent, no, can you, hey, get hey, it away from me. Uh, no. Uh, Kentucky term, you know what a scooch is? Yes. Can you just slightly scooch to your left? Thank you. There you go. Got oh! It. Okay, good. 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 Yes, I so, didn't realize he was over my yeah, shoulder. They Thank are, you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your hat okay? It's. It, I know you're a hat person. Yeah, it, it <laughs> okay. will quit, it, it'll eventually quit smoking. But okay, that's, not, that's okay. I just appreciate your... your, your precision in marksmanship. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I am yeah. a professional. Yes. Yeah. Other than when it comes to herding turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. I have, you know what? I have less than zero use for a turkey unless it's on my sandwich. And that's <laughs> that's about where I'm going to leave that. I mean, I grew up on a farm and we had turkeys and oh, did they are very, very mean animals uh, at times. So, yep. Are yep. they, uh, what is it? Um, is it can, uh, Canada geese that were kind of oh Canadian like a Canadian Canadian goose, goose. Yeah, is Canadian a Canadian goose. goose that's also known to be because we get those I have no we idea. are lousy with Canadian geese in Kentucky and I'm pretty sure it's a Canadian goose they are they're really territorial yes and they are mean yes they are and they will for, chase people and for whatever reason we have a lot of them in the city and they tend to flock around roadways and stuff like mm-hmm. that it's the weirdest thing but yeah how, well this is poultry talk with brent and whitney <laughs> oh trust me we've we still have more plumbing podcasting to do brent before oh, do this we? is all over with yes do we yeah uh link scooch get just get your get right get, get him get him got him ah, good, thank good. you yeah yeah Take some of this home because I'm plenty of meat. Yeah, plenty of meat. It, it's all good. I'm just waiting for you to get the napalm out because well, you know nothing smells I, good like napalm in the morning. May, you know, I may have to just spray the house. Down. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah, I hosted and everything survived. The only thing I had one casualty. The only thing that I had a problem with was a reject button on the pole position. Uh, the kids were helping me empty all the change out. For new listeners of the show, I've actually got a change machine down here, and I provide the money. It's you can go up to it and it. Push a push the tray in. It spits out some real quarters, and you have that actual arcade experience. So all the kids they enjoy. It's like a game. They like to go around through all the machines and collect the money. At the end of the night, reload the change machine. And yeah, one of the one of the kiddos was going through the the uh, coin trays, the the coin returns rather, and came back and handed me this little screw. And it, I think it's out of the back of the. The bezel, like the re- reject button bezel, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just walked its way out, and the whole assembly's come loose. So that's the only thing that that didn't sur- that didn't survive, and it was no big deal. I hadn't even got a chance to look at it yet. The space shuttle pin is still here, and it enjoyed Thanksgiving with us. Oh well, that's nice. I mean, so, is it is it due to leave anytime soon? I don't know. I haven't talked to the lady that actually owns it. I yeah. need to give her a shout. Um, I'm hoping that all's okay. I, Fair I, enough. I know she was she'd moved and the like, so. Huh. I have a feeling from having talked to her and having done it myself that there might have been a gross underestimation in the amount of stuff that she owned and yeah. was moving and yeah. she downsized and where stuff was going to go. That, that and, pin may be the last, the least of her worries. Yeah, at this she knows point. it's safe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She knows it's, if anything happens to it, I mean, I'll fix it. So, yeah, there but is it's that. still here. Yeah, cool. So, you know what? Before I get to any real updates, a couple things I w- I've mentioned in the prior couple shows and I'll touch on them, which is the Creality 3D printer. 
I still haven't gotten back to it. Yeah. I've been grinding on other stuff and it drives me crazy because it's just sitting there. Cura, which is the slicer I've messed with. And mm-hmm. for listeners of the show that are 3D printer users, they'll know what Cura is. It is, uh, um, it, I said slicer, mm-hmm. you feed your, you put your model in it, mm-hmm. and then that is where you define the parameters of your printer, everything from the ba- the dimensions of the bed, what it can print, X, Y, and the Z, mm-hmm. to how fast you're going to print, and a billion other options that have mm-hmm. to do with the print. And then it takes the model and slices it into layers, and, so, and then puts it into code, G-code, the printer can understand, and it prints it mm-hmm. so cure is updated and i've kind of kept up with the creality forum on facebook and it looks like overall it looks like it's a win it's a big jump forward so it may be one of those lucky things that you know hey i haven't messed with it but the software helps you fix yeah, your, the, your issue well either it just makes it easier yeah fair just kind of the software catches up a little bit and helps with the learning curve yeah a little bit more. Okay. so true that is definitely on the list once I get through one of the things that's a little further down. So the thermoforming machine, I'll mention that real quick too. I hadn't even had a chance to touch it, just getting ready for the holidays and also working on the next thing I got to discuss. But one of the things I will mention is, is I'm eyeing a new heater for the garage. And by new, I mean a heater. They're actually, this is kind of a funny story sort of unrelated other than there's a lot of games out in the building and you know this time of year especially as we're getting it getting close to Louisville Arcade Expo yeah it's nice to be able to go out in the garage and tinker a little bit as I'm getting things ready to go to the show but I've got a, a heater out there there's gas that's run out to the garage when I bought the bought this place there was this Unit heater is as I'm I've come to understand they just call them it's a generic term unit heater. Generally, you'll see them like in in pole barns, garages, aircraft hangers. Uh, they they hang from the ceiling. You run natural gas to them, and they just heat the space. If you if you've ever been into a mechanic shop, I'm sure you've seen the equivalent. On my bucket list was to get this thing heated up. Did I ever tell, did I tell you any of this, Whitney? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. Uh, but was to get this thing fired up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I yeah. could use it and make better use of that space during the cold time of the year. Fair enough. I got in touch with a heating and air guy that is a friend of a friend of mine. And my take is, is I can fake it till I make it on a lot of stuff, but Brent is not going to light a gas heater that is unknown to him. You know, he's oh, going to have no, 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 no. He's going to have somebody come out that knows what they're doing and check it out and light it. So in talking with this guy, I was, good he was for, good for you, Brent, because you know, the more, you know, yeah. we, we need that. We need that little after school special thing. The more, you know, you know it's one hey, of those. Deals. Well, I, I know my limits. Yeah. It's and, a PSA. The more, and, you know, squirreling around with a gas heater that I'm unfamiliar with. That was just in a building on a property I bought almost 10 years ago. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, that's it. We're not yeah. doing that. I, I get you on that. That occasionally I may do something stupid, like fire up the, the buffing wheel or and shoot stick. a turkey at close range. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah in, indoors. Uh, <laughs> indoors, yeah, yes. Knock the rust off a screw head and think I should put on my safety glasses. I'll do stupid stuff like that. No, I am not lighting a gas heater <laughs> that, I, that it is, I'm not familiar with. Not yeah. happening. No. So as I'm talking with him, he's asking me a bunch of questions that aren't lining up with what I'm looking at. And I'm starting to question what I've got going on here. <laughs> 
So I send him some pictures. It's like, does this guy work at a bakery during yeah, the day what you, or what? And yeah, I, I was kind of questioning. I was like, yeah. I'm looking right at it, and I know what you're understand. You're asking me about. I can I can envision these pieces and parts, but none of this is lining up. I guesstimated this thing was probably out of the '80s, maybe late '80s, early '90s. Very industrially type type of look. A lot of that stuff, in my understanding, doesn't tend to change because what once it works, the design sticks, and you might have some internal changes for better efficiency. Yeah. So it, the, the script on it was kind of dated looking. You could tell it was older, but I mean, I've been in buildings with heating units that had similar similar script, similar fonts. I, I wasn't overly concerned with it. Comes to find out, he calls me back just as I happened to be researching it a day or so later on my phone. Mm-hmm. We'd both come to the same conclusion, which is that thing is scrap metal. Just as he called oh, me, yeah. the I finally found documentation referring to the company that made it in the city that was on the label on the machine. And I kid you not, Whitney, it was archived at the Smithsonian Institution. That is... It was sales flyers. That, that right there tells you all you need yeah. to know. It's so, like, I'm just going to go get my bat and a fork and, and a pitchfork. Well, no, not a pitchfork. but A pitchfork? Like, <laughs> Halloween's well, over, Whitney. That. And uh, now I was thinking like a, like a pry bar you know, yeah. and, or you know, a spade bar. And it's like, I'm going to tear that thing off the wall. Yeah, that sucker's going to have to come yeah, down. It's, I'm going to have, have to get a duct lift and drop it down. I mean, it's... It's the size of a, you know what a dorm room refrigerator looks like, smaller? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about that and a half, yeah, and, gotcha. but a cube. And I'm sure it's not near as light because the inside of it's got the heat, the, the heat exchanger, whatever's in it that lights. And yeah, it's, I, I like to, you know, I know nothing about them. And I don't want to know anything about them, to be honest with you. But yeah, it's going to be fun. So ideally, I'm going to get that lined out here pretty soon. And that's going to be able to open up a new avenue, a new place to work on some stuff. So. Oh, okay, cool. Well, that, yeah. that's good. At least it's progress in that regard. Yep. So this is one of the, here's what I've really been chewing on. I mentioned this at uh, the end of my, my section in the last show, which was my star Wars episode one pen. And I've got it all torn down at this point. And Whitney, what is laid out? Whitney actually had to bring some equipment. I had, pack, I had to pack my own card table. You had to man. pack your own table. Yeah, it's kind of, it was, it was kind of kind of odd, you know. What is laid out in front of you? Uh, it, pretty much everything off the playfield of your Star Wars episode one. If you noticed uh, that ramp, I have set it in such a way so that you have to start stare at the Jar Jar Binks toy. I appreciate that. Thank he you. Is, I can see his little eyes. Mm-hmm. He is looking yeah. at you. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where's that gun sound? I'm, I'm just going to aim it back the other is way. That, yeah. Jar Jar. Jar Jar. Jar Jar. Yeah. Come here, Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah. He, he looks. There he is. Thank you, Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah. I should say thank you, Brent. So, yeah. So it's all torn down and the ramps and the lightsaber and all the plastics and all the metal work and everything's laid out on this table in front of Whitney and uh, the game itself was back in my shop. And as I tore it down, I went through and selected all my LEDs. I selected the, the colors I wanted for all the rubbers. So LEDs came from coin taker Titan is who I got the rubbers from. And then it was a fairly long list of pieces and parts that I wanted to get. And the bulk of that came right from Marco. And I mentioned this on the last show, the translite. 
And yeah, I, I went ahead and swallowed it and replaced it. Yeah. So that was a that yeah. was a sizable from a monetary perspective. That was a sizable piece of it. Uh, Whitney, you I know you've got some newer I, I machines. Know, I know that had hurt. Do what? I said I know that had oh, hurt. Oh, yeah, just, it did. just because uh, of the size of the translate. Yeah. Yeah. It was a hundred and like twenty eight bucks. So, mm, golly, and, and until I saw that really nice one that Rec Bar has, I was like, I'll just roll with this. And I saw what it was supposed to look like. I'm yeah. like, no, yeah, I don't want my machine looking no. like it looks. Yeah, that's why I want to tear my atoms down because you put atoms next to Ghostbusters, you put atoms next to the LEDs that's in Back to the Future and my yeah. Jurassic Park, yeah, and it, it looks it just looks sad. Yeah, it's it probably sad and tired, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. yep. When when you don't have those other games on, it looks really nice. Yeah, but it just looks sad and tired. Sad and tired. That's it. So yeah, it's event. That's on the to do list. Is to I want to tear that down. I want to tear. There's three games. The high speed. I want to shop. The CSI. I want to shop. And then I want to re rubber and LED atoms. Yeah. Yep. I don't. I, it'll be on the list. But Righteous. You you haven't had to really tear any pins down, have you, Whitney? Not no, to that degree. Not not to that degree. Um, I mean, I've had to remove the playfield out of my Ghostbusters and turn it upside down and shake it till the bad cows play came field, home. Bad playfield. Yeah, field. yeah. It, it. I did everything but spank it for sure. But no, I, I haven't, Brent, because I, I mean, as, as most as most would probably know. I mean, just from listening to the show. I mean, I, I'm really kind of. I mean, admittedly, I'm really kind of come lately to pinball in in the sense that I really didn't start back into it until around the 2012 time frame. And right, wrong or otherwise, man, I, I started playing on the newer Sterns and I it just it, it just it's just hard to it's just hard to take four steps backwards for me. So I'm not saying that I don't appreciate it because I do, but uh, I, I've just I've just purposely chosen to stick on the newer machines. So. I can understand that. Yeah, be that as it may. Well, what I was going to toss out, and I'd like to hear from listeners as to what they do, things like the the plastic posts, like your star posts. When I first started tearing pins apart, I'd actually clean them. So if, if I had one or two or three that were broken, I'd throw them in the order and I'd replace them, and then yeah. I'd just mix them in the play field somewhere if the plastic was a little different shade. I remember Firepower back in the day, it actually had some, uh, I think it was a, a light, an assembly with some light lamps on it under the play field, as well as some other things were spaced off the bottom of the play field with, with posts, start the same red star posts that were found on the top side of the play field. Mm, okay. So if I had one that was a little faded, it seems like I've seen this in other games too. It, it, if I had one that was bright and shiny and I just decided I wanted to get one that was still of the age of the rest of them, I could yeah. swap them. Yeah, yeah. That's what I could do. I could put the new one under it and get a get a seasoned one. But then again, if it's under the play field, it's not as faded because it's not as exposed to the light and all that. So, But there, there, there was tricks you could do to move stuff around to get everything looking the same if you were so inclined to do so. and. You know, the, the way I used to clean them was, a, I think it's called Mean Green. Oh, yeah. Not it, Simple Green. No, Mean Green. Yeah, mean we talked green. about it. You get it at yeah. Dollar General. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we've talked about it. And, and I'll still use that for some plastic parts, but I would put it all, all the posts in a, in a, in a, 
bucket or a, like a screw top container and I'd stick them, you know, fill, fill it with mean green and I just let it set there. And if I was running the washing machine, I'd set it on the, on the washing machine. So it would agitate a little bit and I'd let it soak for a couple of days while all my parts were tumbling in, in the tumbler, all the metal parts. And I just did, what I ended up learning was is that I would find so many of them broken once I got them cleaned and I could see cracks in them that anymore I just replace them all. Isn't that's what I did here? I just counted up all the star posts I had, all the double star posts I had, and I just I just ordered them all plus a couple uh, and, and just forgot about it. Just over. Well, it's probably best that you did that because at least then you've got you've got a handful and you've got something you can work with. Yeah. The only thing I was going to say is uh, February 2016, episode 38, first time we mentioned Mean Green. So <laughs> there you go. Now you're just showing off. Yeah, yeah pretty now much. Now you're yeah. just showing yeah, off. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. But, so, it, but it makes me it makes me inquisitive, you know. So right now I'm at the point where I'm uh, uh, cleaning the bottoms of the inserts and installing the LEDs. And I'm also putting a little polyurethane here and there. There's a little bit of ball damage, which mm-hmm. uh, two spots I knew of. One spot I suspected on that game on Star Wars Episode One, you've got a saucer kind of about two thirds of the way up on the right, two thirds of the way up on the left. And in this one, the one on the left had a decent amount of wear and the one on the right was just starting to break out a little bit. So I'd gone in and cleaned those up, sanded them smooth. And then I'm polyurethane in them. So I think I'm, let's see, maybe another coat shy of being done. I've got two coats on it now, and I may do four. I don't know. And in the third place is, if you've ever played that game, in the, in the center of the game, as it progresses, there's targets that are projected with a Pepper's Ghost effect onto the play field, and they kind of obscure what's actually there in terms of the mechanics. You're shooting at a ship or a robot or whatever, and when you hit, hit the target that it's projected over, then it blows up. Well, in the very center of it, there's a gate that'll open up and down so that it in a certain part of the game, it'll just rebound the ball. In other parts of the game, the gate opens and it goes in there. And then okay. there's a buck that catches it and kicks it out somewhere else. Yeah, gotcha. So that whole literal hole, that opening that the ball settles in, it gets beat. And I, I don't understand why they did it. Instead of just having maybe a metal scoop or something back there that could have been sound dampened with yeah. a rubber. I mean, they've done it in other places on the game. They've got this weird sort of muted hourglass shaped depression in the play field. And the reason it's hourglass shaped, it, it the center of it draws in is that is part of the footprint for the vertical upkick assembly that's under the play field. When the ball gets in that space, it rolls forward into the saucer that is that vuck, and then it kicks it up and then on into the rest of the game. And what ends up happening is, is where that, where you get that push in that like pin cushion effect where the hourglass shape squeezes in the ball just hits it and beats it to crack. Yeah. Yeah. And the wood splinters and all that. And it's just, I don't know why they did it that way. There, there's nothing else. I, I'll have to pay more attention when I assemble it. I, I don't understand why there's that back cavity. There's no reason for it. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I, I, if it, if it had to, if it had to do with giving the ball a little space to lose a little energy, I don't see what they were honestly gaining by that extra couple inches other than causing themselves some additional steps in the machining, the routing. And then now you've got this place that just causes damage. Yeah. I I mean, is there, I mean, outside of the polyurethane, is there any way to, 
I mean, is there any way to do a you know a handyman fix on it or or anything that you that you think could be done? Again, I'm going to have to. When I took it apart, I was focusing on the smaller picture. Yeah, I would take a as I always do. I take a million pictures and I I, I would slowly disassemble and. I had it already apart before I realized what sat on it and over it and around mm-hmm. it. So I don't know. I may do yeah. something different when I go to put it back together. Yeah. I, I need to see huh. it go back together to realize why it's like that. Why it's like that. Yeah, I, I get you. I get you. Yep. Hmm. So nonetheless, that's where I'm at. I, I should, I hope to have that thing knocked out here in the next couple of weeks before, honestly, before the end of the year. And, you know, I've got all the hardware outside in the, in the tumbler. It's tumbling right now out in the building. Do you see the game staying for a while? I'd like to think so. Okay, cool. That's that's my intention. I mean, I, I hate to say anything. Nothing's locked in stone. There's a couple games I don't ever see selling. Even if I had to liquidate everything, I'd want to hold down to a couple games. Yeah, but yeah, I've got a few of those myself. I don't so, see yeah. that it's going to go. I, I'm not going to turn around and sell it as soon as I'm done with it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Understood. Yeah. Understood. It's going to hang out for a bit. For a bit. Cool. If I come across, uh, uh, I don't know, a good day to East Star Wars. Yeah. And, and it come down to space, I could see maybe swapping out. Yeah. A day to East Star Wars would be great to have. They it makes it makes really cool sounds too. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. yeah. The sound package kind of does it for me on that game. It, it, the game it, it is really does. The one that I had here that I was fixing up for the gentleman was part of the deal when when I purchased his collection last yeah. summer. I got to know the game a little bit more. Yeah, playing it, testing it. Yeah, and. Th- I like it. I, I like do, the gameplay for, for the I way I play. Yeah, it's yeah. it's great. It is. It really is. And it's got good sound. It, it I does. really like the sound package for, for the for the era that it was produced. The sound it, it to me it's actually a bit more advanced than than its age, but or than its vintage rather because mm-hmm. it it just feels. It feels like a bit of a newer game. I think the sound package does a lot for that, and it it, it is. It's a fun shooting game too. So, they, I think Dadies did a good job with that. So, I mean, if I come across a decent one of those, I could see just for like space reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, Jar Jar has to go. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jar Jar. I get it. <laughs> uh, duck. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Duck. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. He's a resilient little guy. Isn't he? Uh, well, yeah, and I, I think it's I, the ears. The, the, yeah, yeah. And, and there was a few. Yeah, let's just, I just let's just not get into that. <laughs> yeah, there was a few. <laughs> there was a few, <laughs> like a whole army of them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, all right, so let me kind of kick through a few other things here. I mentioned it last show. I got my Fluke ninety ten A. It showed up, and it's pretty. Yeah, pretty and grungy. Yeah, so that, it as, looks as mine was too. It looks like honestly that somebody. A, a, a retired technician or something had it in his building or his garage and it just looks like garage grunge you know if there's such yeah. a thing yeah it, well, the, the case that it, that it's in the, <laughs> the unit itself is pretty darn clean yeah the the cases and you said you got one of those cases as well with I, yours? I, I do and i want to get rid of it so bad so i, I was i was kind of curious did you find a a decent uh, you know, kind of hard hard pelican case replacement for that because, I, admittedly, I, I haven't. I've spent like next to no time looking over the past month. But I was curious if if your travels might have turned one up. I haven't, and I, part of that too is is I haven't really looked. Yeah. Past Whitney and I got in a conversation about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. We we were, we had bought a couple hard 
uh, crush proof Pelican style, Pelican style sealed cases, travel cases for podcast gear. Right. And the company that we had purchased them from, they ended up being absorbed. What did we by Element Fourteen? Was yeah, it? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, and they got they did away with some product lines, including those cases. And the case kind of hurts my feelings. Yeah, we bought a lot of that. So the the deal with the cases was is they weren't Pelican, they were an off brand, they were the house brand, but they were pretty darn good quality. <laughs> they and the, sure were. And the pricing was unbelievable. And honestly, I can't believe. It's one of those things where more power to them if they can sell them. If I, uh, it's a good business to be, it's good. It's a good work if you can get it. You know, if if Pelican and and the other upper end case manufacturers can get the money they get for what's a plastic injected case and some foam, yeah, good on them. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. That said, I'm still surprised there's not very many kind of third-party Chinese import-type deals. Yeah. And I see that stuff all over eBay, but just even the picture, they look too flimsy. Uh-huh. flimsy. And, it's, and it's, one of those, it's one of those products that you cannot tell what you really get until you have it in your hands. Yeah. And you don't want to be getting that stuff flown over. I mean, at least I wouldn't want to be purchasing that flown over from China or Taiwan or someplace like that. And you have no recourse to return it. Yeah. You, you get a good deal. Maybe. But do you get what you wanted? I don't know. Maybe not. That was the so. deal with the vendor that we were using. They had already done the homework. Yes. And the stuff they had was really it nice. Was real good. And the price was really good. So if anybody out there knows anybody that has any of these hard hard plastic, hard case, crush proof, they go by a bajillion names, Pelican style cases. If you look on eBay, they're, it's like your typical bang good name. You know, it's all your, it's 42 words used to describe one thing so yeah. that they'll come up in a search. Yeah, exactly. It's ex- that, that's why that's where I'm just spouting all this stuff off because that's where I where I was searching for them for, was I wanted a nice hard case mm-hmm. travel case for an RC car or charger. Mm-hmm. I wanted something I could put the charger in, have space to put all my cables in, and just throw it in the back of a car and just roll on with it, not care about it. That's when I realized that this vendor was absorbed by Element Fourteen. Yeah, so it's, it's it's a shame because I I would love to pick up like one or two more cases, the the larger cases. And at this point, I'm not really sure where <laughs> I'm not really sure where I'm going to go. Well, I ended up getting a Harbor Freight now carries a, a handful of them. Okay, but the larger size they carry isn't near the size like what we're going to look for. Yeah, to put a. 9010 a.m. Yeah, that's the that that's the rub. Yeah. yeah, and the thing about that is, is I could walk into Harbor Freight, and it might have been ten bucks less on eBay. You got a twenty percent off coupon, and you're out the door with a decent hard case for twenty. I think it was twenty five bucks, twenty eight yeah. bucks. Yeah, yeah. And it 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 was what I wanted, and I could put hands on it and say, yes, this is fine. Yeah, and yeah. be and be happy with it. So anyway, no, I've got it. And uh, I've powered it up, but I honestly haven't done anything with it. Whitney, you need to show me how to make it do a self-test because it flashes at me, then says something like no info, which I don't. Doesn't? Okay. Yeah, I don't. I think our, the ribbon cable that goes from the, it came with a pod, but unfortunately that pod is for some processor I've never heard of. It's it's nothing we use in the arcade yeah, or pinball for, world. Yeah, for sure. And the ribbon cable that would go off into the motherboard, that actually goes into that test, that self-test see now i didn't do that yeah okay yeah i wasn't sure i just turned it on to make sure it wasn't gonna like 
you know, smoke or yeah, I at least wanted understood. to do something y- yeah. before I got too far away from the listing. Did, did you get it? Did you get any manuals with it by any chance? I got a quick reference for the pod, and I think for the. I will. You know what? I, when I over, over the next several days, I don't know that I'll, I'll be able to do it when, when I get home tonight. But over the next several days, just ping me and remind me, and mm-hmm. I'll get you the procedure out of the manual. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yep. That's cool. Yep. So got that. Need to look, find a case for it. Need to scare up a sixty five hundred two pod. But you know, it'll it'll all work out. I'm. I've got the base unit, so I've got a really good start, and I was thrilled to get it. I think I got it at a very good price. I got a very good deal on it, in my opinion, so I'm going to roll with it. Yeah, right on. Sounds good. Speaking of other new acquisitions, Frogger. And Whitney, are you taking a look at the show notes right now? I sure am. What's it say right after the line where it says Frogger? It says... Uh, let me let me get right down to oh, it. Oh, see, he yeah. lied to me. I yeah, said, it, says, it says, Casey, buddy, the hunt is over. <laughs> I had a frog. Yeah. yeah. Case, I want to put some inflection in that. You know, <laughs> I want to drive that one home. Casey's been trying to help me out. Casey Rolford has been trying to help me out on the frog, or like Nick was trying to help me out on the on the nip, on the it. nip it. Yeah. yeah. If uh, anything showed up in like the tri state area, I'd get a link. Yeah. That's and, cool. Uh, for, Frogger tends to be, I was telling Casey, I think I've said it on the show, he's had several go through his hands in the Atlanta area, but around here, I I, I just don't ever see them. I, I, the, the handful I know of, I know you've got one, and I think you went out of state to get yours, didn't you? No, I didn't. You didn't? Actually, okay. actually I got mine in Lexington, uh, so I, I didn't... I had so it's outside of Louisville, it, it's, it's but, not, out of state, but yeah. not out of state, but I had to drive, you know, all up a couple of hours, you know, top to bottom to get it, but it, yeah, and, and the place I had to haul it out of was... <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I got my Frogger in Lexington. In Lexington. Yes. So there's, there's that one. I know Z-Bar... Uh, they had a Frogger at one point. I'm sure they still got it. He had he brought that out of state, if I remember correctly. And then I've got an extended family member that happens to have one. And outside of that, I just Froggers just seem few and far between around here. The the I don't know if uh, our we got a buddy over in Indiana who's got a sizable collection. I don't know if he's got one. I'm not sure if if Tony has one or not. Um, good question. And I, I don't than, ever remember seeing one over at his place. The last but, Frogger I really remember yeah. was at the skating rink when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, here here's the thing, and this is it, it's so odd, but so so many of these common games are what we think are common games because we remember them from back in the day. Yep. There really has no bearing on the ability to get them today. No, it, it, it doesn't. And I, it, Frogger is definitely a case in point. You, it is harder than you think to find a good frogger. Or, or a frogger. Yeah, and, fair and, enough. You know, if you look at the cabinet, it's, it's rather generic, vertical it's monitor. rather that, dumpy. That, yeah, that, yeah, it's just a, it's a nondescript cabinet. Yeah. So you, it's it's perfect for a conversion. But I, I've never even seen a converted frogger cabinet. So you're yeah. you're right. You know, I, I guess that falls into the category of, hey, it was out there when we were younger. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean it was 
there was millions of them. There was millions of them. Yeah, it's it's weird. I, I don't know how many ta- how many takes they had to do on the Seinfeld episode where they destroyed a frogger. But uh, but I, I'm <laughs> I wonder gonna, if that was a real frogger. I, I, I don't know. It looked like one, but I'll attribute part of the scarcity to that. So. <laughs> like, is that is yeah. that why you can't find very many sixty eight or sixty nine Dodge Chargers anymore? <laughs> yes, and it makes me very mad. Sad. <laughs> yeah, mad slash sad. So I brought it back from Nashville, and it. it I was able to pick it up when I was in Nashville for the Grand Ole Game Room Expo, and I, I was—I'm absolutely thrilled to have that game. Oh, I mean, that I'm, game will be in the game room. Yeah, and you know something. Even though I have a Frogger, I'm still kind of jelly over it because you were telling me about it. I've not seen pictures of it yet. Well, you walk it there and see it in a minute. I yeah. will. Oh yeah, but but you were kind of describing this as is a pretty rare example of what you thought was maybe even a special frogger I, and this this is the deal this is what i granted i haven't seen i, I just went through the list of all the ones i know of and it, it's few and far between and i had called you up and asked you about yours i had remembered the frogger that wood grain side being kind of a matte fin and I, i'd love to hear from listeners hit us up on facebook or brent at brokentoken.com email me I have in my mind Frogger that wood grain has kind of got a matte type finish, not glossy at all, flat to a matte type sheen. This Frogger is, dare I say, glossy. And looking at it, I really don't think that this has been redone. And it's nice. It's got that very smooth feeling that you would associate with having that gloss finish. It just looks different. And the the Frogger that I that my extended family member has, I'd actually worked on it because the power supply had failed in it. And I uh oh. Mac oh uh oh somebody's at the door, Brent. I don't know if I don't know if Maxine's Maxine's bark wait a minute. I don't know what's going on, Whitney. <laughs> I That's thought, all right. I thought maybe she'd scared up a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Duck Maxine. Duck Maxine. Excellent. Well, to your left, honey. All right, got it. Good. Right, okay, good. good. All right. Whew, that was. I. She, you know what? That was close. We need to give her a dog biscuit, dude. Oh yeah. Because because she's keeping the turkeys off of us. She's gonna gnaw on that yeah. bird. Is what she's gonna do? Good. Good. I, you know what? I I hope she's still hungry when she's done. <laughs> so she'll so she'll tackle I another just, one. I just I just hope she doesn't eat the feathers this time because that. <laughs> yeah. That, that, well, you know, that me, isn't pleasant. Yeah. A day messy later. is as messy does. <laughs> you know. So if anybody has seen a frogger like this, I, I would really, I'd love to hear about it. And I asked you about the power supply in yours. Yours is just a linear power supply. It's got a, a board. Mm-hmm. And, it it, and if I remember correctly from, from having worked on my family members, I think it even says like, does it say what, what it's Sega I, on it? I would have to pop mine open yeah. and, and look for sure, but you, you've got me wondering about it now, and I, I need to I need to put my eyes on it actually. So this thing has a little transformer assembly and a switching power supply, and I know what people are thinking. You know, someone put a switcher in it. No, this is not grafted in it. Yeah, yeah. you can tell it's a old school. Looks factory installed, not yeah. cut into the harness. Switching power, almost like Century did, where okay. they had those little yeah. the the kind of uh, stunt stunted sized black uh, anodized switching power supplies in uh-huh. them, not like your standard P 
Peter Chow style e- switching e- power e- supply. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's almost like Century they special ordered or they they commissioned their own yes. switching power yeah. supply that fit their brand or fit their logo and branding and everything else. So yeah, totally get it. So that's what that's what this thing's got in it. So the cabinet looks different and the the power supply section looks different. I don't know what monitor was in it. I don't know what's common in the things. Uh, uh, being that it was, I don't know how Sega did it. Uh, all the Nintendo stuff was built overseas and shipped in, right? I know there's a handful of, of plywood cabs. Well, that were U.S. made. No, no, it's the particle board cabs. Our particle board that are U.S. Board, that are US board. made, okay. but all of the plywood cabs are Japanese imports. Yeah. So did Sega do that as well? I. Uh, it's a. That's a really good question because it's. This thing, it, this this could mean nothing. It's got a Geo Seven kind of grafted in it. And when you say gra- I saw the show notes, when you say grafted, what do you what do you mean by grafted? So it's got a the 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 monitor is a is a vertical monitor. Uh-huh. All right, your long yeah. axis goes up and down, sure. north south. Yeah, yeah. All right, yep. And you can do that two ways in an arcade game. You could use a, a standard horizontal framed monitor, mm-hmm. turn it 90 degrees and jam it in the hole. And mm-hmm. then you get in a situation sometimes, depending on the cabinet shape, like on a Gorf or on a Midway, uh, co- or not cocktail, a Midway, what is that thing to your right, Whitney? Oh, Cabaret. Cabaret. Yeah. Where, where the frame will stick out the back door, so they put like this plastic <laughs> shell on it. Yeah. The bubble. Then what is not as common is a a vertical mount frame where the frame actually has the tube turned 90 degrees. Mm -hmm. And then there's a narrower, shorter tray that dangles below it. That's got the chassis on it. Yeah. Yeah. And that means it was engineered to be that way. Correct. Rather than just, rather than just fit it. (laughs) Well, whatever was in this, there's still like a frame in there and it's for a vertical monitor. Okay. The, the, the chassis pan is oriented on the bottom, not on the side. It's oriented, down toward the bottom of the cab on a narrow dimension of the monitor. Okay, gotcha. And it looks like someone's hung a Geo 7 tube in it, or a, a, a tube with a Geo 7 yoke, a Geo 7 compatible tube in it, and they've taken a, a pan from a, follow me on this, a standard horizontal monitor, and they've folded up the outer edges like wings, you know, because... The, the the pan is wider than the chassis. Yeah. So I yeah. haven't looked at it super close to see if they've like put a little cut in it so it would flex better, but they folded it up like 30, 40 degrees so that the width would fit in the bottom of the of the frame that's there and they've wedged it in there. Oh, I see. Okay. So you can kind of make a Geo 7 out of whatever was there. That way, you know, because if they had put the Geo 7 in there with the horizontal frame, it would have hung out the back door. Or it might not have fit. I'd have to look at it real close to see if it would have even cleared in other places. So, I, that, I don't that know. Is, that's weird. I, so I, that's, where really, I'm going that's with really weird. Where I'm going with that is I don't know what was in it. Because I've seen some games, like, who did Hang On? That was... Um, that, was uh, oh, that was Sega. That was Sega. That's Sega. Yeah. Yeah. They, they used... Oh gosh, they use some another a monitor that's oddball to us when when you think US you typically had your 4900s your 4600s 4600s your Geo7s they used yeah. a 100 volt that wasn't a Sanyo it was something it probably else probably wasn't a Sanyo but No, it wasn't a Sanyo it was something else. I've got it was engineered nice. I mean, even the frame had a, like the Sanyos did, they had protection for the neck and all yeah, that stuff, but yeah. it, it's kind of an oddball monitor given what we're used to here in the States. And um, I, 
I, I just need to look at it closer. I wondered if something like that was in it. And that's what prompted somebody somewhere down the road to put in something that was a little little more common here. Okay, I got you. So I gotcha. nonetheless, I mean, I, I'm not worried about it at all. I'll, I'll get it all sorted out. I'll probably even just swap the frame out. I'm sure I've got a vertical frame for a Geo 7 or whatever I want to put in it floating around here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not worried about it at all. But what was more interesting was the, the cabinet itself. It's uber clean. It's really nice couple little nicks. I mean, almost nothing that's even noticeable. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But just the veneer has got that, it's got that shine, that sheen to it. Huh. And like I said, the power supply is different from the couple examples I know of, which is my family members and yours. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know what's up with that. Yeah, that's that's odd. But hey, you know, there's, there's probably special versions of every game out there. And maybe, dude, seriously, maybe you looked across, uh, you know, at, a fairly unique Frogger. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. But it, it came with a replacement CPO mm-hmm. and a bezel and the Frogger side art. So I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled with it. I'm thrilled with it. A couple more quick things. Cool. We'll yeah. talk about this more later, but I did order, uh, and I put in our show notes, quote, and I ordered and quote, I see tester quote from eBay. <laughs> so I've been kind of wanting to mess with one of these for a bit. And it's there's several designs in the sub thirty dollar range floating around out there on eBay. Oddly enough, there's a company here in Kentucky that I've bought some oddball uh, stuff uh, from. Hold, hold on, hold yeah. on. I'm gonna have to clean out my clean out my headphones. <laughs> Say that again. There's this company here in Kentucky. In Kentucky, yeah. And if whenever I'm kind of looking for. It, you go out on eBay and you put in just about any kind of little electronic gizmo and there's generally a hundred of these vendors that have the exact same thing with the same picture. Yeah. And it just looks like, okay, well I've imported, you know, the entire catalog from some company in China and I'm just going to be a U.S. I'm going to sell them in the U.S. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll see them as a USA seller. They'll tra- they'll put that over the picture. Yeah. At the little flag or yeah, something. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Well, there's a, company here in Kentucky that I've seen quite a bit that looks like one of those companies. That's where I was like, okay, hometown, hometown folks, I'll mm-hmm. order from them. It was mm-hmm. like 32 bucks. Yeah. And the one I went with was, it's just a real simple, basic little PCB. It's not even in a case. It's the PCB with a zip socket, one button to turn it on and a led multi-segment display. That'll give you the readout of what it detects the chip as. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, is you put the chip in it, you close the socket, you push the button, it'll read the chip. And if it can detect what it is, it'll report it. And that's should, should be a decent indicator that it's good. Yeah. Okay. Fair and enough. One of the reasons I went with this one was the videos for this particular model seemed to cover cover it pretty well and it seemed to be very reliable for what it was it covers their your standard 74 series logic chips it also covers the cd series which we see quite a bit in our games it covers some lm op amps including the 339 which is super common in what we do and then it also covers some ULN part numbers, including a 2803, which is common in some Bally Williams or Bally Williams WPC games that's used in the Switch Matrix. So I said, 30 bucks. I've kind of wanted one of these. If it does half of what it says it'll do, I'll, I'll be, be a, super I'll happy. I'll be okay. Yeah. I'll be happy with it. So I'll report on that a little later. I don't know if I have any specific links because, like I said, there's about a billion of them out there, but maybe we'll post a picture somewhere. <laughs> And the last thing I want to mention, 
is uh, over the course of the past couple years, we've been able to attend several shows, not only Arcane Pinball, but con-type shows, comic-con-type shows. And we've always given report here. There's a big one coming to town. I mentioned it last month that, that I was going to attend. It's the Louisville Supercon. And yeah. yeah. Are, are, have you decided to go? Well, yeah, I'm going to go. We're okay. going to go. But I, I'm going to just kind of mention it in passing because that's going to be the end of my coverage on it. One of the things that, yeah, one of the things that... Hey, that kind of catches, if anybody could see me, that really kind of caught <laughs> yeah, you by surprise. Look, he huh? kind of looks surprised. Yeah, so why, I mean, why, why would you say it that way? So here, here's the deal. And I don't want anybody to think that it, we do the podcast for fun. But every once in a while, it's the podcast is beneficial to us in that like for events like this, we can... Because we will report on it. Yeah. We've got a good size listener base. Oh, yeah. Not only international, but stateside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know as well as you do, Whitney, there's been shows where uh, folks, our list, we we know the listeners that come in because they come up and they say hi to us. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, And there's a lot of them out there I know that I've met that I've caught in an elevator somewhere and they're like, We'll we'll just chit chat. And they're like, Hey, and I listen to the show. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, when whenever I go to these shows, I look to go as as media. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna hang out, I'm gonna report on it. All right. So Louisville Supercon makes it very difficult to do that. Oh, I see. And the bar that they set is real high. Is unbelievably high. Well, then it's not then it's not worth your like not, national your media time. type high. And part of me is like, you know, you what for the Louisville Supercon? Yes. Part of me is like, okay, yeah, you you nah. don't want to go and have to you can't hand out passes like candy. I, I get that. Okay, I get and, that. And I know Whitney, you and I, we've been asked by shows to to weigh in on uh, past requests from other air quote media sources, mm-hmm. because since we do this, we tend to know who else does this. Mm-hmm. And right. the, it could be a daunting task to sit there and get a bajillion emails. And you have to sort out the person that just started up a YouTube channel for the express purpose of making an application for a pass to a show that's exactly versus right. somebody that's they've that, got some years under their belt. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I got into. I, I was looking at it and I was like, you know, we're, we're kind of, we got hometown advantage yeah. for lack of a better term. Yeah. And it was just kind of a little off-putting. And I, I tell you what really was the most off-putting thing about it is, is the end of it was the end of the, the, of the commentary and the requirements list had some spin in it that invited anybody to come on into the show and report on it regardless. Oh. And part of me, the benefit of the doubt was, okay, that would be an opportunity for somebody that, hey, look, I'm going to start doing this. Yeah, yeah. And I've got to build traction. But to me, it just seemed, I don't know. It's like, why that, that, I don't know why you'd have to state that. Yeah. It just seemed like a little unnecessary spin. Hmm. So I don't know. I was just I was just kind of a little surprised by all of it. You yeah, know? I mean, do you think it's going to? You don't think it's going to taint your experience there, do you? Oh, I don't. I I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. You know, I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to hang out. You know, we're going to we'll see what what's there to see. If yeah. there's uh, if there's anything I want, I'll surely pick it up. But that'll kind of be the 
end of it. Yeah, interesting. Well, I, I am curious to hear how it goes. But ultimately, that's one of those things that you almost want to find somebody responsible at the con and say, listen, your <laughs> your well, process is excluding people that want to cover your event. Yeah, your so, bar is a little high. Yeah, yeah, your bar may be a little high. I think, as I understand it, this is actually like a wizard con. Is that the one that I know I've heard of in Atlanta from Adam and JP before? Dragon on, con. Dra- no, no, no. Oh. There's, there's a... There's an organization, a business that sets up cons across the country. Oh, okay. okay. Then, then I think then that's. I, I know not what you're not what you're referring to. I'm sorry. I think they're all branded the same way, like Atlanta Wizard Con. Or there's people out there probably screaming at me right now. I think this Louisville Supercon is the same is the same sort of a situation. Yeah. Except they're locally branding it. They're not carrying the name of the company of their company that they might also use to set one up in Atlanta or Nashville oh, I, I or Texas, Dallas or, or whatever. It makes you wonder why they wouldn't, but then maybe they feel like some markets, it wouldn't be all that well received, or maybe it would I just, it would be viewed as, you know, just another me too kind of con. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm going to, I'm actually going to take that back and say, I know it's got to be that because they've got pictures of like, Oh, come out and see this and see that. And there's this part and there's huge crowds and this is, at another venue because there's never they've not had one here. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah it has to. I, be. I think I I think we would have heard not just I. I know I'm a little bit more in tune with that crowd than you are. Oh yeah, for sure. But I think we would have heard of the Louisville SuperCon before 2018. Oh, yeah, definitely. If there was a Louisville SuperCon. Yes. You know, definitely. we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. We've been in this circle. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. It was a li- like I said. It was just part of me is like I can understand it, but part of me was a little. Sh- well, I was quite a bit shocked. I was hmm. just surprised because I we've we've attended several events and I just it was just very, very surprising. Huh. But nonetheless, it kinda is what it is. Well if you uh, see me come up and say hi, but this will be the last you hear of it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, like I say, I mean I am interested to hear what you do feel about the about the con and just I guess overall impressions. But mm-hmm. yeah, I guess at that point just let it ride until until you're back. Yep. Yeah. Well, like I said, if you're there and you're you're a listener, I'll have a shirt on. If you've never seen me in person, you don't know what I look like. There's pictures of my ugly mug all over Facebook. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm I'm not necessarily the hardest person to miss. (laughs) Just look look for the shaggy blonde hair. But there you go. Anyway, yeah, come up and say hi if you see me. But cool. Yeah, Louisville Supercon. I I just I really wanted to go see William Shatner. I, I mean, that's that was going to be. Oh, one they're of pulling big guests. Yeah, they which are. Which is another indication. There's, there's no doubt yeah. about it. They're pulling big guests. Which is another indication that yeah, I mean, it's this isn't year one of the of a. It might be year one here in Louisville, but this organization is. Yeah, because they've got yeah. the reach to pull those kind of people. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Who, who are you looking forward to seeing there the most? Just well, out of honestly, curiosity. It, whenever I go to these. I generally just hang out in the vendor area. Okay. And I've never really been one to be starstruck. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I get it. But yeah, I, I still, I, I mean, I freely admit, I mean, I, I still, you know, fanboy, you know, a, a bit on my favorite shows. There, There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, in retrospect, you know, we lost Stan Lee yep. in between this recording and our prior recording. And if I, if I'm truly honest with myself, I, I am disappointed that I never got to see him in person or never got to meet him or just say hi and shake his hand because he was his his genre and his his product 
was very formative to me growing up. And he's one of those guys that I always thought you would be able, I always thought I would be able to see because it's like Stanley dude will live to be 127. He's not going anywhere. He's good, but you know, it's, it's, catches I, us all. I, I, it catches us all. And admittedly, I, I waited too long. I put it off. Have and, you caught and now, up on now? I do regret it. Have you caught up on the recent podcast roles? Uh, no, I'm probably still four or five behind okay. actually at this point. So shout out to the guys, Adam and JP. Yep. If you haven't listened to podcast roll, stop this recording now. Okay. Don't delete it. You yep. come back to yeah, it. Thank you. Don't delete. Go subscribe to podcast roll. Yeah, Cause it hurts, out. it hurts when you delete. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes, yeah. It, oh, it, it, it hurts. It, <laughs> you know, you know what happens every time someone deletes a podcast of ours? It, delete. It, yeah. Turkey over my shoulder. <laughs> yep. A, t- a turkey loses. Exactly. That's what happens. That's what happens. Yeah. Save the turkeys. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. For what it's worth. I can't believe I took a, a, a nice heartfelt moment having to do with Stan Lee into a, into a bit about shooting a turkey. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, yeah. where I was going with that is, is uh, they, and I can't think of his name. The, he's been on the show before, but they, they do a third seat with a gentleman that had a long running history having, like you, hit, uh, Stan's work was important in his formative years. Uh, yes, very. And it became important to his kids because he introduced his children to, you know, the stories uh-huh. and in the background that is uh-huh. Marvel in the That's universe. Right. That's right. And uh he'd even gotten to a point where he was he he was friends or knew or good terms with some of Stan's handlers oh, and, wow. okay. and the like. So it's a it's a really you'll catch it. It's a it's I, I, I'm I'll be looking forward to it. It, it's an awesome episode. Yeah, I, I do not listen to Adam and Jay. Oh well, but I'm where sorry. I was going with that is is part the underlying story yeah. that this gentleman, I think his name was Mike, that he yeah. told yeah. was is that he was Stan was always on point. If you were the first guy or the three thousandths guy, yeah, he would make you feel like a million bucks. Yeah, I could tell and that just by just by watching him. It, it, he. He never apparently it was like he it's like how does he keep going? He never lost energy. He was he loved the fans. Yeah. And and to, to circle back to your question, I you know, there's there's a thing about it's it said you but you never want to meet your heroes. Yeah. You know, I think Shatner would be cool. Yeah. You know, I I'd I'd be cool with Shatner. Yeah. But part of me just doesn't want to to even for a few seconds meet somebody. Yeah. Uh and the part of me honestly just doesn't want to stand there in a line. Well, I get that because you see these lines at the cons, especially for the A the A listers. Yeah, and it they are huge. They're they're, they're very long. And, yeah, and I, I totally get that. But there, I, I think when I look back over all the years of me being a sci fi slash comic aficionado fan, however you want to however you want to classify that. There, there are two people that that were very formative to me and made such an impression on me, and I did not get to meet either one of them in person, and that's Leonard Nimoy mm-hmm. and Stan Lee, and I and, and I regret not ever being able to meet them, and I never, you know, and now I never will. So, and I identify with their characters or their stories or their contributions or just what they represented and, and what I, or at least what I felt they represented. And I I mean, I get that you say you never want to meet your heroes, but to, to some degree, I think, I I think that I, I, 
I probably cherry pick the ones that would not let me down, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'll just, I'll just kind of park that there and leave that there. But I totally get where you're coming from. I totally get where you're coming from. So let let me, while we're talking Star Trek on a arcade and pinball podcast. Oh yeah. Let me plug another show. Okay. It's not like this gentleman needs it because he's like constantly in like the top five or the top three short form podcast on iTunes in okay. terms of their lists. But yeah. have you ever heard the show the way I heard it with Mike Rowe? Oh, I have not heard that one, but I'm a big fan of anything Mike Rowe. Mike, yeah, Mike is awesome. He is so, absolutely awesome. If uh, if you're not familiar with the name Mike Rowe, if you've ever heard the heard of the show Dirty Jobs, Dirty Jobs. from several years ago, yep. where Mike would travel the country and do jobs that uh, uh, keep civilized. They, keeps, they keep they keep society moving. Yeah, there was a tie, there was a tie, something about that keeps civilized society civil or something. Yeah. So there was some subtitle to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike is an, an awesome, awesome individual. Yeah. Uh, check out his Facebook page and and just read up on Mike Mike Rowe. But nonetheless, he's got this show. It's called The Way I Heard It, and the average length is like ten minutes. Okay, and he'll tell a story. And the thing is, is that you don't know who he's telling the story about. Uh huh. It could be Gene Simmons, which yeah. there's been Gene Simmons story. It could be the story of here in the United States around Christmas, you get the, the NORAD NORAD track Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He told the story of how that happened and yeah. it was complete. It was a complete accident and it was actually, carried across the finish line by someone who by all rights wouldn't have done something like that yeah. who wouldn't have gone with rolled with the the uh, rolled with it yeah. and made it happen yeah 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 you know, supplied the momentum to get it to get it done exactly yeah. so it's all these just interesting stories but okay so here's where I'm going the November 6th show is called a conventional hero okay a conventional hero. I'm not going to tell you who it's about, other than I'll uh, uh, mention it's related to the topics we're discussing. Okay. You, everybody, you need to check this out. If okay. you're fans of ours, yeah, you'll you'll enjoy this. Okay, fair enough. And I, I, it, I it'll hook you it on out. the rest of his shows. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You could download his entire catalog. I, I, I at one point in time, I probably had. 20 on here. Yeah. And I just I just set them up in like a playlist and started cutting grass. Yeah. It. it it's an awesome show. Yeah, so cool. anyway, the way I heard it with Mike Rowe, a conventional hero. Okay. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Okay. 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 Yeah. So Whitney, that was actually, I didn't plan on, if you take a look at my notes, I didn't, I, from, from a space perspective, I didn't have a whole lot, but man, I really rambled on <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> and you know, uh, I'm, I'm ready for Christmas dinner because we've got some Turkey lying around. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it is, uh, it is about that time. I mean, well, when I think about, when I think about my November, I mean, it was, uh, underscored and overshadowed by a few different, <laughs> a few different <laughs> events. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But uh, but let, let's let's start with was let's start with all that's right. So it had a great Thanksgiving uh, with the family, and you know got some got some really good time with Jackie and Grace. And so uh, you know, we as a family we we had uh, we had some really good time together. So I, I was very thankful for that. We we traveled twice this year. Uh, my brother and his wife 
just had twin baby girls, Brent. Oh. And so, uh, of course, with uh, brand new baby girls and you know them starting their family, uh, they wanted to host this year. So we did that over at their house, and that was absolutely wonderful. So it's it's so neat to see the family grow in, in that regard. And uh, did that, and then uh, over some other uh, some other family members, and then then we hosted uh, on Friday, and uh, yeah, def- definitely a lot of fun. But ultimately, that's three big meals within within forty eight hours. Okay, and let me tell you, when you <laughs> say when you say it that way, that's hard on a it, person. I mean, I was very conservative in my Thanksgiving gorging. Oh yeah, I was too. But it still weighed on me. Oh yes, <laughs> through like yeah three days because yeah. it's a here here uh, in the in the states a, a lot of people are fortunate enough to have that Thursday the Friday and of course then you're into a weekend yeah so still Saturday I was like wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know, still feeling it. So I, I mean, you know. It's one of those scenarios where I, I, I was very proud of myself. No desserts, didn't go crazy. It just uh, just made. Yeah, my I was plate. a little I, silly I, on the desserts. Well, that, that's that's okay. That's yeah. okay. But I just made my plate and finished my plate. But the one, the great thing about it is though, is my brother did get me a pumpkin roll, and so Ooh. yeah, so these pumpkin rolls are made by ladies at his church in print, and they roll a pumpkin roll that has that has got to be easily. Um, Close to six inches. Jeez, that it, is. And I, I mean, it's just. I mean, the average pumpkin roll is three. Yeah, I mean, these things are huge pumpkin rolls, and uh, it's one of those. I mean, it's so large that I have to cut it in half and then freeze the other half for Christmas, and then slowly you're, but you're surely, such an amateur. Slowly but surely, you're such an amateur. I'll, 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 I'll whittle six inch pumpkin roll. I don't care. It'd be gone. I, I, oh, let me tell you, it's 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 delicious, and it's funny because. I, I, I'm such a, a fan of anything pumpkin, pumpkin cake, pumpkin pie, pumpkin muffins, you know, pumpkin loaf, pumpkin bread, it, it just pumpkin rolls. It doesn't matter. I just pumpkin love pumpkin spice, pumpkin, pumpkin co- spice, pumpkin I love chapstick. It. It's it's yeah, it, it's awesome. I, I mean, you know where I can get pumpkin chapstick? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all, all things being equal, so, I'm going to Google some pumpkin yeah, chapstick yeah, right yeah, now. We, we need we need to get that. But anyway, um, Thanksgiving also notes the official start of the uh, as Jackie would call it have the game room ready for christmas buddy yeah season okay clean and it up move that stuff around Get yeah everything yeah working. yeah make make sure that everything turns on and everything works so uh we host a lot usually over christmas brent so i mean it's it's not unusual for us to have five or six get-togethers over at our house uh, over the Christmas holiday, over Christmas and New Year's holiday, kind of all strung together. So uh, I open the game room for each one of them, and people play a lot of arcade and they play a lot of pinball, and uh, I've, I've got to have everything up and ready, ready to roll. So, so there's that. So that that's what I'm that's what I'm rolling on right now, and that's what I'll be focusing uh, a good bit of my time on over the next two to three weeks. Um, but as far as but as far as kind of what uh, what what went really well over the course of this month in, in the hobby itself, I did get all of my armor back from Hot Rod Arcade for my TNA. Got all that powder coated. Got it all back. It's absolutely beautiful. I, I need to throw up a before and after picture. It looks exactly like I wanted it to look. So uh, Chris Royalty and and uh, his guys down in uh, Nashville do a, a fantastic job when it comes to that. So, so so let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, when you take the side rails off, yes, are they um, two fa- uh, two f- 
two double sided. Always, we always said two face tape growing up, but yeah, double sided tight tape. No, are they? They're not double sided taped on. No, okay, no, they're not. No, they're not. Which is fine. Yeah, and and I don't put double sided tape on either. In fact, I've taken side rails off most of my machines, and none of them have been double sided tape. Okay, because yeah. I, I th- like I'm looking at high speed, and it's nailed in. Yeah. I've never had any off. Well, you're right. It actually is. Oh yeah, it's they're, they're not screwing around with that. No, no, no. And Th- that's not something you would immediately realize until you actually look at it closer. But you're exactly right. Do you know what the? Sp- I always looked at them as threshold nails because that's the only place around a house where they're little brad headed nails. That's exactly what and they are. Cut it with a, like a, a spiral fluting uh-huh. in them. Yeah, to, that's, to where they self-tap as they go. Yeah, and they they'll, they'll lock in, they rotate That's exactly That's right. the kind of nails that should, that should be held on with. That would well. that would be the source of endless frustration Oh, to well, if, pull those off. Well, the intention, I don't think, was to ever remove it. This much is probably true. And I'm fairly certain that when you get into your Williams games, especially your later ones, they're double-sided tape. They're, uh, they're on with double-sided tape. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm not sure about the data east, but th- that's what I was wondering. How did you get them on and off without damaging them? They're apparently they're, pretty easily. Pretty easily because they just use fasteners and that's it. So, uh, yeah. So was able to remove everything, get it, got it shipped all down to Chris. He took, he took very good care of me and, uh, got it all back. And it's, uh, I'm in the process of getting it all put back together, but it looks, I mean, Brent, it just, I, for everybody, I, I, I will, I need to tweet or put it on the Facebook page, a, a before and after picture. And it, I mean, it's just, it's, it's stunning. So I, I got, I got the armor done in what's called a mini text black. So it's, it's got just a, a just a, a bit of a heathered texture to it. So you can kind of think of it as like Stern's OEM black texture is, is what it's probably closest to, but it feels very, very good to the touch. Very, 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 uh, very, very nice. And Brent, um, on another note, I, I've been looking for one of these for a while, and uh, this is one of the better. This is what I classify in the better lucky than good category. <laughs> but uh, I did get a Time Pilot Woo-hoo! this month. Yes, one hundred percent complete, one hundred percent working. Uh, it could definitely the monitor. The, the monitor could de- definitely use a rebuild and a clean. It's got some Time Pilot burn on the tube, but uh, opened it up right before I. I put it in my truck just to look at it, and um, and Brent, I will say, I did use one of the Braun lights, and I uh, put that Braun light right down there, <laughs> right right down there on the on the isolation transformer, and it just lit up the inside of the Time Pilot like fireworks are going <laughs> off, and. And the guy even said, he goes, man, that's a really bright light. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And um, so it was very easy to very easy to see what was going on, but no bootleg board. Um, everything Everything's original. So I, I was very pleased with that. And that one came to me. Uh, it's kind of a kind of an interesting story. I was uh, I was at work one morning, walking into a customer meeting, and my phone dinged, and and I had somebody IM me on Facebook. It said, "Hey, I just did a mention of you in in the local uh, in the local yard sale group. Go check he, it out." He wanted you to have this. Oh yes, and and so I, I stopped in the middle of the parking lot, looked down at my phone, made sure I wasn't going to get hit or anything like that, and looked down at my phone. And uh, my buddy had linked me to a for sale post on a upright Pac-Man. And this Pac-Man, Brent, it looked okay, but it didn't look anywhere near as good as the money that they were asking for it. And the guy was asking a lot for this Pac-Man. 
what I would definitely consider <laughs> high to be. stepping. It was it was a high stepping Pac Man, and by the time I saw it, it, it had already sold. So it, it, it didn't. <laughs> Apparently, it, he didn't ask enough. It, well, I guess that would be the case. <laughs> if it, yeah, but when I saw the price, I was like, "Ouch! There, I no, no way would I pay that. I, I, I would, I wouldn't even know that I'd pay half that for one, for half what he was asking for one. But anyway. Um, that all, all that being said, but you know, by, by the time that I saw it, it already sold, but it was one of those scenarios where he had taken a picture and I could see like there were, there was a couple of other cabinets like cut out of the picture based on the way he cropped it okay, or just the way he took the picture. And so I messaged the seller and I said, Hey, listen, I, I know the Pac-Man's gone, but I really wasn't after that anyway. Do you have anything else that that you may you know that you may have for sale? So had you already realized you could just see that there were cabinets, or did you know what it was? No, no, I didn't know what it was. Okay. I could just see that there were cabinets, and so I thought, well, he's got a Pac Man, so he's got to have at least one or two other games. Maybe they'll be good, and maybe they'll be for sale. And so I messaged him, told him such, and uh, he did get back with me in a couple of hours, and he said. He goes, yeah, I've got I've got a time pilot for that, that I was thinking about listing for sale. I want this much for it, blah, like that. And I was very surprised because the blah number that he blurted out, Brent, was totally and one hundred percent fair. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, I mean, said, he high stepped it on the Pac Man. He so. high stepped it on the Pac Man, so he didn't need to get it back on the Time Pilot. So I, I said, listen, I, I would love to see pictures of the Time Pilot. Send, send them over because, you know, if, if it's, if it's what I, if it's what I hope it to be, then we should talk. And so he sent me four or five pictures, took a video of it running. And I said, oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and he did. He told me, he said, listen, I've got the Time Pilot priced fair. So I'm not really all that willing to to cut myself another 50 or 100 bucks. And I'm like, you don't have to. You've got it priced fair. That's that's fine. And, and Brent, I'll tell you, I love to wheel and deal as much as anybody, but I'm not going to beat a guy up when when he's being decent about it all yeah, to that begin makes sense. with. You yeah. know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I just you know I asked him. Uh, I said, "Listen, will you hold it for a day or two until I until my schedule will allow me to get to it?" And he said, "If you if you tell me you're going to come pick it up, I will not list it for sale." And I'm like, "Do that." And I said, "You're good. I'm good. I'll see you on." I'm just pulling this out of the air. Wednesday afternoon, late. You know, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And so I went to go pick up the time pilot and you know, Brent, it was, it was everything that, um, that he showed it, that he showed it to be. And I paid the man, uh, his money and I put it in the back of my truck and drove it home, you know? So <laughs> there it is. I, I got a time pilot, which I'm very happy about because that game has eluded me for <laughs> quite some time. And I don't really know why, because it's not like it's rare. It's not like it was uber, super popular. But I will say, you mean like Frogger? Yeah, like Frogger. <laughs> but I will say, Time Pilot is just one of those games that if you like it, you really like it, and I, I do. I really dig it. Uh, so I've 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 wanted one for a bit. So you so reminded me actually. I need to open mine up. My Monroe stick that's in mine. Yeah. When you do the full three sixty with it, yeah. There's a position. I think it's like when the stick is like about six o'clock. Where I'll, it'll click. It'll click. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I don't know. 
it's kind of on like a, uh, it pivots on a ball. Mm-hmm. So I doubt it's anything in that. I'm sure it's one of the switches or something kind of hanging it, up or it something. It probably is. I mean, th- that's the only thing about this one is that it did not have a Monroe joystick in it. Everything else on it was as exactly as it should be. But from that, from that being said, um, at some point in time, the Monroe took a vacation and decided not to come back. And I've got to, I've got to get a Monroe or, or, pull one out of my parts stash in order to put it back put it back yeah you proper. really need to play that with a you you need Monroe. To, it's like gyrus you, you need to play it with the stick that it was engineered with because that that does make all the difference in the world and it, want, it, oh yeah, yeah i wonder how common it is for those things to just break you see the you see them replaced games that should have them like you know gyrus and time pilot and yeah. a couple others out there they're generally not in the game i know it's really weird when i got my time pilot it was in it uh-huh. it was in the cabinet it, yeah but it, the the base plate was cracked in half yeah not i mean all the way through oh, not wow. just like there was a crack it was in two separate pieces that bisected the the center point where the pivot goes mm. it, it makes you wonder it, it makes you wonder how hardy they they really were because if they if they succumb to you know being leaned on pushed on beat around a bit or whatever i'm sure most operators would say why do i want to put in another special stick that's just going to break i'll just yeah. grab a four-way wicko I mean, and it, call it done when you look at it it's pretty straightforward and it seems like it would be pretty sturdy yeah but yeah. apparently, I don't. Know. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, when I play on my gyrus, I think that the Monroe stick is probably one of the more robust sticks out there because it 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 has. I don't know. It's got a short, stubbier kind of feel to it, and I mean, when you, when you rotate the thing around the around the horn, I just don't get the feeling that it's flimsy. So I don't understand why they break. I I, I don't know. It's weird to me, but I, I mean, I, I can confirm what you're saying because mine has no mine has no Monroe in mm-hmm. it, so it's gone. But ultimately, that's that's what, what I'm going to have to do. But Brent, before we talk about the Grand Ole Game Room Expo, I do have one thing for November that I that I, I just have to lament. Okay, I, I really do. And um, this is dum, dum, dum. yeah, dum dum dum. This is the return of the plumbing podcast, and I I, I need to take the next. However many minutes, uh, I'm going to hope it's not many, but so that everyone can cry along with you. Yes, yes, but but Brent, I I, I actually shed a tear in November because uh, it was one of those you know gloom, despair, and agony on me types of scenarios. <laughs> All I needed was a hee haw backdrop, and I would have been uh, I would have been right at home. That okay? is hilarious. So here's the deal: I go to bed on a Thursday night. Okay. Well, there's your first mistake. It, well, this this much is true. Uh, thinking that Friday morning would be a okay, you know, uh, go to bed on Thursday night, not a thing, a miss. All right, and uh, lay my lay my uh, gentle little uh, lay my lay my little head down to gentle sleep, and boom, you know, off I am. I wake up Friday morning and dreaming, dreaming of turkey. Yeah, dream, dreaming of turkeys, sugar plums, and you know the, Monroe joysticks, Monroe joysticks, <laughs> and gingerbread men. You know, it's a you know, mm, not gingerbread. But uh, if you if you've seen Shrek, that 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 one part of Shrek where the little gingerbread man's being interrogated by the by the by so like long. the little impish guy, and he goes, "You know the muffin man?" He goes, "I know the 
the Muffin Man. You know, and he says it just like that. Grace and I, I we we laugh over that all the time. You know, anyway, anyway, that random but odd. So, so not the Muffin Man, but um, wake up Friday morning and I hear. Here's something in the bathroom that just does not sound right. Okay, and so and so I, I'm you know I, I'm standing in the bathroom and I'm going. Hold on, that's a show title. Go ahead, I'm yeah, scrolling up. Yeah, yeah, record that. And I, I'm I'm standing there in the bathroom going, what in the world is that sound? Because it's going like this, like that. And here I'll, I'll do that again. Okay like that and i'm wondering it, it, it's almost to the point where you question whether you're actually hearing it or not because jackie gets up and i ask her did, did you leave an, a, an am radio on no in the well she won an am radio in a pipe yeah okay and i'm and, and i'm wondering it's like I, I it's like i need to make sure that i'm hearing this because it's it's definitely very 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 low jackie gets up and i ask her and we're standing there in, in the bathroom just in total total silence and i'm like do you hear this and she's like no i don't hear a thing i'm like no 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 trust me listen do you hear this and she's like no i don't hear a thing and, and i'm like i'm like this is driving me absolutely insane and 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 i'm and, and i'm to the point where i'm like okay i know i'm hearing something but I, I i cannot put my finger on what it is i'm hearing so i kind of dismiss it because it's like we got to go get grace up get her ready to go to school and everything like that walk down the hallway Pat, you know, get Grace up out of bed, and then we walk uh, walk on further down the hallway, and and I walk past her bathroom, and Brent, I'm telling you, dude, I have got eagle ears, okay, not not eagle <laughs> eyes, I've got eagle ears, okay, because I'm standing outside of her bathroom in the hallway, and the TV is on in the living room, and what do I hear coming from her bathroom? Just like that, okay? And I, I, I mean, Jack, it could be worse. It could be this. <laughs> yes. Oh, trust me, that would have been. Uh, yeah, I'd pulled my hair and my hair out. But, <laughs> it, but I get Jackie, and I'm like, stand here, Jackie. Listen, do you hear that? She's like, I don't hear anything. <laughs> and I, I'm like, he's killing Is she me. She deaf as yeah. a stone. No, no. You know something? I, I I truly believe that men and women have different ranges on what they can hear because like her and I will be sitting downstairs watching a movie and there are sound effects that I hear that she does not hear at all yet she can hear stuff that I, maybe I just ignore or I, I don't know, but I, I run into that in movies today. I know I, Lord of the Rings drives me crazy. Cause there's, there's sections. Actually, I walked into the fitness center at work today yeah, and one of the Hobbit movies was on. Yeah. Uh, in, in uh, on the television and th something in the way they mix the sound through that entire series of movies, I can hear the actor's voice and yeah. I know which actor it is. Yeah, but it, it just might as well be. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I just can't. Yeah, it, it, it's anyway. It's, it's weird. It, it's weird. But regardless, I could hear it and she couldn't. And and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, if I hear this in both bathrooms, now I got to find it. I got a problem. Yeah, and now I've got to find it. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, that's got to be water, and it's got to be a very small spray type of leak. But if I'm hearing it up here, 
my problem is going to manifest downstairs. <laughs> and, I, and, 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 it, and it was the most sinking feeling when I come to that realization. Gravity, get you. gravity, gravity wins. Gravity won. And I immediately ran downstairs and started looking at the ceilings in the basement downstairs. And I thought, okay, I get down into the home theater room. Everything's good. Okay, I'm like, all right, okay. If if there's if there's if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be in this spare bedroom, which is right underneath of both of the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And I fling open the door to the spare bedroom, <laughs> like Kramer, and, ha! And like Kramer, ha, like that. And Brent, what am I greeted with? I have got. What am I greeted with? Hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. What am I greeted with? <laughs> yeah, and what did I do? Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And and Brent, I'm look at my ceiling in my spare bedroom in despair. In despair because it's already bulging, and the drywall, the plaster, the drywall plaster is already peeling off at the seams of of the pieces of drywall that make up the ceiling. Okay. Mm -hmm. And at that point, water is already dripping down through the ceiling into my carpet and my carpet is completely wet okay uh, was there any furniture in that room uh yes but fortunately nothing was underneath where well, the, where the okay. leak was right. so it was just it was just carpet is what it was hitting okay but i could tell that it had been leaking for quite some for quite a few hours because the ceiling showed it and the in the carpet was wet enough okay and this is far away from the game room it, it, or far it, enough it, it is far enough okay okay so it's on the front side of the room uh, that, that that was affected. So fortunately, it didn't make it to the game room. But but here's here's I guess the 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 happy the happy fortunate side of this. You know, if if I'd been traveling or had left the house or was not persistent in knowing what I had heard. Then Brent, it would have continued to leak for another day Oof. or another twelve hours or whatever. And, and Brent, what would have eventually happened is the ceiling would have absorbed the drywall would have absorbed everything that it could, and it it would have acted like a sponge, and the water would just start migrating across the ceiling mm-hmm. to the other rooms, yep. and then and then eventually it I would have had water in three rooms. One of which being my game room. Okay. So I feel lucky that I caught it when I did. But at that point, uh, knowing what, knowing what I was looking at, I'm like, okay, it sounds like the leaks upstairs, but I could have been hearing a much faster leak down here, just muffled upstairs. So I I really need to see what I'm up against from a leak standpoint. So I went ahead and cut the water off during the pipes. Um, there's there's nothing that I could do at that point. I'm like, okay, I need to go ahead and get Grace to school. Attend, you know, I've got some meetings for work I got to attend to. I'm like, it's not going to get any worse because the water's the water's cut off. I'll tend to it as soon as I can get back here to the house, get work taken care of, get back to the house, get up on a ladder, cut the ceiling open, and I I, I systematically and <laughs> I systematically drain about three five gallon buckets just, out of my ceiling. I just envisioned you on a bucket uh, yeah. on a ladder. Yeah, and you reach up and. As soon as you stick 
a box knife and doing yeah. this. Bloosh! Yeah. Well, fortunately, that did not happen, okay? Because what Whitney did is Whitney used his ladder and got off center, and then I cut I cut at about an arm's length distance, okay? You thought ahead. I thought ahead. And I cut. You're no fun. No, I'm no fun at all. Trust me, Brent, I was mad. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. And, I know. And I was, I was not. I was a good thing I was at the house myself by myself because I was no fun to be around. And I cut and, and I had my bucket underneath where I was going to cut and I cut and I just let it drain. And then I swapped the bucket out and let it drain and swapped the bucket out and let it drain. By the time it was done, I had probably three, three and a half, five gallon buckets oh, that I extracted geez. out of the ceiling. Okay. And then after it stopped draining is when I got back up on the ladder and I went to town and cut about a third of my ceiling out of that room. So all that water was setting in a channel, basically, uh, assuming it's not, you know, it's not going to be watertight, the channel that is... The subfloors. The the, the, the the floors are always above you, yes. and then the lower side of the channel formed by the drywall. Yeah. It was all setting in probably a couple of those space... Yeah. Gosh. And, 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 it, and over time the ceiling was acting like a sponge. So the water level eventually would have gone down to nothing, mm-hmm. but it would have spread yeah. throughout the ceiling and just, or this, or it would have just gotten saturated. It would have just collapsed in or it would have just yeah. collapsed in one of the two. It would have naturally drained. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like sploosh. Yeah, sploosh. <laughs> yeah exactly. So fortunately, it, you know, it didn't ruin my home theater, which I was very, very uh, concerned about because uh, because I, I've had I, I've had a correction problem there once already, and um, and it didn't get into the game room, which I was also very very fortunate about. But ultimately, what wound up happening to make a, a long sorted story as short as possible, um, yeah, I cut the I cut the ceiling out. About a third of the ceiling of the room had to come out, and then I turned the water back on because I had to find the leak. Okay, well, lo and behold, the leak did not come from the pipes that were downstairs because after I turned the water on, about three minutes elapsed, and then it started dripping right through the floor joist again. Ugh. And I thought, great, this the leak is actually upstairs, and because it's upstairs, that means it's in a wall upstairs. Yep. So I, I just left it leaking. Yeah, left the water on, left it leaking, and then went upstairs and put my ear to the wall in the bathroom, and I just tracked the leak down with my ear, and I figured the spot. I figured out the spot where it's coming radar. from. Yeah, exactly. And I figured out the spot wh- where it was coming from, and it was in between the wall, in between our master bathroom and our the guest bathroom, or I guess the 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 smaller bathroom, the half bath that, that Grace uses. And at that point, you know, we've got marble in that shit. Well, we had marble in that shower, and I'm like, here it goes. So I went downstairs and got a sledge. Oh and wow! Kabam, and I demolished my shower. And I found my I saw, leak. I saw the pictures. I didn't realize. I, I thought maybe it was a shower stall, like a plastic drop-in shower it was no on that, marble? That, uh, that's on grace's side okay is the plastic or is the fiberglass insert why didn't you okay. take that out uh because i knew that it did, it didn't matter which one i took out the other one was going to have to come out as well because that leak was going against oh, both so it was gonna yeah it was gonna saturate the wall it's gonna saturate yeah. the wall behind it so the thing about it is even is, with green board or something it can only take so much e- yeah even when you've got the green board or the hardy backer board or mm-hmm. whatever it can only take so much now that being said the green board is a big help 
but it can only take so much. Yeah. And um, as soon as I uh, as soon as I popped the marble on the on the shower, and then I, I I peeled back you know a lot of the marble with my pry bar and everything like that. And I got to the well. That marble not come off in sheets. I mean, is it brittle enough for if you try to put a little sideways? It's yeah, but it'll, it'll but it's snap it. It's really. It was really tall and wide sheets though, and, okay. I, and I'm just one guy. So so I popped it with a with a hammer oh, and and uh, have and have or thirded my work. You know, yeah. within about ten seconds. Um, and then once I got the first sheet off, then I could use a pry bar and get every other sheet off. I just had to kind of break the seal is, mm-hmm. is what I had to do. And at that point, Brent, I knew I knew that we were getting a new shower, you know, so yeah. it's like, well, it's coming out. I pulled the marble out and the drywall was as soft as oh. as as a as a turkey's gobbler. OK, <laughs> and all I did, Brent, is I took my I took my foot and what did I do? Just push it right to the sploosh. I, I sploosh. <laughs> and I push and I push that drywall and just the action of my sneaker against that drywall caved all that drywall oh in. Oh my god. And I'm like, who it's been leaking for a while yeah, now. Absolutely. And so by the time that I got it all cleaned out, uh, found the leak. Got myself some, got myself some peck, and you know, got the got the patch in and everything like that, and uh, was able to get the water turned back on. But um, I've now got a scenario where I've got to take out the fiberglass insert that's got to come out because of mold, and then of course this bathroom has this shower has got to be completely redone because of because of mold. So those copper lines had been leaking for a long, long time, Jeez. and it just finally got to the point where you could actually hear it. Okay, and so everything was absorbing it for quite some time until it just reached a point where it was leaking faster than it could be absorbed. Somewhere in the past, I don't think it was the last plumbing episode we we were talking about my concerns down here yeah and how i was just the, the way my house is laid out the 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 the, the there's a water wall a wet wall close to some games yeah yeah okay yep and, and that's basically this wall here to my left that my star castle and my uh rip off are, are next to yep which the other side of that is the bathroom and there's yep. a shower on there so that wall that's so true. there's actually two copper pipes that that come out radiate toward the center of the house that come into that wall. But other than (laughs) that, everything else is kind of sequestered in this back quarter of the house. That's the laundry room. And then the bathroom in the basement is under the bathroom that's upstairs. And that's a drop ceiling in there. So everything I I have access to 98.5% of all the plumbing oh that's good because i have access to very little of my plumbing because and, everything's was finished well i mean what have you decided to do because i i know well what, here, it, what i told you like in this basement and this yeah. had to do with like some of the electric yeah because i realized that they had hidden when i when i got into this house i realized that they had just the I pulled there's there's can lights in the ba- in my basement yeah and i had dropped them da- all down and i could see a couple things that I expected to see based on other wiring I could see in the laundry room going into a cavity. Yeah. And they had in one place about over your head where I actually have an access panel that you can't see. It's, it's right up there tucked up above the tempest. Oh, okay. They had drywalled over a junction oh, yeah, box. I see, I see it. Yeah. 
So, you know, I checked everything out, all the other channels, if you will, out. I took flashlights and from all the other places I have access, I could look into all of them. Everything else is cool. But at one point in time, I considered, you know, if I want to do anything down here, I almost just took a drywall or a, a, a box knife, cut the seam at the wall to ceiling and pulled all the drywall down. And just I was going to go with back with exposed rafter or floor joists and just paint it all black. Yeah. Or yeah. gray. Yeah. Yeah. I almost did that. Not not a bad idea at all. Um, I haven't committed to anything as of yet as to what I'm going to do. But what I'm left to do is I'm left to fix my master bathroom. I've got to tile up a new shower in my master bathroom after um, after doing all the plumbing work because all the copper that's in that bathroom is going to come out and it's all going to go back as PEC. Okay. Is it PEC so, or PEX? Is it is it PEX? I thought it was PEX. Is, is it, is you know, it, like is it PEX? Stuff. Yeah, the plastic stuff. I okay. Thought it, I thought I, it was PEX. Is I it PEX? It, it may be PEX. I, I've I've heard it as PEC as well. But it, okay, let's well, go. With PEX. I may have heard it wrong. Yeah, I think. Well, you the know, problem is I've heard it both ways, and I'm no plumber, so that that's the issue. But let's say PEX, okay? So, yeah, you know, all that copper is going to come out, and we'll go back with PEX on all of that. New, you know, new fixtures, blah blah blah. Yeah, I put in PEX. It get it. Google says PEX, P-E-X. Okay, PEX. PEX. Okay, let's call it that then. And um, I'm going to go back with that everywhere that I possibly can. And uh, tile in a new shower, uh, master bathroom, tile in a new shower in Grace's bathroom uh, after the mold, you know, after the mold is addressed and everything. And then that leaves me with what I'm going to do with the mat, with the guest bedroom downstairs, because I got a third of the ceiling cut out. Um, it, it, I, you know, Brenna, I'd have to cut the rest of the ceiling down and then determine if I wanted to go with the drop ceiling or... Uh, or, or what? And I'm not against doing any of that. But here's the thing that that I will that I will say. Okay, two things good have have come out of this. Okay. Well, number one, we've got to do some remodeling. Okay, and that's going to cost money. All right. So there's there is that. But uh, the second thing is that, or I, I guess. Well, that's one of the bad things because it's going to cost so much money. But <laughs> but anyway, but two good things that, that have come out of it is number one, it did put the scare in me to say, do I need to inventory my games, and do I need to inventory some of the stuff that's inside my house and keep some kind of running database on just what just the major stuff that I have, you know, condition pictures and stuff like that, because even though I didn't have to do a homeowner's claim on my games. I would my feelings would have been hurt if I had ancillary water damage from above on my games. That that just would have really, really chafed me, you know. Because number one, it's preventable. Number yep. two, it didn't have to happen. And number three, you're left circumstantially in far worse situation than you would have been otherwise. And I I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious if anybody if any listener you know, does a home inventory, you know, any software they may use, kind of how they've approached it. Do you have an extra rider with your insurance? I do. Yeah, I I do. I do. Now... Oh, you do. I was just asking the listeners, you know, that's something I... I I need to go back and check with my agent because it's been a few... Now, years. I don't have a rider on my games. That's what okay. I mean. Yeah. I remember discussing that, and I don't think I do 
either. It's been a long time since. If if you do, you have to document. Oh your yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. You okay, do. You, you have do. to document your stuff. You have to. Get I do a, remember that. You have to get a declared value on it. You have to get it appraised. You have to do all that stuff. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Okay. And it and if stuff changes, if stuff changes, then you have to change. You have to change yeah. everything with it. It it brings a whole additional level of work to maintaining your collection is what it does. And honestly, it's not one that I've, it's, it's not something that I have, um, that I've set aside, set aside the time to do, but it, it was definitely, uh, it is definitely a jolt of reality when it, when it comes to that. Uh, the second thing is while we're doing the, while while we're doing the, the master bathroom over again, there's a whirlpool tub in there that's going to come out. And there's a dedicated 20 amp circuit that runs that whirlpool tub. <laughs> I'm gonna run that baby right down to my game room. There you instead. go. Yeah, y'all never yeah. use it. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Now it's it's one of those things. You know, you use it a few times and it's great, but then life it gets in the way and it, it becomes number 97 on the list of things to do. I hear such bad. Here, here's a. Uh, a another plumbing related tip for our arcade pinball podcast yeah no, trust me and, and i am going to bring this back around full circle but i anyway. hear such bad things about those yes. because if you don't use them uh-huh. or keep the tub regularly and i don't mean scrubbed out clean i mean like water lines clean water lines clean exactly what happens right. is is Water settles in the pipes uh-huh. and it will grow bacteria because you you get skin cells in there. Uh-huh. And then if you take a hot bath or uh, as I know I'm prone to do as I'm getting older, like if I go on a run or something and I need to, you know, all right, I'll stretch out for a few minutes and, and yeah. simmer. Yeah. Before I, you know, or you use the whirlpool function. Yeah. Then you get in it, you're in it for a minute, you're your your uh, um, pores open up and then that bacteria gets in and it almost looks like an infection yeah, yeah. so it's I, I you do you're doing I've yourself heard no favors multiple times over the years from people that have had them uh-huh. who've gotten rid of them because oh, yeah. of that yeah our, ours ours they're is more com- trouble than they're worth it's more trouble than it's worth and ours is coming out and it's gone okay so I, so I, we again, are all over on this show. Yeah, I, mean, this I, I is know. A, I know, but but ultimately that was that was what I was we faced need a with. Second this year. show. We yeah. need a we need a podcast that's arcade and pinball, and we need a Brent Whitney's music. Yeah. It, so this happened to me. Check that out on show two. Check, check that out. <laughs> exactly. Show number seven or whatever. But yeah, but again, the good thing about it is I am going to reclaim that twenty amp circuit. and I'm going to run it straight <laughs> to my game room and uh, and then call it done. You know, because I was talking to Jackie about that. And she goes, she goes. What do we do with what do we do with with the, the whirlpool tub? It's it's got to have electricity under it and water pipes under it and everything like that. I'm like, it all gets sealed off. It, the water pipes get taken out and sealed off. And then I think if it's like any that I've ever seen, yeah, the pipes are actually you know they're all attached to the fittings that are on the tub. So when it all comes out, I mean, you don't. The water source is the the normal the normal spigot that feeds it. Oh, fair enough. Then even better. Yeah. I'll, okay. Then done. And uh, and then I want to take that I want to take that circuit and reclaim that because that that would be foolish to just leave a twenty amp circuit just sitting in the house. Oh, yeah. Unused. Yeah. yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. There's it, you, that'll run several pinball machines. It'll, it'll why run, would you not do it, that? That's exactly right. It'll run several pinball machines. So why not? So anyway, I, I guess if if there's anything that that comes out of it is 
is number one, uh, it, it's going to cost me a little bit of money and time, but I'll get a 20 amp circuit out of the deal. And then number two, uh, it did force me to rethink the whole uh, home inventory uh, scenario. So I, I'm curious if other listeners have, have done that and what your experience has been. But Ultimately, Brent, um, that was that was my November in a nutshell. So, <laughs> yeah, I've got to remodel three rooms yeah. in my house. Oh my now. gosh! Yeah, yep, yep. I I told you my my suggestion was is to put in a uh, a nice because uh-huh. you can get you can get really cheap and get really nice yeah. tiles. I'd yeah. put in a drop ceiling yeah. so that you've got instant access. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. It, let me tell you. There's. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot to like about that. A lot to like about it. So, we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> and um. And I'll just. I, I guess I'll just leave it at that. I, again. Uh, yet, yet to be determined as to how that spare bedroom works itself out. But I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do some research and see what I can get done. But that leads us up to the Grand Old Game Room Expo, buddy. Yes, Whitney, the Grand Old Game Room Expo. The Grand Some, Old Game Room Expo. Something you and I were actually able to do together. Yeah, it was, it was like a, fun. It's like a group update. <laughs> yeah, very, very, a, very a, fair. Two's a group, right? Yeah, it, it is. Small, but but technically accurate. Yeah. <laughs> technically, well, yeah. if there's anything I strive for, it's technical accuracy. It's all good, man. It's commendable. Yeah, so uh, earlier in the month, earlier in November, we made the trek to Nashville for the the third annual Grand Ole Game Room Expo. Yeah. It was you know, it, it's interesting. Breathtaking? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> it it was what I'm gonna call I'm gonna say it was satisfying. Okay. That that's how I'm that's how I'm gonna put that because <laughs> did you leave that as a review on their Facebook page? No, no, no but uh, I, I will say this. <laughs> I will I am right now. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Yeah. It's like like a like a good piece of chocolate cake. It was satisfying. No. I, I love the fact that the show is not too big, but it's not too small either. And you can It's got a really yes. It's got a yeah. good feel to it. And when I say satisfying, it's got a down home, very um authentic feel to it, and everybody that works it uh seems like they're really happy to be there and it just doesn't seem like it's it doesn't seem like it it outgrows itself which you see that happen to a lot of other shows and i'm not going to name any shows uh, to you know for comparison's sake at, at this point i'll just say that you see that happen at a lot of a lot of other shows they just get big and sprawling and you're left to just be a, a you know a guy with a lanyard wondering what what the spectator you know what the spectator uh, task of yeah, the hour yeah. is you know it, it a lot of it in the in the larger shows uh-huh. it's like some of the con, those cons I was talking about yeah that, that are not it, well I don't want to say directly related but they're not specifically focused on uh, arcade or pinball or even board gaming for that matter. You, you have huge vendor areas and you have uh, the cosplay stuff is much more prevalent in, in your comic type cons and you yeah. have your your guests and signing tables and it, it it I don't know when you first walk into something like that it, it can almost feel like it's just a lot of lot of, a lot of static yes you know yes. that that just uh-huh or whatever sound your leaking yeah. pipes make yeah exactly. Just like that, yes. This show doesn't have that feel. No, not not at all. Yeah, not at all. What what I love about it is, it you know the the main exhibit area for the arcade games and the pinball machines is all in one room. 
self-contained one room there's no bleed over there's there's no oh let's put let's put the tournament in this room or you've got to walk down a hall to find the tournament or this or that it's all there in one room and you can stand in the room and from any corner you could see to the other corner of the room and not that it was really small no no there was quite no, a few there's, games. there's quite a few games there and i don't want to give the impression that it was super small because it's not it's just not super big. No. And, and that, that's, how, that's how I want that to be part. So this year it was at a new new hotel. It was at the Millennium Maxwell House. The uh, I like the layout a little better. You had yeah. that, that main hallway, mm-hmm. and then everything was off that hallway. The ballroom where the, the main play floor was, yeah. the rooms where the consoles were, and the panel room. Uh-huh. Whereas... In a bigger venue, you kind of have to do a little hunting at times. Yeah. Oh, well, you go down there, and it's around the corner. Yeah, yeah. When you see the squirrel, turn left. Yeah, it's kind of like it, that when, kind of when thing. you're at Pinball Expo in Chicago. You get that feel. It's like, oh, you've got to go down this hallway to get this, or this is down this hallway to get that. And it's it's just it's weirdly just broken up. Weirdly broken up, it, yes. It, I guess that makes sense if for most events where they're not needing that much space and they're not as diverse in what uh-huh. they do. Yeah. But the the hotel really worked out well for for this event. Yeah. You I, could tra- I would you could traverse that hallway and you weren't walking for for days, uh-huh. but you were within steps of everything. Of everything. But yet there was enough room for everything so that it just didn't bleed over. Yeah, and it didn't feel like it was piled on top of itself. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I was I was very very happy about that. I, I mean, I love the size of it. I love the the layout of it. I, I just I just really really dug the fact that it was it just wasn't so big that you couldn't that you couldn't get it all you couldn't grasp it all in your mind and you know you didn't need a map to walk it or mm-hmm. anything like that. So it, I really really uh, really really appreciate that. I was fortunate that I had a little extra time, so I was able to go down early and help uh, Dave Corrigan and his his wife out and get everything set up, lend a hand wherever I can, and actually just, hey, Brent, go get that. All right, I'll take care of it. You know, Julia, his wife, was running with kind of the administrative side, yeah. and trust me, there was a lot there. People were coming in, and mm-hmm. you want to talk about somebody that ends up having to do a lot of running that's a show organizer yeah, there's no you doubt. Know, dave and julia it's just amazing what what they go through we see this too because mm-hmm. we're we're good friends with the the local scene and the little arcade expo guys and of course we know the folks in atlanta so we, we know what goes on but you know a little behind the scenes for our listeners if you have an opportunity to meet a, a show organizer face to face at a show Thank them. Yeah, de- <laughs> you know, yeah definitely. It, everyone will take a complaint to them, but no yeah. one will walk up to them and thank them. Yeah, true. Thank them. There's yeah. a lot that goes into it. Yep, yep. Dave uh, and Julia have a lot of their own games that come in. So several of the things that were there were, were games that Dave owned personally that he was sharing with a community. Yeah. And so you've got not only, in, in this case, the the load well actually i say in this case it's this case with all the organizers that we know they've not only got the load of the show Mm -hmm. just keeping the wheels on the bus but they're loading the bus too and unloading the bus and then reloading at the end of the show (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) i I don't even know where i was going with all that whitney but uh, oh oh oh, yes i i was able to to go down 
and see this all really come together yeah. from what was almost an empty room when I walked into it yeah. and, you know, see the Marco booth stand up, see all the pins and all the videos flow in and the carts of uh, consoles come in. And it, it, it's amazing. It, if there's anything that I would want anybody to take away from this, if, well, two things, one realize all the work that's involved. Yeah. Okay. If you go to a show and there's a little something that's a little squirrely and you know, don't a lot of people are, are, are uber focused on what they've got going on right there, right in front of them. Step back and look at the bigger picture and realize what has gone into providing this event that you're there to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank the organizer. Yeah. True. The other thing, step up. (laughs) If you've got the ability to do it, help. There was folks there from the local gaming community, um, the local, I mean, I'm one, so I, I don't th- think that this is the wrong thing to say. The local geek community. Yeah. You know, there was folks there from that, that just, hey, look, I, I'm, we're gonna, we volunteer time. One of our charters for the organization that, that, that I'm a member of, and, and I, it's killing me right now, I can't think of it, but there was a gentleman, the organization was something like uh, 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 Villains and Something, and it, it seemed to me I didn't get an opportunity to speak with him, but we worked our tails off together mm-hmm. unloading trucks. Yeah, and this or the, they this group as I took it got together and they're little, they're little. I don't want to sound like I'm downplaying yeah. what they do. Their their bend on this geek world that we all enjoy was the angle of the villain. You know, like he had a Hydra shirt on. It had oh, Hydra from Marvel. Oh, it had the, hilarious. You know, I'd walk by and go, Hell Hydra. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you know, he, he wasn't, he, I saw him through the weekend, but he was continuing to volunteer. I, I feel that he was more on the console type side, which yeah, is great. Which is great. But hey, he, he was there because his club, his group, part of their charter was to volunteer X number of hours. Uh-huh. And that's what he was doing. He was fulfilling that charter. Yeah. He was volunteering to help an event happen. So yeah. I, I know some events open themselves up to uh, free passes or, or other benefits if you come in and you work a door for a couple hours. Check that stuff out, man. Yeah. If you're going to be there all weekend, you can park your tail in front of the door and check badges for... Two some, hours. Some amount of time. Yeah, yeah. you can help out. Yes. And then if there's a benefit, great. You're there. That's a benefit enough. The yeah. show's happening. Yeah. All right. Let's back on track, Whitney. That was a heck of a tangent. What what did you bring to the show? Well, I I, I took Skyskipper. And I, As one does when you it, own the Skyskipper. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it, the goal is to make sure that it, that it gets out and gets played. Okay? So I, I'm not... I'm not wanting to just leave it sit in my game room and not be enjoyed. That's not the not the angle or, or the intent whatsoever. But if I can get it out to a game, or I'm sorry, if I can get the game out to an expo and I can do it without bodily harm or uh, <laughs> or you know incurring some type of in, you know infraction or you know or speeding ticket or whatever, 
uh, I'll do it. And so I had to, I had to manipulate my schedule a little bit in order to make it work out. But uh, I, I did get, I did get Skyskipper down to Nashville. So I loaded it in the back of my truck, made the, you know, made the three and a half hour drive, and uh, it got it down there. And uh, you know, fortunately, it was, uh, it was flawless for for the entire for the entire weekend. I got some really good pictures of um, children playing it and parents and their children and their children playing it together. I got several pictures of, uh, of, of some fathers and, and their kids playing two player on it. And uh, I saw some pictures. I got a couple of pictures of people taking selfies with it, <laughs> which I thought was ultimately cool. Um, like with a full duck lips and all? Oh, or just, yeah, okay. No, just a big smile. Oh, you know, just I, a, a smile and the thumbs up. Mark, and every, yeah. mark my word, next time I see that game, there yeah. will be a duck lip selfie with me fair, and it. Fair enough. I'll, I'll let that one slide without the, the gunshot <laughs> sound effect. But um, yeah, there was even people taking selfies with it, which I thought was uber cool as well and you know i mean i didn't bother him anything i just you know smiled and went on went about my way but uh but yeah it was it was there to be shared and so it was able to get a couple banners up about it and i saw it had people come up and ask me there's some people that had heard about it some people that had no idea about it and and they were like oh it, it sounds so cool you know if you documented your story and i'm like it's all on our project website just go go back over to the band go back over the game look at the banner and you'll find you'll see everything you need to to get to that so uh, that was neat. I, I, I love enjoy. I, I really, really enjoy you know spreading that spreading that story around and, and sharing it with folks. It, uh, I, I love it. So if all things work out, I'll, I'll have it at the Louisville Arcade Expo this year as well, or I guess next year at this point as well. well I was fortunate enough to be able to take a game up. I was watching the weather. Yeah. I have not gone as far as getting a smaller enclosed trailer. I've threatened to do it forever. Yep. yep. I just it hasn't happened. So, but the weather worked out really well. Yeah. The the one time I believe it rained, it was during the show. So okay, yeah. So it was you clear. Got, you got lucky. Yeah. It was the. It, I was afraid that it would shift. Yeah. And that the forecast showed that it was going to rain like Friday, and I was afraid that it would shift either way, but it didn't. So I, it was good on the ride up for me and good good, good on the ride back but yeah i took uh took my domino man yeah and actually nice. i've thought about that 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 game hasn't been out of here off my property in a while mm-hmm. and i think i'm going to go ahead and take that along with a few other things back to arcade expo this year yeah, cool. here in louisville yeah it, cool. it's just a game that you don't that people ask me what goes on at these shows and i say well you've been to a car show or you know what a car show is like that that's how I start to describe a pinball arcade show. Yeah. People bring out games that they're proud of that yeah. are rarely seen. Yeah. Gems of their collection, things that f- for whatever reason, it's special to them mm-hmm. for the most part. And mm-hmm. they show them off and people, oh, yeah. in this case, people have opportunity to play them. Yeah. And that's kind of where Domino man falls. That's, oh, yeah, that's one definitely. of the games that, that I've got that, you just don't see. Yeah, that's very true. You don't. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I took that and like I said, I think it's going to make an appearance along with some other stuff that fall into that same category out of my collection here yeah. in Louisville. But, oh, that, that's very good. That's very good. Uh, other than that, I mean, I think I mean we hit the hi- we hit the highlights. I mean, the whole show was a highlight. We talked. Marco had a huge booth, a beautiful booth. Yep. Uh, flipping out was there as uh-huh. well. Yep. 
what did what did they have, Whitney? I mean, they had they had Monster Bash remake, yeah, uh, which was which was really nice to was see. A, that was, gosh, that thing was beautiful. It's beautiful. It's the first time that that I'd gotten to play uh, play that particular game or the, the remake game. Rather, now they and, they had the se they they did have trim? the special edition yeah the is SE it called trim. se special it, edition yeah yeah so that the the big and we, I, we, co- we covered it yeah, like a show I, ago the, the 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 key to that is in my opinion the the big win is where i was going to go i know there's other differences the big win is the the higher detail to the sculpts and yes. I, I couldn't really study them because people were playing the game but it was it, it was great. It was yeah. it was done very well. It, it, it very well. It, it very much so is. Uh, also, the bigger display in the much higher resolution display in the back box is a big thing on the SE as well. So um, it, it comes color and it's it, it looks like it's two x the size of a normal DMD. So yeah, you can you can refer back to the show notes from uh, past episode and you'll see we've got the feature matrix in in the show notes and mm-hmm. everything like that. So it, it's it's neat but yeah that was an se i mean um the lexi Lightspeed was there so it, everything on everything on that platform was featured so it was neat to see you know it was neat to see that game i you just don't see i don't see that it, it very often definitely don't see it out i see it at shows but i don't really see it out that much but it was neat to it was neat to see that and, and play that again and then over at the marco booth it, it, you had you know your handful of uh, iron maidens and deadpools and uh, there was an ACDC Lucy, which you know all, ne- never disappoints, and it was it was neat to be able to play Iron Maiden in, in Deadpool. I, I had not played Deadpool up until that point. So I that tell you, was, that I tell was you my what's really neat at that is you walk into that room, yeah, and there's a huge circle of new in box games. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know you watch. I, I helped you know tilt a couple games over because I was actually trying to straighten some stuff out as well. Yeah, you know as they were someone come dolly a game over and i'd help give him a hand but yeah to watch those games go one at a time right around the corner I know. and sh- you know hear just, that hear that cardboard you just get come sliced out open yep. yeah oh. yeah it is it's it's awesome they had a ton of new games they, they did and and they were all those new inbox games they were they were out for play uh via marco's uh, show purchase program which is which is really neat now brent we've got I think uh, you know, some discussion on that coming up in, in the next segment, but yeah, it was it, it was nice. I mean, uh, and, and over on the other side of the room, I mean, I, I'll give props. I mean, Music City Pinball well, brought, hey, brought a bunch know, of machines quick, as well. Let's mention. Yeah. Let's give a shout out to Mark and Paul. Yes, and Kale. Yep, and Rachel. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna just I'm the the hold on. <laughs> I thought I had it. Who's I'm forgetting somebody? No, no. It, it was it was Paul and Mike. Paul. In and Mike from Stern. Yeah, yeah, Mike Vinicar from Stern. And then Paul and Rachel and Kale There was Marco. One, there was one of the lady. There was, oh, um, oh, gosh. Um, Antoinette. Ant- Antoinette. What is her last name? I didn't catch her last name. Everyone has seen Antoinette. Uh, I say everybody. Yeah. If you've been on Marco's page. Yeah, that's right. She, check- didn't, she didn't set the session, but she was at the booth. Right. Yeah. Yes. Antoinette Johnson. That's what okay. it is. Is that what it is? I, I, think I don't that's know. I, I didn't catch her last name, to be honest with you. Gosh. I, I if, you've, if you've been out in any of the, or a lot of the Facebook pinball groups, if you've been on Marco's uh, page, 
Antoinette is the is the lady with the the they, I think she calls it a trihawk. Yeah, Antoinette Johnson. That, okay, that is it. I, I was I was correct. So that's it. She ha- her hair is extremely tall. <laughs> I mean, a good extremely what? tall. It, it, it's it's kind of hard to explain, but as soon if, if in saying hair and trihawk, if you've seen the picture, I know you you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Go out and check out Marco's page. I know that she is uh, in a lot of her promotional material. Uh, you may not know her name, but I I would about guarantee you've seen pictures of her. You've seen pictures of her, yeah. Yeah, the hair is striking. I will say striking. that. Striking, there is, you go. Yeah, striking. Yeah, it, yeah. So and, she was there that weekend, and uh, uh, they all... We we spent quite a bit of time through the show and quite a bit of time in Marco's booth and just you know chatting with yeah. every, everybody. And if you're... if you're at a show and you see the Marco booth, wander in there. Don't just play a game. Oh, yeah, definitely. Talk, talk you know, with them. Chat they, with them. They're great people. They're love, great. Yeah. Love to talk about Kale sketchy. Love to talk about the, the hobby. <laughs> well, Kale sketchy. I'm going to leave that on you. How about that? <laughs> I, I, I never got sketch from Kale at all. Oh, no, you didn't. No, never, never, never. I, I really <laughs> like his hat. So I never got, so, ske- I never got sketch at all. Well, I, and I too, I'm glad you remembered Mike from Stern. I can't believe that I'd, yeah. I had forgotten Mike. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, you were uh, t- you talking about Music City? Yeah, Music City and, brought and a go, bunch, yeah. Go ahead, go they ahead. Br- go ahead. They brought a bunch of games. I mean, pinball and arcade games as well. So I, I want to make sure that they that they get their shout out as well. So I mean, the, the floor was the floor was definitely well represented. Uh, pinball and arcade games. I mean, you know, Brent, I, I think about some of the some of the games that that really kind of made a mark on me personally. I mean, got to play Metallica, loved it. I think one of the sleeper pinball titles for me, though, that we played that I really enjoyed was Batman the Dark Knight, yes. one of the late model Sterns. And I, I did not realize that that game was so fun. I, I have seen the... Yes. I don't, I've seen the back glass yes. and pictures. Yep. I can't think of ever having seen the game at a show i know and there was one at this show and it played so well and i love the playfield mechanics of you know of, of the crane and everything like that 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 moves around and it's just it's just executed really well you and i and uh, daniel copeland daniel copeland yes we're, we're playing that and i, yes. I don't recall if daniel got in the conversation it was a conversation you and i had where daniel was playing a ball but you it was like okay now we kind of got to look for one of these this this was a pretty fun game this is a pretty fun game it really was and and i'll say this i you know i i love batman as a character but for whatever reason i just have never been high on having a batman themed pinball machine i don't know why it just doesn't well that's not the right batman because everybody knows there's only one batman which is (laughs) michael keaton (laughs) ah Sorry, <laughs> sorry, my that was that was not no that was not going to be my first choice at all. Okay, sorry. all right, fine. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do have to say, I am a fan of the Christian Bale. So yeah, when it comes I, to the, Batman, yeah. So, I agree. I yeah, agree. yeah, but um, he's still no Michael Keaton. <laughs> that's that's fine, but um, I mean, dude, it's tough to beat Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. Have you Knight. seen the meme? Of uh, from uh, um, Homecoming, from uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, 
you remember the character when he's playing the vulture? He's the vulture. Yeah, and yeah, He's yeah. got Keaton, Peter yeah. in the back of the car. Yeah. Peter realizes. Oh yeah. They're driving along, yes. and they they both start putting it together. Did they and they realize who each other who are. each other are. Uh huh. So there's a meme of Michael Keaton in the front seat. Yeah. And uh, he, it's uh, like a one liner or something. He's like, "You don't want to mess with me." Da, da, da. And then it cut. Then the, the second panel is is Peter, and he's like, "Well, wh- why?" Or something to that effect. Or why would I, you know? And then the next meme is from Peter's perspective, and it's that uh, image of Michael Keaton's character turning around with his hand on the back of the seat, except in his hand he's got a little playing card, and it's got a picture of him as Batman. Oh, <laughs> so, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm Batman. Because he's Batman. Yeah, because I'm Batman. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, you I, obviously didn't think that was as, as it, funny well, as I did. Well, <laughs> I liked it. I, know, I liked I know. it. And I got it for sure. But it's just one of those things where I, I don't know. Christian Bale just always seemed like the most rugged Batman. <laughs> he seemed like the most rugged Batman he to did. me. Yeah. He, if there was anybody that was physically fit for the part it was christian it was christian bale man because not only did he take a beating he gave a beating you know and And he looked like he could do it and do both take it and give take and give yeah Yeah. and he was just to me he was just the most he he was just the most caustic and and just the most damaged batman that we had seen to date so i I just physically and mentally physically and mentally for sure and i I don't know i just really identified with him as, as that character but anyway Batman the Dark Knight, to bring it back around, mm-hmm. that was an excellent playing game. And, and Brent, I will say this. There are play field mechanics on that that I now see where some of Ghostbusters would be inspired by. And I, I just, I, I don't know. I just really dug the game. I Who designed ba- that game? Uh, Batman the Dark Knight. I'm I don't know. I have to, have to go back and look it up. I'm not really sure. I haven't spent much time thinking about it since the expo. But now that we're talking about it again, it kind of brings back the the idea of just how, you know, how good of a game it really was. Um, it, but yeah, there's that. And George Gomez. George Gomez. Okay. Gotcha. Well, that, it, that, it does make sense. And he definitely did a and, good job. And Lyman did the software. Yeah. Yeah, Lyman yeah. and Ronnie, that's, Ronnie or Lonnie Rop. Yeah, Ronnie that's Ronnie. Uh, yeah, Lonnie, Lonnie Rop. Rop. It's a good, good, very, very good combo there. So, with all that being said, um, yeah, I mean, there was there was Pirates of JJP's Pirates of the, of the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, you noted that, and that was a beautiful game, uh, no doubt about it. And then uh, you know, on the arcade side, I mean, there was I thought there was some pretty unique offerings. There was an upright radar scope. There was an Omega Race cockpit. There's a Mad Planet you don't see very much of. Um, and then there was a, a Gapless and a Bosconian as well, two uh, Bally Midway titles you don't see every day. Um, couldn't play either one of them, though. They were never credited. So I, so I, I couldn't play either one, and I was kind of bummed because I, I did want I, I to play those, but didn't get an opportunity to. There was a, an Atari Night Driving. I haven't seen oh, one night, of those. Night Driver. Night Driver. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. I just keep thinking... Uh, I'm crossing that with hard driving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Gosh. You're you're right. You couldn't though. give me another hard drive. Yeah, but there was a night drive. Yeah, I need to make note of that. You're right because there was a night driver there. There was a the night driver, which is that's we had a panel as well. Whitney and I both had a panel discussion, a yep. presentation that we gave, and mine centered on artwork. Uh huh. And basically the gist of it was, as I started with consoles and worked my way through arcades and pinballs as much as I could squeeze in in an hour and discussed how art played into your imagination to assist in your gaming. Yeah. 
And one of the examples that I, I was able to, to cite, I didn't have a slide for it because I didn't know that it was going to be there, but I mentioned Night Driver. Yeah. Where, where basically the game, if you're familiar with it on the Atari 2600, it's not far from what the arcade game is it's pretty much spot on yeah you're just you've you've got a faux dashboard that's in the the bezel that's Mm -hmm. physical art in the bezel and then you're driving a car and pretty much nothing that's on the display is what's supposed to be the edges of the road and you've got to follow the road the guidepost but if you look at the cabinet yeah it's beautiful it is beautiful absolutely beautiful there's i I mentioned this during my my presentation it's like when you see these games Try to take a look at the side art. Yeah. The the it might be kind of difficult in a, in a, an expo type setting because a lot of times they turn the lights down and yeah. it's there, get, there's a lot there. Yeah, get there, your brawn light out, man. Yeah, you shine it around. <laughs> get your brawn light out. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to mention, I did get to use the brawn light a lot as I was cutting down my ceiling oh. this, this past <laughs> month. So I and and as I was hunting down my leak, so. Um, it was almost like I bought those lights for a reason, only to have to use them to demolish my house. But, you know, hey, it all works out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So consoles and tournaments, I think we yeah. mentioned that earlier. They had those off in, in yeah. separate but very close by rooms. Yep. And it was all down that hall, the main hallway that I mentioned that was also lined with the vendors. I mean, it was just the layout was was was, was amazing. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. And finally, Whitney, this note um, about the DJ. Yeah, he was off the hook, wasn't he? <laughs> they had it in. They have a DJ. Yeah. Uh, they Dave and Julia. They as part of setting up the the game room in the evening. They had a DJ come yeah. in. Oh, yeah. and and play music. Yeah. So being that it was Nashville, I think part of it, you know, there was a lot of '80s music, but there was also what I guess I would call some local flavor. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> because it was wild. You know, I mean, it it was it was eclectic and it was humorous and it was mood setting and it was cool all yeah. at the same time. It was every bit of that. You'd go from uh, maybe like a Duran Duran or something to like a little Willie Nelson type yeah, country. And it it yeah. all kind of worked. Yeah. It, I mean, I swear to goodness, I might have heard Gene Autry, you know? I mean, it, it actually could have been in there, you know? So. We'd look at each other and we're like, this is actually such and such, whatever <laughs> yeah, the song was. It was, it was kind of wild. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So so the, the, the DJ was off the hook when it comes to that. All in all, it was a great, yeah. great experience. Wouldn't have traded it for anything. Loved it, loved it. So Whitney, hey, do you want to mention real quick what you kind of covered in your panel oh, yeah, discussion? Yeah, yeah, and and we'll have these on on upcoming shows. Working through the working through the audio and the video on that, but um, I, I did mine on the on the history, a short history of Nintendo arcade games, and mine was focused around uh, just looking past that nineteen that time window of nineteen eighty one to nineteen eighty five uh, for what everybody probably commonly refers to as Nintendo's arcade history. And we actually delved into everything that came before that and everything that came after that. And I I think we tallied it up that Nintendo's arcade lineage actually hosted somewhere in the north of uh, 44, 45 different game releases. And uh, it's pretty amazing when you, when you consider that most people would, 
uh, rattle off Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Popeye and Punch-Out, and Mario Brothers, and maybe they may get Super Mario Brothers, and then after that, everybody starts drawing a blank. And so we we covered uh, everything that led up to that, including all of what I just mentioned, and then, of course, everything that came after to the kind of the the fall of the arcade itself. So it, it was it was neat. It was a whirlwind tour, but it was it was complete if nothing else. I think the thing that was most surprising to me was the the now this wouldn't be a game that they would have sold like a Donkey Kong, but at one point in time Nintendo had set up an amusement or an attraction, whatever you want to term it. And was it a bowling alley? In in abandoned bowling alleys. That's exactly oh, right. Oh, so there were several of these installations. Yes, several of the installations. They proved to be popular enough, and then they they downsized the technology once they were once they were proving to be reasonably popular. And, and it was like a duck shooting, skeet uh-huh. shooting type thing. It was. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was one of their very early. Uh, is one of their very early film games. So that that ran on film. So that was so cool. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, doing the research on it. It was it was amazing. You just never would have thought that. So we did happen to catch a lot of audio through the show. Yeah. And what we're going to do is we're going to release that in our shows in the uh, uh, next couple episodes. I know we've got Larry Kitchen from Flipping Out Pinball. Uh huh. We've got uh, Mark and his son Paul from Marco. Yep. Whitney and I sat down with JP of Podcast Roll <laughs> yeah. on a, on Saturday yeah, night. That was an hour of foolishness. Oh that my was, gosh, that was a lot of fun. You, you think we get off top? We 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 carry every time we get together with Adam and JP. We try to do something. Yeah, and it's, and it's always it's fun. always it's always fun. It may not necessarily be it. It isn't on. It isn't on the our general topic. Of course, yeah. we've covered plumbing yes. several times. Yes. So I mean, yes. in in in. 3D printers and all that stuff on, yeah. on this show, so why not? But it's all—it's always a ball. It, so it's always a ball, and it's—it's—it's uh, it, it's always related yet different. Yes. And so I, I appreciate uh, Adam and JP's uh, their 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 slant on pop culture. It, I identify with it, and yeah, I think when Brent, you were mentioning their show earlier on, I never listened to their show out of order. Okay, so I, I'm so I'm a little behind, and I'm looking forward to hearing the episode that you were talking about earlier. So it gives me even more to look forward to. But uh, Adam and JP, great guys, love them to death. We've also got, and this is actually what we're going to put in this show. So following this, we're going to have kind of a quick impromptu. Uh, that's a nice way of saying he looked like a deer in headlights talk with uh, with Dave Corrigan, organizer oh, yeah. of Grand, Grand Old Game Room Expo. And then we're also going to go ahead and carry the panel discussion that Whitney and I were fortunate enough to to host with Marco and Stern. And Whitney, you want to talk about that for a second? Sure. Yeah, that was uh, that was about an hour uh, long panel discussion. We had uh, Kale Hernandez, Paul Monifert, um, Rachel Bess, and Mike Vinnickauer. Uh Mike's from Stern. Is uh, one of the QA engineers that, that travel. Uh, that he travels the show circuit and makes sure that all the the, the new inbox Stern games that go out on the floor are bug free and um and are taken care of so that everybody leaves uh very happy and satisfied with their purchase and and gets to play good good working games throughout the show and so we just sat down and talked a bit about uh marco's history um their time in the industry how their business has has grown organically and with the uh and with the the help of the rest of the industry as well and some of the things that they have uh spearheaded as as they've grown 
Stone and then uh, kind of dovetail uh, that into their relationship with Stern and uh, and then what brings Mike to the show circuit as well. And Mike's got an interesting past and he talked a bit about his time in the industry and, and what he had done, um, what he had done in, in the entertainment industry leading up to and in the game industry as well, leading up to uh, being employed by Stern. So it, it was it was a fun conversation. I mean, we covered topics that ranged uh, anywhere from you know how Marco got started to uh, their search engine to their website to how they how they handle selling new games at a show and everything in between. So it was neat. And it sounds like Mike uh, he travels with a with a, a roving uh, a roving box of parts as well <laughs> to make sure that the that the new Stern games are are uh, a a one as they uh, as they go out out of the box and out on the show floor. So really neat stuff. So real quick too, I wanted to mention you'll hear the voice of um, well Kale of course mm-hmm. who who is not sketch. He's not sketch. No, and he's, he's got sketch. a great hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your sketch. Uh, Kale, and, and I don't uh, and I don't have a great hat. Uh, Kale, Paul, and Rachel uh, work for Marco. Yes. And I wanted to mention Rachel. And she has an arcade. If you're in or around Tempe, Arizona, she has an arcade called the Electric Bat. And we'll put a link to it in our show notes. Sure. If, if you go out on, did I close that tab? If you go out on uh, Facebook and just search for Electric Bat Arcade, you'll find it. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Tempe, Arizona, 25 West Southern Avenue. Cool. So they do uh, tournaments and uh, it looks like they've got uh, things, that they'll do benefits for uh, Project Pinball. I see a, a icon on here. It looks like an affiliation with the bells and chimes. So yeah, that, if, that's if, cool. If you're in that area, my understanding from speaking with Rachel is they've already expanded. I don't know if you were in that conversation, Whitney. They already knocked down a wall and expanded once, and they're looking to maybe put in a few more few more games. So it, I, I got the impression it was relatively new. I could be wrong there. Yeah, the word maybe hasn't gotten out. If you're in or around Tempe. Check out the electric bat. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. With that, Brent, why don't we uh, why don't we do the old fashioned thing and let's roll some audio. Well, hey, Whitney, what do you have? Uh, I have got an Atari seventy eight hundred Pro System joystick made by the loving hands of our own friend David Corgan. David Corgan, I've heard of that man. Isn't he the Grand Marshal, the uh, the leader, the Grand Poobah, the, the Grand Poobah, uh, yeah, the Grand Old Game Room Expo. Yes, a lot yes, of grands in there. Lot, it? Lots of grands. It's a grand it, show, especially because he's standing right here. It's grand. I'm surprised, honestly, that he's standing because it's uh, what early, early Sunday afternoon, third day of the show. Yep. I know Packin was uh, started Thursday. Was it day? Thursday morning. Yep. He's so full of words, Whitney. I can tell. But that's all he's the, got the man, left. The microphone away. I, mean, yeah, I thought yeah, I was exactly. done. Yeah, the poor well, man. He, he's tired, Brent. He gave me the look in the eye, like I can't believe we're doing this, and I thought he was done. Yeah. So he's out, he showed me this the other night. Well, f- first of all, Dave, great show. This is this is awesome. I'm, I'm having a great time. I could care less about Whitney and everyone else. But personally, what's your opinion as to the time that I, Brent Griffith, am having? Exactly. Of the time you're having, yeah, what? exactly. Does it, like, look like I'm having, does it look like I'm having a good time? <laughs> so, but seriously, Dave, man, this is an awesome show. Uh, we've uh, we've got a, a great selection of pinballs here, a great selection of arcades here, uh, and what's going on in the room that we're standing in right now? So this is more of the classic console 
slash Nintendo Wii U type of room. So we've got some Atari 2600s, NESs set up, Nintendo 64s, Sega CD over there, Jaguar, stuff like that. So, and what's really interesting to me about this is you've matched the displays to the system in, in that you've got CRTs for the, the classic air quotes systems and then you do have some flat screens around the room for the more modern so it, it's really really well thought out there's a lot of gear here does this out of your personal collection or have you had someone help you with some of the some of the uh, units uh, my brother brought the Nintendo 64s but everything else is mine so well, I've uh, I've seen Dave move in, and he's uh, he's a well-oiled, organized machine. So back to but, well, real quick, the show floor, Whitney. I know you've got a, uh, had an opportunity to walk around. You've been here for a couple of days, like I have. I mean, your thoughts? I, I, honestly, this is one of my favorite shows of the year. I, I, I just, You're just I, saying that because Dave's standing. It, well, here, aren't th- you? this this much no. may be true, but <laughs> but you know, I in in my defense and to Dave's credit, I've told him this probably two or three times just in chat. That I, I just uh, I love the size of the show. I love just how how you can you can get to games, you can play games, you can walk up, you can hop right on whatever you want to play usually, and uh, you 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 get to play. You don't have to stand in line or anything like that. But there's still a lot of people and a lot here. It, it just it moves well, it flows well. So it, it seems like it's the perfect size. It's not so big that it starts to trip over itself, but it's big enough that you you got everything you want. So I I dig it. Speaking of everything you want, we all obviously always talk about the arcade and the pinball side, and we'll get into that a little bit more on the show proper when Whitney and I sit down and, and record studio style for the for the regular show. Tell us what's going on in the next room about, you know, talk about the tournament stuff a little bit. I, I know that when Whitney, Whitney and I had a presentation to give this weekend, very well attended, and which is good because I know that that presentations here or panel work rather oh, Whitney's fallen in love with this special made controller here they uh, um, they're not, they've been a little light on attendance in the past there's getting that word out there is oh we also offer this there's that piece of that and Dave's always done a good job but the, the audience has to be kind of in tune with it. And that has really come along. That has really grown. We were really happy with how uh, the attendance turned out. But where I'm going with this is the adjoining room during Whitney's, there was a tournament going on. And, man, they were into it. Did oh, it was, it was very uh, – we had a lot of bleed over. <laughs> let's put it that way. Yeah, we had, um, I guess, seven or eight tournaments. Uh, a lot of esports tournaments, Tekken 7, Rocket League. Uh, Soul Calibur had just come out, so we had that. And we had about close to 200 tournament players, just shy of it. That's strong. And uh, actually filled the rooms, almost standing room only, when those when those games were running. And uh, you probably heard when some of the finals were going. They were getting pretty hyped with the finals. On yeah, the they, were, they, they, they were running strong, and we heard a lot of people yelling. And I'll use the, the uh, colloquialism, they were hooping and hollering is what <laughs> they were doing. So, yeah. Yeah, we had a uh, big cash prizes, bonuses on those fighting games, and trophies. So they were they were hyped up. For oh, it. so they were being paid, huh? Yeah, or the yeah. potential to be paid. Yeah, there was some big money. Yeah, there was like seven hundred dollar 
pop bonus, $800 on a couple. So oh, my gosh. Yeah, they that's, pulled in some players. Yeah, yeah. Well, we could tell. I mean, we were over there uh, PowerPointing people to death, and then in the other room, people were screaming and hollering. I'm like, Brent, I think we missed the boat on this. We yeah. should have had a pot for going for our presentations. But, it, no, I mean, all things being equal, we could tell that everybody was into it and having a really, really good time. And and I think that's been the, the pervasive thing that I've seen while walking around here for the past two days is that you know, the, the show is, is sized such that everybody can get from one side to the other really quickly, and you can hop in and play. And that's what I appreciate about it. Yeah, we try to get as much stuff as we can comfortably in the space and not not overdo it, but have enough that you can play yeah. and just keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, it works well. So, David, I will let you uh, – we'll let you get back to what you're doing. It looks like you're uh, uh, showing some of, your, like I said, your marvelous work here to Whitney in this right. custom-made yeah. – I've just uh, fallen uh, in love oh, all over I, I again. I played a game of River Raid on it last night, and it is it yeah. is very nice. Yeah, it's it very it's, nice. It's as sweet as a box of honey buns, isn't it? <laughs> 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 All right, Dave. Well, you've got a show to run. We'll let you get back to it. Thank you, man. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks, man. All right, good morning, everybody. I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to the 2018 Grand Ole Game Room Expo. This is our session panel with uh, Marco and Sturm Pinball. We've got some esteemed guests here at the table, but Thank no. You. Exactly. Yeah, we, we do our best. Uh, real quick, my name is Whitney Roberts. I'm part of the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast, and my co host, Brent. Exactly. Good job, Brent. Okay. And then let's uh, run down the table. We'll start here at the very end. Um, I'm Mike Vinicor. I'm an associate game developer and test program manager at Stern Pinball. Kale Hernandez, uh, account manager and weapons specialist at Marco. Weapons specialist. Right. Excellent. Uh, make a note, we're going to talk with Kale later. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Mic. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I'm Rachel Best, and I'm the marketing director for Marco Specialties and the owner of Electric Bat Arcade in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, wow. Nice, nice. Well, thank, thank you all for, uh, for making the panel with us today. This panel is, is really aimed more towards talking a bit about pinball history, and we're lucky to have Marco and Stern represented on this. And so we were going to talk a bit about the pinball legacy and then Marco's involvement in the, in the hobby and, of course, uh, get some behind the scenes at Stern's as well, as well for, for whatever will be shared. How about that? Right on. Yeah. In, in talking with Kale a little earlier, it, and we kind of know this to a certain degree, Marco has a really tight relationship with Stern. You're here, it sounds like you travel with, with yeah. Marco. And, <clears throat> it, any other vendors? Uh, no, just shows? Marco. As of this year, the sales and marketing team asked me to work these shows that to support Marco because they have these huge booths and we're huge sellers of our games. So I was happy to do it. It's been a great relationship, and I look forward to every trip I get to do with these guys. Let's talk about what you also do on these trips and the, the real reason for <laughs> yeah. traveling. Right. The, real reason. Yeah. the real reason is it's, a, like her. It, it's, oh a, it's an excuse to go record shopping in oh. different cities <laughs> on the company dime. I mean, the, co the company doesn't pay for my records, but, you know, they fly me out here and give me a place to sleep. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, it's pretty much like me. Everywhere I travel, I try to find some retro shops for SNES and, and you know, Atari titles and stuff like that. Any, anything you can kind of pack in is awesome. Yeah, my, my lunch break today yeah. will consist of taking an Uber to another to the last record store on my list. So, oh, right on, <laughs> right on. So, so I'm kind of curious. Can 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 you all give us a bit of background, especially from from the Marco side? I think everybody knows Marco from 
the fantastic website, the ability to go pick virtually any part uh, on any pinball machine on the planet and get it to you for low, low shipping in just a couple of days. You open the box and it's like UPS shows up, it's brown sand, and it's like it's Christmas time all over again. (laughs) But exactly, exactly. exactly. Well, I've got a good relationship (laughs) with my UPS man. Yeah, but um, sounds like you've got a relationship with their marketing. uh, Well, (laughs) exactly. That could happen. We'll we'll see. Yeah, sure, for sure. I'm just kind of curious. Can you talk a bit about Marco's history and and how the company has come up from 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 starting to where you are today? Because a company with distribution and parts access and, and of course I say mindshare access just doesn't happen overnight. So can you give us a bit of background as to I guess the humble beginnings kind of leading up? You, you want me to go with this? I want you to take that. Uh, well, long story short, Mark uh, Mark Mandeltort and with help from his family. He started this at his home in in a garage a long, long time, many, many years ago, acquiring parts from all over the world and uh, reproducing parts that you just can't find anymore. And it's a hobby that he loved more than anything has rolled into this massive thing that we are uh, keeping afloat here. So at the time, this... You said years and years ago. I don't want to. I don't want to give any secrets away in terms of Mark's age and the like. But so this was literally scraping together across the country, trying to find people that would reproduce. Or because I've heard stories of you know from operators that okay we couldn't get X whatever that part was, even from the original manufacturer, and there was no third parties. Right. Right. So this was truly a, a love of the hobby. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then even today, we still uh, get in touch with lots of the guys that originally made these parts, like the motors, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, get the original uh, dies and what have you. And uh, and you know, so it's relationships that have built over you know many decades. What about part reproduction? Has how has that come along as far as what you offer? Uh, what you offer on your website for everybody to be able to buy? I mean, naturally, not all parts are going to be available for forever. So how how do how does Marco tackle making sure that some of the harder to find parts stay available? I mean, really, one at a time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but, I get that. Yeah. But you know, as as everybody who owns pinball machines knows that there's just you know you you get to a point you can't find something there's nowhere else to get it so someone's got to make it yeah. so that means that we have to go in <clears throat> look at the original specs or figure it out get it reproduced find out how we can best make this part make it as good or better than the original because it also as you all know they were made to last for a year mm-hmm. and then thrown in a dumpster well now we want to keep them running for a lot longer so we want to be sure that the quality of the parts is a lot you know is as good or better than, than what they used to be. So we just research and development. I mean, that's just what everybody's doing all day long. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the help comes from the consumers. They'll get with us, hey, this needs to be tweaked out. So we'll reproduce a part exactly as it, as it came out 30 years ago. And the yeah. you know the users will be like, if we could just change this. So a lot of this is the, the customers really molding this. So Whitney spoke about the website. A question I've always, it's come to my mind, is that in-house developed, or did you all borrow like from the auto industry? Or, because it is, it is truly amazing. Whitney and I happen to be IT guys, so we've seen end-to-end, good to bad. And Mo- mostly bad. Mostly bad. Mostly bad. It, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is this is Paul Mandelator. This is a, a Mark's son, and uh, he really spearheads the entire website. Yeah, I'm gonna tag in. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I mean, it's definitely a point of curiosity because the website shopping experience is very smooth. It's very uniform. Uh, search works really well, which on a lot of websites, that tends to be a challenge. So finding parts is, is actually relatively easy on, on Marco's website. I am extremely flattered. Thank you. Yeah, no, 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 no worries. <laughs> and, and the great thing about it is, is that it's, it's segregated by game very well. So it looks like there's, there's been a lot of good thought put into it. So when, when I look at the website and think about the engine that runs it on the backside, then I start to say, okay, is that engine close to or similar to other websites, the corporate, yeah. corporate or, or large enterprise websites that you see? And it's like, I wonder how they, wonder how they built that on the backside. Yes, yeah, so we have a, a large team of gerbils that yeah. uh, that run really fast. Yes, yeah. Uh, so we just keep adding on wheels every year, and yeah. it works out great. I'm very flattered to all these things. So uh, this project I've been heading on for, we've been working on it for a good twenty years now, give or mm-hmm. take, and uh, we. For me, it's always like I don't think it's good enough. Like we always have, we'll have higher expectations out of it than what we're getting. So we're really, I'm really happy to hear that you're getting utility out of it. Is we have a literally, you know, I was having a mild panic attack last week. We have a feature list two years long of things we want to do with it, yeah. and then we've been collecting over the years. And this is every about every five or ten years we just throw out everything and start over. <laughs> so this is actually the third go around on our infrastructure. So we started back. It's funny, if you actually go look up the age of marcospecialties.com, if you go on the uh, you know, domain lookup. Yeah. yeah, we were started the domain in 1996, right? So we were one of the very first companies online of any kind, really. It really uh, is a testament to the strength of the community. Is one of our customers was a student at Virginia Tech and uh, got us our first domain back then. This is before anybody, this is back in the dial-up days. And so Mark had the uh, foresight to say, you know, this is going to be huge for getting people connected to parts. So in the first go around, it's literally just a stack HTML page, which me not knowing any better and the child labor laws were pretty uh, lax back then. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and under sweatshop-like conditions in the back of the warehouse in South Carolina was putting the other web pages. Statute of right? limitations. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think yeah. clear yeah. now, so we're yeah, good. Yeah, you're right. You can tell the stories. It's yeah, all exactly. It's okay. So, and then as we learned the technologies and try to keep up, and then we went to an off-the-shelf shopping cart software. I think it's called Miva Merchant back in the day, which you know actually some of our competitors still use. But um, and we used that for a couple of years, and then we quickly outgrew that. And then so now we went to an ERP vendor, and then we got some fancy out-of-the-box software at the time, which did everything. So it ran the website and the order systems and the back-end stuff, yeah. and that was a full-time project. And that really taught us how to start building a database. So before that, we didn't really have a good database of stuff. And so we started pulling that database together of all the parts, and we've been building that. And behind the scenes, so Marco actually we maintain, you only see a small fraction of the data we have. We've been collecting, and we probably have one of the largest collections of pinball technical data in the world of any kind. So Mark's been collecting that for 30 years. Anytime a game comes in, we have rows and rows and rows of file cabinets of every manual of every game ever made. We have all that data. It's just trying to present it and make it searchable. It's been a full-time project for the old team forever. So I'm sure Kale will tell you when he's answering the phones, he's you know figuring out what parts go where. So, yeah. well, so let me ask this: yes. we talk, the website is phenomenal, and we run into a lot. I know you you could probably corroborate this: is uh, most enterprises, most businesses will have one or the other because right. they, they've got limited resources. They've got good mm-hmm. online skills, good technical skills, or they've got very good interpersonal skills. Right. There's some that have neither, but that's yeah. a whole other conversation. I talk to the customers, right? <laughs> yeah. You've uh, got to see the people. Uh, anyway, I've called Marco. I've had a simple part. It's just not in the manual, and I, or I can't find it. And I'm more than willing to take the blame on myself. I've called, oh, yeah, that's such and such. So do you all look for pinball people? Do you all 
bring and train pinball? How do you get people that answer the phones? Wow. Yeah, it turns out if you put anybody on the phones long enough, they'll eventually become good at pinball. <laughs> so well, you, you don't want to put a new person out there. We you don't want me answering phones for Boeing. Yeah, I, I mean, or you may. I don't know. We, yeah, I mean, the idea of come up and send this industry yeah. has always been interesting to me. Well, look at Kale here. Yeah. You know, uh, when we found Kale. You know, he was in the bushes <laughs> in a ditch <laughs> on the side of the road. You know, <laughs> and uh, actually, the best the best story, Steve. I'm sure a lot of you've talked to him. Like, if you call him, uh, longer hair. Longer yeah. So when, hair. when we pinball met Steve, Jesus? he was very clean. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and now he has one of the greatest beards in pinball. Yes. Um, yes. But he, he didn't know a lick about pinball when we hired him, but he knew how to collect stuff. So and so go. when we when yeah. we. Whenever we hire somebody, we say, like, what's your hobby? So, so if somebody doesn't have a hobby, we don't hire them. Because, and then we figured out that anybody that can, just like this whole community has been growing, so we want, for a long time, it's like, we need somebody that has 20 years experience in pinball. Well, the industry has only existed for 20 years. So we realized quickly that, really, that's only Mark, and we can't hire any more Marks. So, so you find good people. We have to grow them, yeah. You and grow them. So but we, we also hire people that know pinball. Like, I was hired because yes. I was in pinball. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Already. Ryan, uh, another guy <laughs> yeah. who works there, was hired because he's into pinball. So, yeah. so I mean, it's, it's both. If it's, you have yeah. good people... That that are uh, good at learning and doing and communicating, then you, you know you can teach people. But you also need to have people that know a lot about pinball because mm-hmm. sometimes you've got to go to someone and say, you know, underneath this uh, up kicker, there's this small little, you know, yeah. in, in part of a, yeah. an assembly. What is it? Oh, well, that's yeah. so we, you know where to look and how to. Yeah. So you take it works. Yeah. Yeah. So you take somebody. Say, here's the resource we have. You better like playing pinball because you're gonna get that phone call. And we give them, you know, tell everybody here, you call, call and get help. And eventually, you do it long enough, you will figure out. Most there's not pinball. It's funny thing about pinball is it's actually not that complicated once you get the fundamentals down. And then once you see this stuff, I think enough, there's a lot of people that argue would argue that point. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> I'd probably argue. I would also. Yeah. <laughs> Next that. You know, a um, a good example of how Marco develops people. They originally hired me as a, a graphic designer and, and CSR. And Which is what your original... Right. Well, that's yeah. what I did. I was a, 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 yeah, an art director at a packaging company. And then they found out I spent 10 years uh, touring in a regional rock band back in South Carolina. And they're like, well, let's put them on the road. And that's, that's what brought me here. And I'm, I'm spending more time on the road and not doing graphic design so much, just training designers back at the shop. You went from art direction in a packaging company Well, to... actually, a band first, okay. then <laughs> art director, then pinball. Yeah. And then at some point in time, they found you in the woods. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's the way they got one of That's a testament to the pay of most people. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of growing people, I understand that you didn't start out with Stern or in pinball. You played Mortal Kombat? Yeah, so this (laughs) this is the tail end of my 25th year in the game industry. And it started because I was one of the best Mortal Kombat 2 players in the world. And a chance meeting at a punk rock concert with one of the programmers of Midway Games got me a job at Williams Valley Midway and where I started wild, I yeah. started their QA department there so um, I always loved pinball I, like my earliest memory of playing pinball I was five years old and my dad took me to an arcade this was in the mid 70s where there was no video games yet and it was at the end of our block and I spent my entire childhood at this place and uh, that was my foot in the door it was at Williams Valley Midway where I was there throughout Till they exited the coin-op industry, totally. So first pinball went in 99, and then uh, video went in 2001. 
I the last few years of which um, I ran their field test program, so I work with both pinball and video. And at that point, like my true love of pinball just kept growing. It was the first thing that introduced me to games, and then I fell way back in love with it because like I got paid to play video games, and I would take a break and go play pinball. And I'm like, this pinball is way better. <laughs> and, and I think we all kind of come around with like, that. Yeah, I mean, was, I guarantee you, everyone in this room started out playing arcades, and then slowly that collection. For me, it went full circle, where it's like I started playing pinball because that's all there was. And then, you know, I got way into the video games and it just came all the way back around to pinball. Um, when I left the Williams Valley Midway in 2001, I did console video game design for close to 10 years and it, it soured me on video games pretty much forever. Console game design for, I mean, can you, yeah. can you say for who? And, and yeah, what so you I did? worked I, on I'm a, curious about that because. I think all of us have a bit of console in us at some point in time. So. Sure, I, I was. Uh, so right after Midway closed CoinOp, I went to work at a studio, Higante. It was started by John Tobias, who was one of the two guys that founded Mortal Kombat. Um, we made two games for the original Xbox. One was a fighting game, okay. and one was a WWE wrestling game. Um, then from that company went out of business, and I bounced around from studio to studio. Okay. I worked on that really bad Tony Hawk game. With, came with the skateboard controller. It's called Tony Hawk Ride. It didn't turn out very good, but and I, for some other studios, <laughs> I did uh, I did some you know various design work too. And then I got after that Tony Hawk game that burned me out. And I said if I was going to stay in games, it had to be pinball. <clears throat> was that the plug and play one or the one? Uh, the Tony Hawk one. Yeah. It was for the like the Xbox 360 oh. and the PlayStation 3, and it had the skateboard. You stood on it. You know, it was during the era of when Rock Band yeah, was huge. Yeah, the next one was just the skateboard, and you didn't need the next one. I was gone from the company at that point, so I don't know <laughs> I what... I can't blame you for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted to do. And in yeah. case you haven't noticed, Mike is the real-life grandma's boy. Yeah, I really should have. You know, there's two movies I should have sued for a gimmick infringement. One was that one, and the other one was High Fidelity, because I'm like... I watched it, and I'm like, this is my life story on a movie, and I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> anyway, so after the video game thing, eventually, I, I always wanted to work at Stern ever since, honestly, since Midway closed its doors, and uh, it took a while to get there, but when they offered me a job, I couldn't jump far or fast enough or high enough to get there. It was, you know, a dream come true. So uh, can you can you describe a little bit about what it was like coming on to Stern, and then how, how did they... How did they create your role because I, I know some companies hire people hire people first and then they they create the role for the person because they wanted the person bad enough knowing that there's there's uh, there's talent and there's propensity to, to to really to really push the push the, the edge and the boundary forward and other people it's for other companies situations they've just got an unmet need for for headcount I mean how, how did how did that work for you so the nice thing about the engineering and product development team we have is half of them are old Williams and Midway guys. Okay. So I knew almost half our department for, you know, the better part of 20 years. So walking in the door, it was... It, 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 was, felt, it felt like coming home. Okay, good. Honestly, like it was the most... There's always that new job, like nervousness. You're like, maybe you know one person if you're lucky. This time I knew most of them, and so it just felt right. Like, I'm like, this is where I should be. Um, they came after me, and there was a couple of people that had pitched me, you know, pitched the idea of them hiring me over the past few years and then the timing just didn't work out until now and it was just 
January will be my second year at Stern already, and time just flew by. But George Gomez came after me and you know offered me the job, and I was happy to take it. They developed the. They've always had a need. Like when they hired me, they just hired me to be do software testing because they were the programmers would do it themselves up until that point, and it eats up a considerable and, amount of their time. And it's not scalable at all. Exactly. Yeah. So um, and you kind of don't want the police policing the police. Yeah. 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 So it's like I started the. You know, I was the first of two software testers at Midway, and so it's like I once again I came full circle. And now yeah. I started another department, doing the same thing as Stern. It's a department of one. I'm still just me, yeah. and I get part time help every once well, in a while. Vacations are easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just say, hey, I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I quickly grew into doing like helping with rule design, doing these things, you know, shows. And doing anything else that they ask. I mean, I also run the field test program there too. So okay. I do what I was hired for, but my my role rapidly grew and expanded. So now I'm doing like I'm helping way more on the design side. So from the from the relationship with Marco and Stern, everything that's brought these everybody's brought you all here to the table today. How can you talk a bit about how that relationship started and how it's grown? Because I mean, obviously. There's 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 a tight relationship uh, in order to be successful and, and to and to push the industry forward, and I'm sure that there's other companies that would love to have that type of relationship. And so I'm kind of curious as to as to what what led to what led to bringing everybody together. Yeah, well, actually, so I that's that comes to my wheelhouse here. So um, okay. there's a project I started about ten years ago. Yeah, it's kind of during the great pinball drought of the early 2000s when you know the industry was circling the drain. The first well, fifth time probably even before that marco has been heavily invested in the show circuit so we had a wake-up moment one day a long time ago mark and i were talking it's like wow we're probably the biggest uh power supplier in space but we don't want to start competing against other people in space so we need to grow the industry and we looked around we saw these shows starting to become a thing and so we were the very first sponsor texas pinball festival back in the day um and then all around the country we said all right we're gonna take all our marketing dollars and put in the show circuit and we need this to happen and then after a while, we're going to these shows, having a great time. It's like, man, a new ga- Stern game would come out, and there wouldn't be any Stern games at the show. And yeah. so, and we did the math on it. And, and a lot of people don't realize it only a couple hundred people can play a single game at a show. The games last three minutes, you only got 20, 30 hours of show time. And so, really, the number we say is 500 people get to play a game. Well, Texas Pinball now, you know, that show is 5,000 people. A lot of shows are 10,000 people. You know, this show will be a couple thousand people. It's. So you need five or ten copies of the new game for people just to play the game once. Yeah. And so he's like, we got to figure out a way to get new games to these shows because people want to play new games. We want to play new games, you know. <laughs> so uh, we started talking with Stern. It's like, how can we make this happen? You know, we, and so just started going up there frequently, built up relationships with Jody and John and all the guys up there. And uh, it's been a very, very fruitful relationship for the last ten years. We figured out you know, the whole demo game program. And we've been working very close to that because Stern never had an official show presence. The whole community show thing kind of caught them off guard. It's, they didn't even know what was going on. So traditionally, you know, Stern shows were down at AMOA, IAP, uh, the commercial, the old mm-hmm. coin-op shows, which ironically, those shows are dying. <laughs> and uh, here we are, and these shows are exploding uh, because the community now is driving pinball, and we want to really be you know, kind of drag. Come on, guys, we got to go get games over here. <laughs> and I- so that's basically the the high level of what we want is like we just got to figure out a way to get games to show and we tried lots of different things we'd bring them out on our dime we try to get started to bring them out and because it's expensive the new games that get beat up and we yeah. want to make sure we're not losing money at it but at the same time 
nobody's making money either because we know long term, as long as this industry is growing, then everybody's going to do all right. So, well, I'd say it's definitely successful because now at almost any show, you you almost expect the Marco booth and the stern boxes and yeah. to see people cutting the games open and standing them up. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the hallmark of a, of a modern show today. It's like I. I walk in. I expect to play the you know the the, the new three to four titles that, right. that Stern's got on the line or was just announced or what have you, and uh, you feel a bit cheated if if you don't see that. So it's it's definitely it's definitely a program that yeah. works. It used to be like oh well I got one copy of the game out there and then you have a line ten deep on there and people yes. might be able to play it once and it's, but now it's like you expect like even at a you know, and this is a we love Nashville's a brand new show and it's growing out of nothing it's incredible and now you got you know, we got seven brand new games here which yeah. before. Or no show got seven brand new games ever. Even the shows, even Pinball Expo in Chicago wouldn't get seven copies of games back in the day. So yeah. uh, it's completely come around. So we've, and we're really happy with how awesome that is. Rachel, did you have something? Yeah, yeah, so I can talk about this from a showrunner's perspective. Yes, yeah, so that's right. And Rachel runs a show, which so, is one yeah. of the reasons we heard yeah, I'm kind of curious about the logistics because <laughs> so, boxes just can't show up to be cut open. And yeah, from the pinball stork drops them off. So the reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they need to visit my house. <laughs> so, I, so I was actually hired at my show I co-founded and continue to co-run um, Zapcon which is the Phoenix you know pinball and arcade show yeah. so so Marco was at our show because I mean the same sort of reason right as a showrunner you know that it's it's difficult to find different ways to persuade people to bring their games to the show you have to you know free entry maybe raffle tickets towards games there's all these different things that you need to do as a showrunner to try and incentivize people to bring 350 pound things in their truck you know watch it bounce around oh, yeah. you know and, and to really put that out into the community is it's a very kind thing for people that have games to do almost no one is is willing to do that for a brand new game like you just got this yeah. thing and, and actually the games people have the impression whenever people are thinking about bringing games for the first time that their games are going to get beat up they're going to get trashed and they actually don't the games all of these games are meant to be on location they're meant to withstand some abuse mm-hmm. um, you should but, see what I do to the games in my office that's a, a testament to how strong they are by just how much I kick them and shovel them against the wall yeah I, I mean I mean no, that, that's good. I, I, I mean, want to until I think of the check that I've written. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Then I just right. walk away. Yeah. And then when you think about that check, you think, do I want to 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 pack this back up? Yeah. Haul it, you know, twenty miles across town or two hours, depending to, to do that. So with the demo game program that we have built with Stern, people can can get games at a little bit of a discount. So it works it works well for everybody. All the shows are getting uh, or all the shows that participate in this are getting the new games to play so we can all test them out. We don't have to go on Pinside and read what this guy thinks, you know, from his armchair about this game. Like you can play it for yourself. So that's really great for the so, community and the industry. I, I'm pretty and, sure we all know what the or the majority of us may know some may not what the demo game program is. Whitney and I attend enough shows as I guess kind of on the consumer visitor side yeah. and a little behind the scenes. So we've we've heard of it. How how does it play out for our listeners? So basically, and that and this is one of the things that I am in charge of is we uh, will pre-sell Stern games, the the current Stern games to customers in the area of that show. We work with partner dealers. So if there's a if there's a Stern dealer in that area, we mm-hmm. work with them. And we uh, will sell you a game before the show 
at a discounted price. In exchange for that discount, the game goes to the show, is you know opened at the show, and people are allowed to play it all weekend long, and you take it home. It becomes yours at the end of the show. So it, it really is a, a, it wins for everybody. People like to come and- Something <laughs> interesting going on in the hallway. Yeah, exactly. A, a didgeridoo in the yeah, hallway. Sure. Uh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, it's wow. like applause, yeah. 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 It's um, amazing. <laughs> really long pipes. I'm oh. sorry, Rachel. We were actually trying to get trumpets for your portion of this, but... But a didgeridoo was short all notice. Could. That's all we can yeah. come yeah. up with. We, we nice. work on a very thin nice. budget. Um, yeah, so so people people can, can get the new games, get them at the show. People can play them at the show, so it works for marketing for Stern because people actually get to get their hands on the games. The shows love it because you get to have the new games at the shows, and we love it because we get to help grow pinball, yeah. which, uh, you know, these, these games will eventually need parts. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you from a product development uh, side for what we do, it's hugely rewarding and um, helpful for me to see, interact with all the fans of what we do and all of yeah. our customers because a lot of them you know will come up to me and tell me like problems that they're having with the game or they'll just ask questions about rules or they'll tell me what they like and what they don't like and I'll just watch people play to see like are they understanding this game like how can we do something better like maybe they don't understand how a rule works and how can we how can we communicate that better to the player if I see a dozen people walk up and not get some feature yeah. of the game? Well, I will say this, uh, direct feedback on that. It's it's awesome because like with Iron Maiden, when it's just sitting in a track mode, it will it will show you, okay, this is the skill shot. This is how you build up mummy. This is this is what you're going to do with the game. So if you're the casual player just walking up, if you just invest a minute and a half and watch the watch the L C D at least the first time you plunge the ball, you've got an idea of something to do. You don't have to spend weeks and weeks trying to trying to reverse engineer the game from a from a player's perspective. So so that's good. And I'm curious how, how did how did that how did that kind of start? And and the second part of the question is what type of feedback are you giving back to Stern from a product development standpoint around let's say you know maybe part reliability or play field reliability or, or anything like that because these games get played, and I'm kind of curious, are, are they inspected after the shows, and are, are they looked at to say, okay, this is what we could do better, this is what needs to be fixed, and yeah, so on? I usually dump the audits from these games okay. whenever I can get to them in time before okay. people start wheeling them out the door yeah. at the end of a show. So we can see things, you know, like ball, you know, how often people are getting to certain features, what the average <clears throat> ball time is, et cetera. And I'll, I'll make notes, like on my phone, you'll see me throughout the weekend, like typing away, and I'm, I'm not typically texting people i'm making notes of like hey i saw this thing didn't work or the or we unboxed it and the switch wasn't adjusted i'll make notes for how we can improve yeah. you know in final inspection but i'll make notes of like hey this this you know people are getting confused at this or this rule could have worked better because i see like you know flaws in it yeah and then we can you or, know or people walking away at a certain point all the time yeah and then like the that. video yeah. thing you brought up like that was born out of one of our software meetings of you know how can we communicate better to people what to do yeah now we've got this video screen in our back box let's let's take advantage of it yeah it's definitely a good move because i i think that's just one of the nice things that you just haven't we had we as players just haven't really experienced up until now so that it, it's it's good use of the innovation yeah you know like video games will kind of <clears throat> nobody reads a manual in a console video game like the first level will kind of be your 
tutorial, yeah. you know, watch it through. And I we have, don't have that luxury I on a corner. Ma- manual since I built right. Lego. Right. So, don't yeah. you, get, don't you yeah. guys miss the yeah. manuals? That's, that's what you would read on the way home and get, uh, get Well, now that, well, on the oh, way home, I'm, typically I'm the one that drove to pick it up. So if I'm reading it on the way home, I'm like, just so long you're not driving. Exactly. Um, so we, we don't have that luxury in a pinball machine. You know, you put in your dollar to play it or you walk up and press start at a game a show like you're you're it's you know, you're just right in the deep water the minute you plunge the ball so yeah. um, that was a way that we found that we can have this like a tutorial without it you know adding to like game time and or you know forcing it in there at the beginning yeah. of a well, game the, the chain of feedback is is pretty cool because when everyone thinks of stern or honestly any of the other game manufacturers not as much the parts vendors there's always this veil of secrecy that I don't know, seems to have a lot of holes in it as of late, but nonetheless, it's nice to know that that things like you're discussing rules, player interaction that's being observed and then acted upon. So while you're at the shows, are you all, you're also providing like a little layer of support for those new games? Oh yeah, or? yeah, for sure. Like I'll fix stuff out on the floor all weekend long if anything goes wrong. I mean, I don't um, expect anything to go wrong. I mean, no, you're, but I mean, you're shopping records, really. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're not. Yeah. Yeah. If, it, does, if it doesn't case, get in the way of me going to the record store, I'll fix your game. Something happens. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, the nature of pinball is it's mechanical things. Right. right. Yeah. Sometimes things break. Well, and I mentioned that for anyone that may <clears throat> want to take advantage of the program. That way, you're you're not going to get a game if there was some little oddity that happens. There's always going to be an That's issue somewhere. No, we will take care of it. Yeah, yeah we will absolutely there. take Whether care of it. Whether it will be Mike or myself. Yeah. Or, yeah. Now, does that involve you know just gratuitous shaker motor installs or anything like that? Uh, well, no, not That's that. What I, I, thought. <laughs> I can't give away free parts, but I if, you, if you ask good questions or you challenge me to a game of pinball and beat me, I do give away free T-shirts, hats, and translates. So, oh, nice. Um, so, any of you guys in the audience, if you want to come by the booth and challenged me to a game. I, I have prizes Kale, to give away. Kale, uh, I did beat him. He was good at more. She beat me at a game at ACDC Honestly, yesterday is, is and got a t-shirt. Do I stand a chance? Oh, um, well, yeah. the, 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 secret, the, spot. the secret is he'll hook you up with something regardless. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Brand ambassador never dies. Yeah. So. Yeah. so all this, this is a massive change in, in our well, I'll say it, our little industry I mean it's a good sized industry but if you think about it it's you know we're not selling aircraft here yeah it's certainly you know, a smaller yeah. industry than when I started in it but you know that yeah. was a, oh yeah that true, was a quarter true. century ago yeah, it was a yeah. different world back the, the then the change yeah. from the the larger kind of corporate type shows to these shows and then everything that supports that I mean Kale I mean what else kind of have you seen you've been in the trenches I mean right, is right. Well, and Shift wise, the, and the, the short amount of time that I've been with Marco, which has only been a, a couple of years, uh, I'm on I, every day. I'm on the phone with customers, and I, I, I really love that. Uh, I, they're teaching me things. I'm teaching them things. The coolest thing, and it just like it's happened. It has happened all of a sudden. Uh, you know, we used to get calls from women, uh, and they were getting something for their husband or their boyfriend. And now, it's more women are owning games, repairing Actively them. Actively playing. Yeah. Every, yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, and that has really exploded just owning within the past year. Oh, look yeah, at yeah, We have one arcade. Yeah. Yeah. Starting yeah. their own pinball leagues. There's the Bells and Chimes, which has like chapters all over the U.S. I think mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of demographics, and I mean, that dovetails perfectly into the next question I wanted to ask is, this, this sounds like a fairly well-old machine here in the U.S., 
How does Stern and Marco approach this from an international standpoint? It, it, does it does it have legs right now from this program, this this demo program, and and the, the show circuit program? And just out of curiosity, especially from the Marco side, what does your international business look like from a, from a customer support and, and a user, you know, I, I guess a customer perspective? I, I'm kind of curious. I mean, it seems like everything moves really well here. But internationally, they have to work. It seems like they have to work a lot harder just due to channel yeah. distribution, just sheer geography and everything like yeah, that. I, I could not pull off my job without Google Translate. I'm, uh, Interesting. Yes, we, yeah. we ship all over the world. Yeah. A good sizable chunk of our business is overseas. It so is. So at least 30 or 40%. Yeah, every it's crazy. day we get messages like yeah. Google Translating. If there's any shows that are opening, like in Tokyo, if yeah. you would please contact me, I would love for you to fly us out and we'll get you some games. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'd um, love to go to go but, too because yeah. I've yeah. never been anywhere out of the country to go record shopping. So oh, yeah. 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 And the games yeah. are going to be solid. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're ready to go. I'll come, yeah. I'll, I'll come fix your games and then you know see the local the local. <laughs> I mean, we already know that Stern ships. You know, when we're all looking wait, waiting for when we're going to get our LEs and. Some of them are going overseas first. And, yeah, I mean, I mean we do ship all over the world, and it's a market that we're continuing to grow. Yeah. So. so I know stateside, the arcade phenomenon is growing. We've got several in our home hometown. Yeah, every major city has one. Every, yeah, yeah. Well, or several at several. this point. Several. Yeah. Several. Yeah. We have yeah. a bunch of them in Chicago. Yeah. Is and I've heard Gary say in other interviews. Now this this may have changed because it's probably been a couple of years at this point. But I've heard it a few times that overseas it seems that they're still routing quite a bit. You'll see one and two games, as I take it, on location as opposed to these larger destination-type venues. Is, is that the case? or? Yeah, I mean, pinball, remember, is, is such a cultural thing. So, like, it's... It, the cool thing about pinball is one of the last truly American things in the world. Like, it's still today, American has a virtual monopoly on pinball. There's a handful of European manufacturers here and there, but the cultural aspects of it was born and bred here. And so, you know, back to your original program about the demo games, um, you know, it's all America-based, right? You know, just from a logistics perspective, you know, schlepping games across country borders. And then, you know, Stern has distributors in every country, too. So at that point, we step on toes, and the costs are just too high for us to do it right now. So we, all of our trade show efforts are focused in the U.S. We did, okay. We're starting to visit Canadian shows more, trying to figure that out. That's the next frontier there. But at the end of the day, we're still a small company, and resources are limited. And we're barely scratching the surface on the American market alone. Hmm. Um, so we have a bunch of uh, good friend companies overseas that we work with. And I know, I know of some great shows in Canada. I know there's a couple in the U.K. Australia has a couple there. But... Um, yeah, so but those and we're trying to the number one goal of everything is we want to inspire everybody. We want this everyone to replicate the success around the world because yeah. if we're not doing somebody needs to be doing it. Because pinball at the end of the day it brings people together, it's community oriented and every little community of every country is really the backbone for all this. So growing the the growth is organic in that sense. Like uh, the, the majority of the games in the world are in the US. But there's also a, by our best estimates about it's about a half and half. So half the pinball machines in the US, half are spread around the rest of the world to our best estimates. Um, and that's off of just also watching the recent Stern production and seeing what's moving around there. It seems to be about where everything is landing. And so the pinball density around the rest of the world is much less than the U.S. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And also, you remember, in the U.S., we're really good at moving stuff around. Like, the U.S. has the best freight rail system in the world. It's cheap to move things in the U.S. That's why what makes pinball shows possible. We have good interstates. We have good trucks. We have lots of space. Yeah. Um, if you go to India and China, they don't have pinball there. There's nowhere to put a pinball machine. If you have an apartment, you're lucky to have a bed. Right, yeah. so it's, everything's tiny there. You know, so. Electricity, twenty four hours a day. You know, right, yeah. Like so that. it's 
um, in you know in third world countries, pinball is not a thing. It's pinball is absolutely a luxury endeavor, right? So. Uh, and, and so that's why you see like the growth and like why the communities are operating tend to align with you know first world countries and those kind of things, uh, based off our experience. So our top countries that we export to: Canada, Australia, UK, Spain, Italy. You know those guys, uh, the usual suspects. So you find a lot of home users in yeah those countries. Mm-hmm. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. you are yeah. okay. Yeah. So the, the routes are still a thing overseas, but again, the the growth and what's really driving the industry. Like I don't know what what you want to call this wave, but the the post two thousand eight period of pinball. The era of where the players are directly connected to pinball manufacturers. That's never happened before. Before, you always had the operators in between. And so you have all these old operators making all the purchasing decisions for the games. And then the players were all loosely connected. They weren't invested. So now, finally, you have players directly connected back to pinball. That's what this is, right? That's what this whole show circuit is. And that's what's powering all the growth of the current generation of pinball. So speaking of connecting the two, someone here owns an arcade. Who is it? <laughs> Not it. So, <laughs> it's, did you say the electric bat? The electric bat. All right, so tell us about the electric bat. The electric bat is an arcade inside of a long established punk rock bar in Phoenix. So, the bar is called Yucca Tap Room. And then we knocked down a wall and put in, uh, or knocked out an archway in a wall and put in a, a, an arcade that we're already looking to knock down another wall to expand um, you know, early next year. So, right now there's 12, there's 12 pins and 8 arcades in there, so it's still it's a very small little yeah. token-based arcade. Um, it, uh, I personally own 40-something pinball machines and 20-something arcade games, so we do heavy rotation, so we're always switching out. So it's, there's only 12 games, but they're going to be different all the time. Plus, you know, they break, and I'm in there every day fixing things. Um, but so there's punk rock shows every night, and whenever there's a band that you don't really care about, you can go in the other room and play uh, and, and play arcade games. And then for the people that don't care at all about the shows, I have these little uh, little VIP cards, so you don't have to pay the cover. So for all the like the pin, and it really is mostly pinheads. There's there's some arcade nuts in there, but uh, so those guys and ladies get their own card that says, I don't have to pay cover, I'm just going in here. To, oh, that's cool. Play there you Do go. any of them use it to scam their way into the show? At the bottom it says, if I... If I, if I, I, I yeah. Well, yeah, I you're honest. You know, yeah. I have a picture of it. At the bottom it says, uh, if I... Here's a here's one that's not laminated. If I abuse this, I will lose my bat, my magic bat card. So, um, so all the bouncers, you know, they know it's only been open for two months, and and you already know the you know the twenty people that are in there after work yeah. every day. And the bar is actually open, and the arcade is open from six a.m. to two a.m. So there are people in there drinking and playing at six in the morning. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, because third shift workers. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. People yeah. get off work at the hospital. They come and uh, unwind and, and yeah, yeah. Play, play a lot of games. Yeah. Um, and you're so, already looking to expand. Yeah. It's yeah, and, and Phoenix has several uh, barcades, and we just there's it's a it's a good community for it. But it's this location in particular is, you know, it's just a nice mix of things. People that. That, you know, shows every night, live music, dive bar, very cheap beer. Uh, also, you can get fancy cocktails. So, kind of the whole gamut. But yeah. uh, well, I'm kind of curious what what have you what have you seen from your perspective that that fuels that growth? I mean, is it is it is it quote unquote new pinball that's bringing people in? Is it people that are that are associated, I guess, familiar with some of the older titles or, or the arcade titles? I, I'm kind of curious as to what 
what do you think is the hook that's, that's bringing so many people in? Um, you know, I think it's, 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 it's several things. One is the growth of shows. So we started okay. ZapCon seven years ago, and that helped kind of the resurgence in the area of, of the arcade and, and pinball world. Um, and then leagues really started getting going. So we've got Tuesday night leagues that are 60, 70 people. So mm-hmm. as more people are, are joining um, leagues and, and playing in public, they don't. They maybe don't have games or, or don't you know whatever the situation is. They're playing more. Yeah. Um, and they, and then there's the the people that are just there for the bar, and then happen to walk in and then realize like, oh yeah, I remember this. This was fun. Um, and then showing their friends because yeah. you know the friends aren't there for for the. Um, for the arcade necessarily, but by the end of the night, they are. So it's something, you know, as we talked about earlier, it's, it's very community oriented. You want to grab your buddy and you want to, you know, you want to play against them, beat them, teach them, make it more fun so that it's, it's actual competition. So those, those things combined, I think, are really helping, helping it come back. And then there's, there's the other side of it where people are, a lot of people have the theory that because social media is so prevalent and then we spend so much time online that, that people are really jonesing for personal connection and, and physicality, yeah. um, you know, watching, playing against gravity versus, mm-hmm. um, you know, playing against pixels. Uh, and and they, they, they split flip a champion would know. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I did win this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got fifth. Yeah, but, Kale, yeah. Kale, a strong fifth. Yeah, strong it's a fifth. good fifth. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of social media, and, and that's that's a that's a good point to bring up because if if you look across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be, it seems like uh, it seems like Stern and Marco are well represented in just so many random pictures at random events, you know, across across the show the social media landscape. I mean, how? How, how do people that may want to start a league or may want to, to I guess, kind of grow their local scene? I mean, how, how do they work with Marco and how do they work with Stern to, to help to help advance that, you know, help advance the game? On the Stern side, um, they've got the Stern Army yeah. where they help. We like we will give, um, I forget the requirements, Zach Sharp would be the one to, to go into the specifics. But they work with local leagues to okay. do like monthly events at at a venue that you know that operates pinball to help grow pinball and the business in that location and grow a player base and we'll send them you know giveaways and prizes and stuff for these events and 95 percent of everything is showing up right so if for anybody that's on the fringe and they want to start building out the pinball community you go to a bar and grab a person say i'll bet you a dollar on that game was play right and you start playing people and next thing you know then you get five people together and you and making friends, right? That's what all, pinball is all about in a nutshell is making friends. So the more friends you make, next thing you know, boom. And this is what happens. We see it happens to everybody. They buy a game and they buy another game. Then they get some friends coming over. Next thing you know, they have 10 games. Next thing you know, they're out of space. Ah, oh, crap, that, that I got these games. It never happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then happens. next thing you know, you end up like Rachel and you have an arcade. And yeah. you ask Rachel 10 years ago, you go into an arcade. She's like, oh, no, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> That's too much work. I don't and know. we've seen more customers. Yeah. yeah. I know I'm constantly talking myself into utilizing uh, more space. Yeah. And I warn everybody, oh, it's your first game, not your last. You I'm, know? Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly in that I can park a little closer and snake out of this door yeah. if I can put another game in, in oh, storage. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll just walk sideways. Yeah, I'll get out of the car, just yeah. through the window, do and, hazard style. And I was a little bit late to sit down with you guys, but you asked a question, how did Marco get started? Well, you know, because I was probably about five years old at the time, is 
when Mark brought home too many games, they're in the garage. And then Nancy, <laughs> he came home one day and they're all in the driveway because Dan's like, I'm parking the car here. You're getting, you're putting me somewhere else. <laughs> and that was the birth of Mark. <laughs> it was the same thing that happens to everybody in this industry. Is this, this grows and then this spills out. Yeah, so, but if you're, if you're someone yeah. in a community that does not currently have a community, really the best thing you can do is grab somebody and say, come play with me. Yep. I'll, I'll buy your first couple of games. It's an easy hook. And I'll do that sometimes at the bar when I'm in there finish fixing things. I'll just grab some rando off a bar stool and say, hey, Come play this game. Yeah. Can you I'll, test I'll this game? I'll get you a beer if you exactly. need yeah. me. Yeah. 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 I'll buy some game. I'll buy a beer. Buy a game. Yeah. I like that. I just fixed this. Can you test this for me? Yeah. For me, the the most fun I have in pinball is playing. You know, is a social aspect of playing games with friends or meeting new people, like at a like you know local barcade back home. You know, I've gone there for a couple of their Stern Army nights and met a whole bunch of fantastic new people that are just into pinball they just like to hang out and play games yeah. I don't like the tournaments scene so much I'm in the minority where I work as far as like that's not the fun for me the fun is like just playing in a group of people like multiplayer games mm-hmm. yeah so actually that, that's the best thing if you want to start pinball buy some of the game of pinball that's it <laughs> yeah. I've seen that a lot in venues in our hometown where you get exactly like you you all describe you, you once you get that seed a couple people and once they Silly as this sounds, once they can show new people where the start button is, yep. then, That's the then it part. takes off. You'd be then, surprised of what a hurdle the start button really is, <laughs> totally which is yeah. why we put it on the lockdown bar now, you know, in addition to where it is. And it flashes. Yeah, and it flashes because I went to the San Diego Comic-Con. We had a Star Wars machine there, and I watched 100% of the people that went in the Star Wars booth start the game on the button on top. They didn't know anything about about the button on the about face. The button the on the face. They didn't understand pinball at all. They knew what a pinball machine was, yeah. but they walked up and they instantly hit that flashing lockdown bar button. No <laughs> joke on the... Um, I, I have a, a Stars, a Stern Stars in the arcade right now, and because of where that start button is, it's a little bit below the, the coin it's mac. It's the coin door. So, yeah. so you're, like, if you're looking down at it, you don't really see it. So I had to put a fluorescent... Um, vinyl across the coin door that says start button here it's because people it really yeah you, I mean, you don't notice it. it's, it's, it's like it's really it's you know it's down low and that's not where your eyes are normally drawn to but on the top or the lockdown bar that's the first thing you see when you walk up yeah. you know, it's, it's almost like the button on an iPhone yeah if you think it's about just, it, it's just right there, right? Although mine doesn't have the button, they took the button out on mine. Oh, yeah. that's well location-wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. buttonless as well, so yeah. I think pinball back in the day took for granted that everyone knew what pinball was, and yeah. it never really catered towards new players, and now it's a new design ethos that you see. Well, you've got a couple of generations that yeah. really never had it. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's where I see it a lot is with 30 and under. Right. You know, you, you, they're struggling. They're pushing the coin rejects. Right. And you walk over and you show them, and then they won't leave the game room. But if you need to think back like the social context of pinball back in the day, it used to be very exclusive, right? It's like in the club, or you see like, you know, like the pinball guys are kind of outcasts. And now pinball is very inclusive, right? It brings people in. And, and that's the big shift that we've seen in the last 10 years. Now pinball is 100% inclusive. A lot of like millennials. Anybody can buy a game. Sure. Anybody can play a game. In the past, and that's what we got started, is you couldn't buy parts for games. Like, if you had a game in the 80s and you needed a part for it and you weren't an operator, you could not buy that part. There's nobody, you call one of the old distributors, they wouldn't call you back. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. don't have a count with us, buy. You know? Yeah. And yeah. that's what put us in business is we saw this opportunity. It's like, wait, pinball needs to be inclusive. And that's kind of what's been driving everything that we do is what, how can we make pinball more inclusive? And that's, here's the shows again. So, and that's, and I think when they go back and write the history of book on pinball, they'll look at this era of pinball as the area of inclusive pinball. And that's really what's been driving all of this. And yeah. one of the challenges that we have as far as designing them now 
goes like, how can we grow the audience? It's like, you know, we can't just design the games for guys like me that already know pinball. Like, how do we design them so a casual person who doesn't know pinball can walk up and understand what to do and get them hooked where they, you know, where they get that one more game feeling where they want to put in another buck and play it again. Like, yeah. you know. You don't do that through RGP posts? <laughs> no, 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 sadly we don't. Sorry. Because, you know, the, the, you know, the casual bar person, you know, that went for a drink and sees this flashy machine, like, hey, I'll try that. They're not on the internet look, reading pinball message boards. <laughs> no, you know, I, I mean, they I don't know where the, the start button in. is. They can shoot for the flashing insert right. once they get Exactly. You know, but then you past know, the barrier to entry. You also can't have your entire playfield flashing from the minute you hit start, too. You yeah. know, you got to yeah. like, oh yeah, you got to like, uh, you got to tailor it down to where it's under, it's digestible yeah. and understandable, well, and it, it's a constant cha- challenge. And ultimately, I mean, it's it's a business. It's a fun business, but it's a business. So so the goal is to convert the players to customers so that the business can live on because you've got to be able to make payroll you've got to be able to you've got to be able to run a business that looks good on the balance sheet and have fun at the same time and this is, this is probably one of the greatest industries for that so yeah it, it's 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 moved along a lot it, it, even just in the past three to three to four years mm-hmm. yeah from that regard so uh, we're almost at time. I'm curious, uh, does anybody in the audience ha- have any questions? Because we want to make sure that we that we get some people's voices as well. Yep. You were talking about uh, pinball not being as popular around the world, but in Japan it went vertical to save space because space is, and became pachinko because space is so important. Right. Have you guys thought about doing a pachinko machine at Marco or Stern? Well, so you got to remember, pachinko is gambling. Pinball has roots in gambling, but modern pinball is no longer gambling, per right. se. So, and gaming is the industry term of gambling, and pinball have since diverged, and personally, for, and this becomes now a very interesting ethical discussion, is like, the, are you in the gambling industry, uh, which is tends to be a predatory industry, and again, and kind of falls away from this inclusion thing we're talking about, yeah. or do you want to stick towards more of the entertainment side of it? And so Pachinko is a completely different beast from pinball. And the answer to the question, no, we're not doing Pachinko ever. But I think you could <laughs> but, you could rephrase that question and say, are you ever thinking about doing a bonsai run where there's yeah. almost nothing <laughs> or, in front of you and yeah. it's almost yeah. all... Yeah. Yeah. It's just, or just a different form so, factor. Well, well history's important there, too. Look at Safecracker. That was actually... That game was designed with that in mind. There was targeted European smaller locations. And um, it weighed more than a regular say, that is the machine. heaviest machine I've ever It's the heaviest machine we ever made at Williams. It's dense. <laughs> yeah. That coin mechanism weighed a ton. Um, <laughs> and I think we were just talking... Mark and I were talking about this morning. Pinball's evolutionary, not revolutionary. So, um, as far as targeting those markets, at the end of the day, like this is still a tiny industry, and those kinds of massive shifts are very expensive and huge risk. Yeah. So potentially too costly too. And if you you look back at the form factor, and so let's, I think this is very good because the form factor pinball, like. A lot of companies in this recent wave of pinball have experimented with that, putting it back out wide body games, for example. It, it, it's become pretty clear that the size of pinball is pretty optimized for the game at this point in time. So changing that requires a complete rehash of the whole thing. And I think at this point, the issue is not quite big enough to stomach that big of a risk right now is what it comes down to. Because you have to retool everything. There's so much dependent on that size. It's like, oh, let's tr- try different sized railroad tracks. Nobody's going to do that at this point in time. Yeah. Maybe later. Maybe there becomes a real need for it. But 
Um, at this point, it's easier to tell people to go buy a bigger apartment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the formula works yeah, right now. So yeah. there's another question in the back. Yes, sir. Yeah, this rolls back to early on with parts availability and that. With I've been in automotive restoration and customization. Well, a cousin of the pinball parts years. industry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of overlap. Uh, but now with industrial-level 3D metal printing and plastics and other composites, have y'all expanded looking into that because that's becoming very good at producing on-demand small quantity. Yeah, so, so you're seeing additive manufacturing is, is the umbrella term for all that. And it's uh, an area we are, as a aftermarket supporter, we keep an eye on heavily. And then Stern also is heavily involved with that from a prototyping. And additive manufacturing is very close to hitting production level cost and the hardest part of additive manufacturing is durability. So, people, like I remember, everything is being pummeled with an 80-gram ball at high velocities. And even to this day, um, at the price point, additive manufacturing still doesn't touch um, regular production processes, especially for metal parts. The, and at that price point, additive, like laser centering, those kind of things, extremely expensive for what you're getting. So a 10 cent part, which you stamp out, is now a $40 part in additive manufacturing. It's coming down cost. You are seeing more and more components, especially a lot of the boutique shops that are doing short run games. You'll see some uh, 3D printed stuff in okay. those games, especially things that aren't making contact with the ball. Yeah. Um, we've experimented like some, like I think somebody has some 3D printed drop targets. They last all about three hours before they break. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's the plastics don't are are uh, added manufacturing plastics can't touch injection molded plastics for durability. It's not even close, okay. uh, and it won't be. It's the physics of it. So yeah. like literally, you, you have added manufacturing plastics that are glued together, whereas injection molded plastics are actually form together to crystallize yep. it a lower. So as you know, if the ball's not hitting it, then those parts, especially the cosmetic parts and those kind of things, uh, those are starting to see. Yeah, so when, when they make cost sense, we're, we're stocking them, absolutely. And there's a lot of uh, vendors that are starting to produce okay. at those levels. So you're, you're going to see just slowly starting to sneak in there is what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Any other questions? Any Yes, yeah, I'd like to ask, how do you judge um, demand for a part, you know, if there's a part that's not available and you're considering doing a reproduction of that part? Yeah. So we have, a, we have a Ouija board in the back? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, <laughs> no, his name it's, is Mark. It's, 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 it's really simple. It's, it's call volume. Our, our customers tell us. And we, we when, when somebody calls me and says, hey, I haven't been able to find this anywhere, we try to find it and, and remake it, and but you know, which each, each of those calls are logged. We go, okay, yeah. this person's looking for this, and we can look at, okay, there's there are twenty people looking for this part. Let's start making it. Yeah, well, there's a number of factors. There's obviously an infinite list of parts that we could be working on. So the top priority are things that make the game not work. So, and that's actually one thing that we do a lot better than most companies is we have all these little stupid little parts that normally aren't worth your time. <laughs> Because all it takes is one missing spring to take the whole game down. Or one little screw is not in the right place. And they're not glamorous parts, but they're critical parts. So those always get the first part. You need lug nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're not without lug nuts, the tires come off the car, right? Yeah, right? And so like, the little things, that. we spend a lot of time and effort on those little things. And then so that coupled with, we know the production volumes are just about every game. So and then you just run the math. And if we're going to completely lose on it, then... We still might do it because if it's a critical part, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that's where like it's an industry. We have some yeah. products we lose money on, and we will never make money on. But it's it takes the game down. 
we'll still do it. And so he told regular, you know, NBA guys, like, why you have these parts? Like, you're losing money on. Like, yeah, but then the whole game's in the garbage without this part. <laughs> I, I can't tell you like how many times at the tail end of my working at Williams, I needed parts for my own games. We didn't have them anymore, and I bought them from Marco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there is a like a charity component to some of the parts we do, actually. Believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, more. You ever have problems like with reproduction parts about licensing? What I can say about that is when you know, we try to make sure everything is clear and by the book, and then sometimes it's, it's a pain. So and there's a number of that. It's such a tricky thing, right? Because it's such a gray area too. Especially when you have a critical part that brings the game down, and if it's licensed or not. So everything has to be looked at and has to be. Uh, I think the biggest one for that is like play fields. That's why we don't directly make play fields. It's just a giant headache of paperwork and legal things. But there's enough companies that do that stuff. So most of our vendors and most of the, so we we do very little production ourselves. We're mostly distributor, um, and most of our vendors tackle those problems basically. All right, so it's uh, it's always a challenge. Okay, all right. Any other questions? Excellent. Well, listen, we're at time. That uh, was a very quick hour, so it just it just flew by, and we certainly appreciate uh, you guys taking the time uh, out of the day to, to sit here with us, and and really just the insight and the transparency because it's neat just to pull the cover back a bit and just uh, you know just talk about talk about business for a bit. So yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys for what you do. Thank you. No problem. If any of you guys have questions later throughout the day, or you want to win some prizes, stop by our booth and uh, and challenge me to a game, or ask anything you want within reason. I can't tell you about <laughs> the next title we're doing. What's the next game? Yeah, What's the next game? What's I can't game? tell you what the next game is, but you know, if if I can't answer it, I'm happy to. That was the yeah. worst question awesome. of all time. Please stop asking that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> next game, next game is Beatles. We read Pennside to you know everything we know. So. Yeah. yeah, it does nobody any good. So. Yeah, I mean, th- there will never be a day where you can ask that question and get an answer, other than. I can't tell you yeah. what the next game is. Yeah. So. Even, even if we have a record in a box for you. Ooh. Oh. What's that? Ooh. Do you have a wish list? Is That's what he's asking. Yeah. Oh. A wish list of albums. He can't be bought. Yeah. 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 yeah no. Trust me. People, 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 people have offered me far more than that and got yeah. nothing out of me. So, I, yeah. I'll say this. Gainful employment is, is highly, highly underrated. Exactly, so, yeah. yes. I, I love getting a paycheck every week. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. No, um, listen, thank you all very much. Thanks, thank everybody, you. for attending. We appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. Thank you. So, Brent, through the magic of editing, I think we're back. Are we back? I, I think. We're back. It, I mean... Is, is the red, I feel is, that I'm back. Okay. Is the red is the red light on the recorder? Are we back? It is, but I mean, if you want to get super deep, I mean, there's. Did we total, ever, did we ever leave? Well, I That's was thinking. Really, the question. I was thinking, is this real or are we actually living in a simulation? I don't know, I was, Brent. They they've made some movies about that, to, but I haven't seen. It. I don't, I don't know. I, Hey, all I know is that I've still got some stuff around here to fix. So it's oh, as yeah. real as it's real to me as it can yeah, be. Exactly. It's right? as real as it's going to get. So speaking of fixing some stuff, I want to touch on a couple tech topics. These are some things that I we've talked about in the past. Okay, I've brought these up in the past, but after some experiences at the Grand Ole Game Room Expo, it I felt that it was worth a revisit of a couple, you know, points, especially if you're a new listener and, and you, you know you have it 
we haven't talked about this before. So just some things that, that I have found to be very helpful for me to have not only in my permanent workshop, but if you have a kit that you carry around, I always call it, I think you even said the same thing when you travel kit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm going to a show, I'm going to take my travel toolkit with me. Yeah. And I try to be as prepared as I can. I don't want to have a game shut down the whole weekend because I didn't have a screwdriver. Now you'll find a screwdriver, but you you know what I mean. Oh yeah, totally, totally. So uh, first thing I wanted to mention is a high voltage probe. All right. This came in useful at Grand Ole Game Room Expo. I was helping Dave, Dave Corgan, with one of his games and it was a black and white game. Mm-hmm. So what, okay, what is, why is that important? Okay. So l- let's run through what the probe is. The probe reads high voltages in our case in a monitor. And generally what you'll see is they'll be able to handle in the 30 to 40,000 volt range mm-hmm. depends on the probe. Some probes will have a meter on board and then other probes, what you'll do is you'll actually attach it to the probes on your on your multimeter, any multimeter that you have. It doesn't have to be a specific one. And then you could use your multimeter to read, you know, what the probe is saying. Okay. Now the multimeter doesn't have to have this 30 to 40k range. It will actually divide down the voltage that is you have to do the math in your head. You yeah. have to realize, okay, it's gonna cut it down by a thousand or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's what you'll see on your meter, okay? So that's your two basic types. Now, where, where is this helpful, and why did this come into play at Grand Ole Game Room Expo? The, one of the big things is you can use it to verify or set your voltages on, on your monitors. And, you know, like, hey, well, 6100, I'm looking at you. That's a – well, it's key on all of them, mm-hmm. but it's something that – where I've used mine most often has been messing around with a 6100. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It also comes in handy if you just, you need to check your high, uh, your high voltage just to get an idea if, if the monitor is working in general, working correctly. There's, uh, the, we could do a whole show on exactly what, how, when, where, and why. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's the internet for that, there's YouTube for that. The big thing, the big help here is, if you've got black and white games, black and white vector games or raster games, you don't want to just do a straight discharge. You know, you don't want to take your screwdriver with your lead on it and just ground the anode cap to the frame and just discharge it. Yeah. The black and white monitors are going to have a diode in that in the wire going up to the anode cap, all right? And that sudden discharge could actually end up blowing that diode up. So to properly discharge that type of monitor, you need a slow bleed, okay? So you can make up something where you've got some real high-watt resistors, several resistors. I mean, there's multiple formulas. There's, again, there's, there's information upon yeah. fact upon page yeah, yeah. on the Internet about how to do this and how to make your own discharge tool analogous to the old school screwdriver with a lead on it that you can use on these monitors and not blow the the diode out. Or you can just go out to eBay and go ahead and get yourself a probe. Mm -hmm. All right. The probes will cost 30 bucks to 130 bucks. It just depends on what you get. The, the new BK, B and K's are still out there. And 
um, they're they're in that hundred to hundred thirty dollar range. But you can get used probes off eBay. Uh, one that I know I've got, I've got the BK and HV forty four A, and I've also got one that I see that's a lot on eBay. It's from Pomona Electronics, mm-hmm. and it's a model thirty two ninety five. And you'll see these alone. But what's really cool is if you look around, you'll find that thirty two ninety five with a case. Yeah. It's got a foam lined little case, which is just great. So as you're carting it along place to place, it, it yeah. just protects it from damage. Yeah, it, it doesn't get bungled up. Yeah. And, and you can see those as low as 30 bucks. I've got one of each. I've got the Pomona that I can take with me and then the BK, B&K I just leave here. Yeah, so so, so the Pomona, I assume, has got the meter on it then, correct? Yeah, both of the ones that I have the Pomona does and the B and K and the B and K does as well. Yeah. 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 Now you can find many out on eBay that do not have the meter that tend to fall in that lower price range. Yeah. All right. So you got your high voltage probe and you're ready to go. So what's the next thing that you're going to have to do potentially at a show or if you buy that new game, you know, when Whitney finally finds that perfect time pilot, (laughs) he he might have, you might have to get into a game. He might have to get into that game. Yeah. What better way to do it, other than a, a drill, is with a lockpick set. Yeah, and I've drilled many a locks. So. And, I, and I've drilled some as well. Yeah. So I'll go in caution here. This show goes all over the world. We have downloads all across the planet. Make sure, you know, before you go sourcing a lockpick set, that it's something that is allowed, that is legal in your area. That, that's, okay? th- that, that's a good point to make, because generally... You you may not think about it, but you, you don't want to get in trouble for buying something as indiscriminate as that. But still, yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's videos all over YouTube as to how to use it, and mm-hmm. honestly, I think the way a lot of it is addressed in other countries is they'll deem it lock sport. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Kind of kind of like the the situation in Japan where gambling isn't legal, mm-hmm. but you have all the Pacino bars. Yeah, and you win a, a plastic block <laughs> or tickets or what? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And as it just so happens, you know, there's one place in town that happens to be the door next door uh-huh. where all they want to do is buy plastic blocks. Is, is buy plastic blocks. That's you know, right. so there, there's ways around it. Yeah. But so, like I said, you know, just just be careful because at the end of the day, someone sees a lockpick set and they think, you know, whatever. They yeah. they they may not think it's. It, you're on the up and up. Yeah. When you look at my pick set, it's scattered in with soldering irons and all kinds of other tools. And it's obvious that I'm, you know, I'm not rolling cars in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, why do you want one? You want it to pick a lock. <laughs> you know, it's a lot less messy than drilling. Uh, you could reuse the lock in, in a lot of situations. And sometimes I've had this happen to me with my back to the future. The key was in the game. And what ended up happening there in that case was how do you how do you lock a key in a game? It's like locking yourself in your own car. How do you do that? They had lowered the head on the game and dropped the key in the back of the cabinet. Then in moving the game around and tilting the cabinet, the key had migrated its way all the way to the front. <laughs> so they had dropped it in Hilarious. the hole. Hilarious. In the back of the cabinet that's opened up when the head is down, anticipating just reaching down in there. And, yeah. Well, that's not what ended up happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. lockpick sets are really, really handy to have, especially when it comes to your kind of your common single bit 
arcade barrel lock. And when I say single bit, I mean, if you've seen the keys, Whitney, where you've got the cutouts, the teeth on both sides of the key, oh, yeah. that, mm-hmm. that's a double. Yeah. And I think bit is the right term. It, it single. Is. Yeah, it's, it's, you're right. Oh. Bit, bit is the right term. Singles just got it on one side. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can get into most of those without any issue yeah. in just a in just a couple minutes. Yeah, cool. And it, it came in handy. Uh, there was a, an instance where we didn't have keys to a game. The keys were were lost in moving the game around and we needed to get into the game. We didn't have a drill available. We didn't yeah. have a, a bid available. Yeah. We, did, we just didn't. So yeah. I was like, hey, I crawled up next to the game and shh. And yeah. I got into it. And, and drilling is uh, drilling is messy and it's loud. And the one thing I'll say is that you've got to have the right bits in mm-hmm. order to successfully drill out a lock. And if you don't want it to take, if you don't want it to be a fifteen minute ordeal as well. So and then you've got shavings everywhere. Sha- it's it's a messy. Mess. It's me- and it's loud. I mean, it, I, say that again. I mean, most every time that I've ever had to drill out a lock, I've had to put on a set of muffs as I as I drill because, dude, it is it is loud. I've been in arcade cabinets where the speaker has been mounted toward the back mm-hmm. of the cavity at the top of the cab. Mm-hmm. And you look in there, and it's coded in filings where someone had drilled a lock, and it was just stuck to the speaker. Stuck to the speaker, yeah. And if you think about it, too, if you shoot all the way through it, you can get filings down into the bottom of the cab. And what's generally down there? Yeah, exactly. A lot of exposed electronics. A lot of exposed electronics. So, That's I mean, it. if you have to drill it, you have to drill it. But for the expense of a lock pick set, your here's your cost range, 20 to 200 bucks yeah, plus you can spend as much on it as you want but the the kits that i have they're from a company i i'm assuming you might be able to get them in in maybe most of the world yeah i'm pretty sure this company's u.s based it's a company called south ord s-o-u-t-h-o-r-d they have a pretty wide array of kits but their basic kit is 1650 Okay. Okay. Comes with a uh, torch or torque bar, which is what you put in the lock to kind of to give it that twist, that torque that you normally would when you stick the key in it and turn mm-hmm. it. And it comes with a series of picks. And honestly, it's not like I'm getting in and feeling tumbler to tumbler. I'm doing a very simple raking motion, a very basic pick. I've gotten into I don't know how many arcade cabinets, and then even games I've gotten that have had uh, a, a, like a padlock on it, a single-bit padlock. I, the operator had, hey, I don't have keys that anymore. You know, I plug it in, test it, do whatever. I buy it, side and see, or, uh, buy it as is, untested. I've got it home and, you know, zip the lock right off of it. <laughs> they are very handy to have in this hobby. So do you think that 1650 kit is a great is a great place for people to start? I would say yes. Uh, and, and you've been successful with it, yeah. correct? Oh, yeah. yeah. The only thing that I don't like in that kit is, it, it, I'm taking a look at it right now, it's got four picks with it, mm-hmm. and uh, one looks kind of like a ball. It's a disc, rather. Uh, and one kind of looks like, um, I don't know, like a hockey stick. Okay. The other two picks are the picks that I would use most often. One kind of just looks like a little squiggle. And then the other looks like it's got like a little triangle, like a tooth on it. Yeah. And what, yeah. I would use those two just to just simply like a raking motion. If you, if you Google, uh, lock pick videos and, and this this set even comes with a little case and it comes with 
uh, a basic instruction booklet. It's their introductory kit to lock picking, if there is such a term. Sounds kind of good or bad. I don't know how you want to take that, Whitney. Nonetheless, it, it, the, the raking method is very simple. Basically, yeah. you put a little torsion, a little torque on your lock. You try to get it to spin to where the uh, each of the pins are just right up against the, the internal mechanism. And as you, as you walk it, as you scrape it, when one finds its home, the, the, the barrel will turn just ever so slightly under the torque that you're applying with the little bar, and it will stay there. Yeah. And you just slowly walk. You just rake yeah. until they all find their home, and the lock will spin. And the lock will spin, it, yeah. It, it sounds it's, – it's almost as easy in most cases as I'm explaining. I mean, I've, I've definitely had some failures, but I've had far more successes than I've had failures. Yeah, okay. Well, that's very fair. And, and then if there is a fail, then you just get your drill. Then I just and get the drill. You just I get just, the drill and I, call I figure it. something else out. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I wasn't carting a drill around in these situations uh, like in Nashville. I didn't have a drill with me. Yeah. I just yeah. So I just – yeah, I, drill's heavy to tow it anyway, yeah, dude. Yeah. You got to keep a charge. Yeah, you got to keep a charge, spare bitch, battery. Yeah. It's just, yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend that you check them out. If, you know, you don't have to go with the Southward kit, but if you go on eBay or Amazon, there's tons of kits out there. You do get what you pay for. I've picked up a couple of the little cheaper kits, like, uh, hey, I'm just going to throw this in too as part of an order. What I like about the Southward kits is they are really thin strong sturdy metal they're not flimsy i'm sure they're made of stainless Mm -hmm. whereas the the cheaper kits i've seen to get that rigidity to that strength the metal the the picks are twice as thick yeah and it's just it's just a little when these locks are are tiny as it is so in some cases our lock these locks are so so small that the little torque bar you can't get in there along with the the pick itself yeah i've yeah. taken a small itty bitty little screwdriver like the smallest one in my kit and i've put that at the very end of the opening in the, of the lock and twisted it almost like i was turning a knob like on a radio to give me that little bit of torque that yeah. little bit of tension because the blade of that was smaller than the bar that's included in the kit yeah yeah definitely worth checking it out finally and probably the most important thing for a show setup, for a travel scenario, is a is a soldering iron, mm-hmm. and, and what it what does it do? It solders, and why do you want it? Because it solders. <laughs> yeah. You don't know how common it is to shut a game down because a wire popped off. Yeah. It if you have uh, a lot of your arcade games, especially if you're if you've got a jam a game that was converted. It, it's not uncommon for the control panel just to all everything to be soldered. All the switches are soldered, and if you lose a ground connection, short of getting in there and doing something kind of jinky, you know you're you're out of luck. The game's out of commission. Yeah. Pinball is even worse because you've got all that banging around. You've got uh, all that jostling. You take out a coil. You you break a wire early in a series and you'll take out a whole row or column of switches. You'll take out all the coils that are on that chain. I mean, it'll, it'll wreak havoc. You'd be surprised what one little wire can do. Yeah. So, Hey, a soldering iron. We've talked about this iron on the show before. What's the cost? 20 bucks to 150 up. 
All right. One of the irons we've talked about before is from Parts Express. It's their house brand. It's a stall mm-hmm. iron, stall tools, STSS. VT. I know that's, you know, when you think of models or model, you think of a number typically. <laughs> yeah, it's it, like, I, that's a mouthful is this, for a $20 iron. I know, is it, I mean, I mean, who, it sounds like a ship in the Federation, yeah, you know, or, or something. Honestly, uh, you know, a Cadillac that's parked on a, uh, I don't know, yeah, an fully, aircraft carrier. Yeah, fully optioned Cadillac. Yeah, fully optioned Cadillac that comes with its own aircraft carrier. If you go out to Parts Express, we've got a link to, to it in our show notes. And again, it's the stall. Just go out to Parts Express and look at soldering irons. Yeah, and what it does, it, it looks like your classic. If you've ever seen the standard Weller WCL one hundred, it's a red base with a little power switch and a a, a simple little dial that's used to set the temperature. It's it's a clone of that. Looking at it, it's just a clone of that. Now you're not going to do production soldering with this. Oh no, <laughs> you know. Let, let let's be clear about that. This you're not. Is, this is to fix. This is a field fixer upper, is what right. this is. Exactly. Yes. Yes. They run twenty two bucks. It's going to do its job, but it's not going to do it a billion times. No. If you want to step up from that, there's that Weller I mentioned. That and it runs forty to fifty bucks. You know, just Google it. They're all over the internet. And then if you go up from that, you get into the Weller WES series. I know I like the Wellers. Oh yeah, me too. And you're you're eighty to a hundred, depending on what options you get. Oh yeah. Definitely consider if you're doing starting to do shows and you're starting to take games. Definitely look at getting a soldering iron. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I'm sure we've mentioned it when we've covered irons before. We've done it multiple times over the years. Get you some old electronics. Go to a thrift store and get a get an 80s VCR yeah. or a 80s or, clock radio or, an, or something. Or an amp or something. Yeah, yeah. Or an amp. Yeah. And just take teach yourself how to solder, take parts off, put parts back on. Yeah. The only thing that I would add to, to this, to this discussion on this brand is that whatever you get, just make sure that you stick with it so that you're not buying tips for one and different tips for another. And then different yes. tips for a third, yep. because your tips are going to wear out. And, um, and if you go with any type of desoldering setup, then you're going to need tips and nozzles for it as well. And do yourself a favor and and just kind of back away from the keyboard for just a few minutes and plan out what it is you're going to buy because, you want to make sure that you can capitalize on, oh, hey, the same tips. <laughs> uh, lean left. Okay, gotcha. Got it. Yeah, thank I'd you. Still I still have it. I appreciate when that. When we're done here, you've got to help me run all these out. Yeah, I, I will. I will. The family it's, just abandoned as me. Long as, as long as you still have ammo, we'll get it taken care of. Oh, yeah, it'll of. get done. Okay, 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 fair enough. All right, tips. Let me, yeah. Go ahead. The only thing I was going to say is, you know, just... Just plan out what you're going to buy because you want to make sure that your tips are portable between what you travel with and what you use, if at all possible, and uh, and things like that. That's that's a lesson that I've learned. Oh, I would because, absolutely agree. Because yeah. I've went down the road of buying a few of the cheap irons and then only to find that I needed them and then I needed a, a smaller tip. And it's like, oh, what I use on my bench doesn't work on this. And it's like, oh, well, now I have to go order more tips and I have to keep track of different tips for different uses in different cases yep nah uh-huh. See, done, I, done with that my desoldering tools yes i'm all hacko I'm i've got all hacko i've got three hacko desold i got two two desktop stations and the one portable yep and 
Hacko is really good about cross compatibility. Yes, all the are. tips are the same. Yep. Um, all three units use uh, the same uh, a, a same paper filter. Yeah. The two desktops have an additional paper filter that's the same between them, and they're different generations. Yeah. The units themselves are different generations, yet the tips are all still the same, and the two paper filters that the desktop units take are still the same. Still the same. And one of those paper filters goes into the portable unit, as does the tips. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of crossover. Yeah. Weller's a little different. The the tip series is different between that WCL and the WES. Yeah. So just be mindful of it. Just be mindful of it. But if you go WCL, just be aware that if you go WES on your desktop, that you're, that you're going to be buying two different sets of tips. But uh, yeah, I I mean, much like you, Brent, I mean, I've gone all, all Weller for soldering and all Hacko for desoldering. And that's, that's, that's just what I've settled on. So, yeah. So again, this is, this is stuff that just came up, came back to mind during grand old game room expo this is all stuff that i actually used at the show and mm-hmm. uh, uh you know the high voltage probe i was helping with a black and white monitor so before i took the chassis off i needed to discharge it i knew that was coming i generally wouldn't have traveled with it to a show where i wasn't taking a game that didn't need it but i took it because yeah. i knew in this case I, uh, ahead of time i went ahead and threw it threw it in put the yeah. travel one in and of course when i had it out I had to do all the solder work to to repair the chassis, so there was my iron. And as part of my kit, I had the lock pick set. In that case, it was a uh, I keep wanting to say ski ball, Whitney, but it was an air hockey. Oh. We couldn't get to the wiring harness because it was in an access ha- pa- uh, panel, and the key had had wandered away since the last time the, the air hockey table was set up. Hey. I'll figure that out. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. And it, and it was an inexpensive tool that I had in my arsenal. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. All right, Whitney. So what, what's next here? This, this, I'm actually, you know, it, I, I feel kind of good about this. You know, Brent, I'll tell you what, for the first time since we have started this segment <laughs> on the show, we have, we, we've done either one of two things. Okay. Both of which yield the same result. All right. Number one, we've, we have either failed miserably on episode 75 <laughs> of finding anything to spend this your money like, on. This is, this okay? is a celebration I was looking for yeah. for 75. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it only took 67 episodes to get here, but we have finally done it. Or number two, we've bought everything there is to buy, and we've spent ourselves out of needing to buy anything else. <laughs> I don't really know which one it is, but I think they're I think they're somewhat interrelated, nonetheless. But the, the, I guess the 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 sad the sad face about this, Brent, is that I don't know if it's because we're recording over the whole Black Friday Cyber Monday time frame. You know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, dude, there is just nothing, nothing new has hit the streets <laughs> this month worth mentioning. And I guess the only thing I can say is, wah, 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 <laughs> sad, sad trombone, but uh, your wallet gets the break and uh i take it personally i seriously oh, no, no, i, I no, no, take it personally there's something i can say what's that <laughs> oh yeah yeah exactly no but trust me i take it personally because i pride myself on on not only finding one or two things but finding hundreds of dollars worth of things 
It just didn't plan. It just, it just didn't, pan, it just pan, didn't out. pan out this month, man. Well, keep it's your a, eye out for that for that pod from my flu. That will do spend that. A lot of money. I will, and that will that will we'll keep we'll keep an eye out for that. But I'll tell you what, not dwelling on the sad trombone. I think it's probably a good time, Brent. Why don't we get into some news? And we've got some good feedback for this month. So uh, we'll just we'll just go ahead and roll right into that. But uh, Brent, the first thing in news, and I, I about. I about laughed out loud when I saw this, okay? And it, it's interesting because I never in my wildest dreams would have thought <laughs> that I would see a brand new, brand spanking new machine pinball machine based on the band Primus. <laughs> I didn't know but, but I, Brent, honestly, I here didn't we know. are. I didn't know that they were still a thing. I didn't well, know they were still relevant. Well, I'll tell you what. They they have to make a heck of a of, of a royalty on the South Park theme, okay? Because they oh, are yeah. they, they do sing the South Park theme. That is right? right. But all that so, being said, <laughs> well, you've got some details in here. The first of which is the most surprising to me. Yes, it is limited to one hundred machines plus. Eight additional special editions for those involved with the game. Now I don't. Now I don't know what that means. Does that mean that the the Primus band members get get a share of that eight and eight are left over, or the balance is left over for some people at Stern? I do not know. And I pulled this, and I do want to give credit where credits due. I pulled these details from the most excellent Twip. This week in pinball. Okay. So they, they had the details. I just kind of collabed. I just read through their article and just copy pasted out what I thought was relevant. But yeah, it is a modified Wonelli layout. This thing is going to clock in at a street price of $79.95. So I'm assuming since it says plus eight special editions for those involved, I'm assuming that that well that's not gonna are, are those just gonna be given well I, I have no idea well you, you'd think they would have to be because there's no way they can be because they're eight and i read that as eight special edition for those involved quantity eight i wonder if that's what special it, edition and, for and those I, involved. of course i'm i'm totally absolutely this is brent griffith's opinion but i wonder if it, there was i don't know how many people are in the band Honestly, I well, that's that's the question. It, it almost begs the question. It says includes thirteen full songs. It's like I didn't even know they had two. That's true. Yeah, that is that is the next surprising point. Yes, uh, I, and of course now I'm not in that scene. I, I, well, neither am a I. Few, I've heard a few promise songs over a couple that kind of made it into the more mainstream or the yeah. back in the day when I was more in a metal. Yeah, that, that kind of crossed over and got a little <laughs> additional airplay back when MTV played. Yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. So I was aware of a couple. So I'd forgotten the South Park thing, but I wonder if the if. I mean, band members plus a couple key players. If that was, hey, look, we'll give you the machine if yeah. you'll give us. Ro- I, yeah, I, 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 I don't. That's I don't know. Totally my. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, it does. The Twip article does go on to say that all machines are signed by the band, and include a laser etched numbered placard on the apron, and it has custom voiceovers by none other than Les Claypool. So there we go, Brent. I promise. That's it. I, I saw it, and I'm like, okay. Um, I'm not going to say anybody's reaching, but it kind of feels like they're reaching so, on this. I mean, you're doing I, – I, this is right, correct? If you're doing seventy nine ninety five a machine – Times the, 100. Time, you move the decimal place over two, and uh-huh. that, that's that's just shy of, of 800,000 retail. It, yeah, so, I mean, if you, if you look at it – I mean, I guess – I mean – I don't know what Stern makes a game, 
but it's obviously got to be worth it to do it. Yeah. And again, you said this, and this is the thing that kind of that, that gets me. You you mentioned this, and, and it was probably glossed over maybe by our listeners in my silliness, but it's the it's the woe Nelly layout, which is also the PBR can crusher layout, right? Which is wasn't that used one other time? Uh, or is this, or is this just the third bite at the apple? I think this is the third bite of the apple that I that I know of. So the layout was already done. Assuming that that was all, that was a gimme. Uh, I, I'm I'm sure that some money goes back to what was it Nordman and someone else for yeah, having Ferreras. I think it, it, Ferreras the Kapow, like Kapow, Kapow yeah. yeah. Kapow so pinball, I'm sure some, yeah. some money goes back to them for re for for doing additional units, but. You know, all the parts, that's all a known quantity. Yeah. You've got, obviously, the new art by, uh, would you say it was, it was Z- Zombie Yeti? Zombie Yeti, yeah. Which the art looks The art looks, fan- the art looks fantastic. I mean, have you ever seen anything from Zombie Yeti that doesn't? No, it's like, no. Nope. Nope. I haven't. I have not. It looks, the art looks absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it. I'm just surprised he just did 100. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I. I would think this would actually this would actually have a bit of a larger audience than just a hundred machines. Even going back to my my rambling about is it is it is Primus relative? <laughs> I, or, is it relevant? Yeah, relevant. Yeah. Thank you. Is it relevant? I, I say that tongue in cheek because I, I'm looking in in my world. Yes, and my world isn't the only world. Yeah. I seriously say I'm surprised they're just doing a hundred. Well, you know something, Brandon. I will say this: when you look at the, when you look at the quote unquote the cash cow that this is, it rings in right at eight hundred thousand dollars, assuming that they all sell at at that MSRP, which some will and some won't. But but stern, but it, it's it's essentially an eight hundred thousand. Let's say a plus or minus. It's an eight hundred thousand dollar payday for Stern for what is essentially um, a, a bit of a bit of rework on, on art and rep, you know, reproduction on running the game again. And I, they, they essentially get to, you know, to use a, to use a term. I mean, they, they get to milk the cow again. Yeah. And there's, you know, from that standpoint, reusability is the key to profitability. So I, I totally respect the fact that they're, they're able to keep the doors open and, and, you know, and, and profit off of this. Yeah, I'm I'm just kind of surprised that it is limited to 100. But then it also makes me think about, you know, you ask about the relevancy of Primus. I mean, think about a game based on like the Insane Clown Posse. Mm-hmm. I, it, now, maybe not uber relevant from an artist standpoint in today's mainstream media, but man, what a following the ICP has grassroots and otherwise in yeah. that machine like an like an icp machine would sell like bonkers man well i'm so quick google i just googled promise fan club yeah and uh, pretty much if i've got this right this landed me on the promise on facebook's promiseville okay which is the band promise their facebook page okay the so, actual so, band so so that's how that's how they run their fan presence right. is on if, facebook if i'm if i'm understanding this correct if, yeah, if, if okay. i'm if i'm interpreting this page correctly because there's of course that doesn't mean mean you couldn't stand up a page tomorrow for something but this looks like the official page and i say that because first of all three of my friends and i have a, a very very <laughs> small 
group of Facebook friends. Yeah, I keep but, that. But three of them are are fans so of the page. Of that s- extremely small sample. Three of them are fans of this actual page. And based on them, I'd say, yeah, this is their page. This yeah. is the Primus page. Fair enough. The Primus page is followed by 975,369 people, and it's liked by 1,035,440. Well, you know something? You, don't, all, all you sudden, can't tell me they couldn't sell 1,000 yeah. pinball machines. And, and, and right there, when you mentioned those numbers, all of a sudden, Primus doesn't sound like such a dumb decision, does it? Hey, and actually, I scroll down. They posted yesterday. Just yesterday, this game been, has been out for a bit. Like, Oh, it has? Well, Primus just posted yesterday. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm sorry. So Primus picked it up and posted it on their page oh, yesterday. Yeah, so it looks okay. There's, okay. There's, okay, so here's the teaser video posted on Primus's page the 23rd of November. So that's three days ago from the day we're recording. Yeah. And then just yesterday, they've got the pricing and everything up. Yeah, gotcha. And the details that you've got. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, you know, Brent, it's, it, there it's it is. Got six, it's got six and a half times more comments it's got then there will be machines there's 645 comments 4000 likes 400 likes yeah yeah and, only, and 1167 shares and only 100 machines yes yeah you know something what what will likely happen is these things these things will get out on the street and then the aftermarket price on them is just going to go nuts it, i mean it stands to reason that it could mm I did notice here that out of all the comments, there's only two that Facebook is showing me right now. Yeah. And one of them says, please set aside a couple uh, and hold a raffle for the non-rich Primus fans. Yeah. yeah. And one, and the second was, I could totally afford this, but then I would just be me and my Primus pinball machine living in a ditch. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No love. It's, it's tough, man. It's tough. But, but there, it, there it is. I mean, you know... It, any new pinball is good pinball. It just that one just took me a bit by surprise. I, I'll, I'll say that. But that being said, you know it. it obviously, Brandon, once you start quoting the numbers, it's going to get it's it's going to get whatever love it, it yeah. needs. I'm no just doubt about I'm just it. shocked that they just did a hundred. Yeah. I, I I think that there's more there. Yeah. Well, moving on, Brent. Speaking th- of being shocked. Yeah. Speaking of being shocked. Um, I, this took me completely by surprise, and this is a little bit of a continuation of the discussion that we had uh, on, on the last show around um, some thoughts around around Stern's code situation. And out of nowhere, I mean literally out of nowhere, on November the 19th, Stern posted and uh, dropped version 1.80 code for Metallica. And... I, I mean, this this really, really took me by surprise because, and, and I, I, I freely admit, I need to go back and look at uh, quite a few of the past uh, Stern of the Union addresses to see whether Metallica was listed in those. But I, but I am left to wonder, you know, where does this leave other games in light of the commitments that they have stated? You know, around Ghostbusters, Kiss, and Aerosmith, and and things like that. So I'm, you know, I'm really hoping that that we that we do see those games come to fruition. Um, 
but there's a part of me that says, well, you know, if if Metallica dropped at 1.80 a couple years after the last update, you know, how much which was that, a couple years after the last update? Uh, yeah, exactly. Then how much of that was Stern pushing forward, and how much of that was Lyman or somebody else pushing forward on their own? And then that also makes leads me to wonder how much of the the code commitments that that have been communicated are officially being worked on versus being worked on as a labor of love. I don't know that we'll ever know an answer to that question, but it, it ultimately it does give me hope that we'll see everything that Stern's committed. To. I'm str- scrolling Stern's Facebook page now. I was yeah. also thinking, didn't uh, after a series of updates, didn't Batman sixty six finally it did hit finally 1. hit one dot oh yes. Yes, it did. Yeah. And that was just within the past couple of weeks, maybe. Uh, maybe a week or week and a half, somewhere in there. And, and you are correct. And, and I'm, glad the, you, I'm glad you brought that up. The Metallica announcement was the 19th. Yes. And I'm just kind of scrolling here to see if it comes and, and, up. And the, bat, the Batman announcement was, was within days, either way. Probably a few days earlier, if I'm not mistaken. So... Ultimately, it's good to see it. Uh, yeah, the fifteenth. Here the fifteenth. Yeah, yeah. One dot o o dot o. Yeah, I, I figured it was. I figured it, it was pretty close because I remember them being literally just days apart. But um, it, it is good to see Batman hit one dot o o dot o o. But man, what a road it's been to get it to version one dot o. It'd be interesting to look at the release notes, and I haven't done it, but it'd be interesting to look at the release notes on the first on, on the first update to Batman 66 versus the release notes for 1.0, and then just kind of track the history. I, I bet that is a long, long set of changes to that code as it's gone. So Stern needs to talk to Primus about getting some likes. Stern's got 183,000. 630 likes versus promise. <laughs> now you're pulling apart the numbers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> two, two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Two completely different things. Two completely different yeah. things. But, but ultimately, you know, so we've seen this code drop for, for Batman 66. We've surprised with this code for Metallica. I, I, I don't know, Brent. I mean, I, I I feel hopeful that we'll get our Ghostbusters and we'll get that game kind of quote unquote finished and Kiss and Aerosmith will get what they were promised as well. I uh, it, it but again it does make me wonder how much how much is commitment versus what's worked on how much is worked on in company time versus what's worked on after hours and what's part of the commitments versus what's part of the heavy lifting the labor of love to get something like Metallica out the door so well as I know is I don't some, know all I know is that someone at Color DMD is going. Metallica, what, what? Again? again? Yeah, and they're going to have to, and, and they're going to have to, you know, kind of look that one over. And you know something? I bet it was the same thing for ACDC when it dropped earlier this year as well. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, so early twenty, you know, early in the year, early twenty, I think what February twenty eighteen is what we noted last month when a surprise update to it dropped. And then I, I'm sure I've not seen Color DMD release a new ROM for it. And to that point, I've not flashed my ACDC with the new code either. I'm actually uh, I'm actually somewhat hesitant to do it, but I I, I mean I could always revert back. It's no big deal, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'll probably wind up giving it a try over the Christmas break because that's when I tend to catch my games up on code and everything's over Christmas. So I, I'll give it a run and see what happens. Well, maybe but. we can catch it, or I can catch mine up. Yeah, I yeah. only got the one stern that needs it. So yeah, yeah. Where are you at on your Ghostbusters right what's, now? What's the what's the only 
was it 112 uh, or something no, like I that? I thought it was later than that. I, it's whatever the most current is. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay, oh, yeah. Gotcha, yeah, it's gotcha. got the most current on it. I'm probably two versions behind on my Ghostbusters right now. I, I mean, for right, wrong, or otherwise, we've just been playing it. <laughs> it's, but I, I know that you know, I, I know that it's something that I need to do. So I do need to get it caught up. But uh, but anyway, you know, all, all that being code. said. I mean, we've, we started talking about it. Let's see if we can find it. Uh, game code, game code. I thought Ghostbusters, man, I thought I had vamp vamp for a minute while I Google. Yeah, no, I thought I had version 1.13 on my Ghostbusters, which I think has been updated once, if I'm not mistaken. Game code. It's dated January 17th of 17. Wow. Okay. 1.13. 1.13? Yeah. Maybe I am running. No, I'm, I'm... I'm definitely a couple behind. So 1.13 is the newest. I'm definitely well, I'm I mean, definitely it's been two years. Behind. Because yeah. January will be two years. Wow. This hit, yeah. January will be, be two, two years. years. Man. All right. Well, there we have it. Yes. There we have it. So on to happier news, Whitney. Louisville Arcade Expo. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it, man. The date. So am I. The dates for 2019 have been announced. It's actually up on their Facebook page. The website isn't updated yet, so check back if you go out there and look. Uh, it may still have the 2018 dates, but the dates for the 2019 Louisville Ar- Arcade Expo is going to be March 1st through the 3rd here in glorious Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, and, and let's hope the weather cooperates because March 1st is, it could, it could either be beautiful or it could be, <laughs> it could be, it could be, it could be tough i don't know which one it's going to be but it'll be one of the two i i remember of all the years that that we've well i've been every year yeah the first year i didn't take games yeah i've been every year as well and i took games from the second year on Mm -hmm. and then since the podcast has has run Mm -hmm. we've we've had a booth Mm -hmm. at the show every year at this point whitney yes so the first year the show was 2010 yeah. Correct. So this will th- be. I think so. I, I have th- to go back and look at the website because I did a I did a interview with Matt, Jeremy, and Joe the very first year. So well, I, I actually want to say we asked at one point in time, and the easy formula was the first year was 2010. Yeah. So every oh, then there you go. Fair enough. So this okay. will be the ninth year. Yeah. Show our show's five years old. Yeah. It was five years old. And I think it was in September. I, th- I think you're right. Yeah. So and we've we've had we've had a booth every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, t- talking of the weather, I, I'm thinking back. the The roughest I remember was waking up one morning, and this is Kentucky for you. Mm-hmm. There was like ten or twelve inches of snow on my driveway. Yeah. And I spent the better part of the day plowing it. And usually, what? And I've been out here in 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 shorts and a t shirt. In March, loading up the trailer. Yeah. And then that year, I was plowing all day. Yeah. Only for it to warm up and pretty much... Melt. All of it melt. Yes. Every bit of and, it. And I ended up, instead of hauling my games in that morning around lunch, I hauled them in that evening around 7. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because of the weather. Because of the weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and that's just that's just our weather here. It's just the way it goes. But it doesn't matter what the weather's like. 
the expo never disappoints. So I'm looking very, very forward to it. So, So, and look, look forward to if all holds true, you know, we shoot for the January episode of the podcast to have the crew from little arcade expo on the show. Yep. And, you know, we'll get the rundown of, Hey, this is, Hey, this is what this year's looking like. Exactly. Special guests. This is, um, this is what we're doing. This is what seminars look like. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is the tournament if, if, info, everything like that. It, it will be it will be a lot of fun. And uh, you know if if there's uh, if there's any notable news, they'll they'll lay it on us then and give us uh, plenty of time to account for it. And whatever changes we need to make, we'll we'll make and roll with it. It'll be it'll be fun, man. So like I said, Looking for now, go go ahead and check out the Facebook page, Facebook.com, Louisville Arcade. The uh, and again, the website isn't updated just yet, but I'm sure that that will follow yeah, soon. Yeah, come see probably w- after the holidays. Start making your plans now. The first through the third. Yep. Uh, come see Whitney and I. Uh, <laughs> get an autograph. <laughs> I'd Whit- say come see the expo, and then Whit- we'll just be there. Whitney will sign anything for free, yep. and I charge a, mi- a nominal fee. A nominal fee. Nominal yeah, fee. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Is it one of those things you don't want to meet your heroes, so you might as well charge some money? Sure. Yes, I, yeah. I get that. Yep. I, I totally get that. Okay, yep. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, Brent, uh, before we before we uh, call this one close, we've got some feedback to go through, and we've got... Um, We've got some from the from the email bag and an iTunes review that is just absolutely awesome. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna end this all on a very high note here. So uh, email we've got the first one from uh, listener friend of the show Brendan. He writes in. He says, "Subject: What to pick?" And he said, uh, "Guys, no need to read this on the air <laughs> unless you really feel the need." Too late. And, too late. And what did I do? I copied and pasted it in the OneNote because you know what? I felt the need. And so, so here we go. So he said, "Howdy, BT. I've got some money squirreled away and was looking to get a new pen. I respect your opinion on everything arcade and pinball, and, and was hoping." <laughs> Brendan, yeah. I've got to question your life choices. It's all good, man. He's he's on the but he's on the butter up program, so it works out well. And was hoping if you would be so kind to give me your t- uh, your top pick for my short list. Now I will say this: he's got four here, and he's shooting for the stars on this. Yeah. Okay, I mean he he has got top shelf going on here. So here's what he's got. So is this is this a hypothetical or just no? I read no, this I, like I, he's going to buy. I think that he's going to buy. Yeah, I think he's going to buy. So this is this is a rough. This is rough. This is tough. This is tough. And I'm curious what your choice is. Well, I've changed my mind three times already. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So number one is Ghostbusters L E. Okay. L E. Medieval Madness remake MMR. uh, Star Trek L E. Or Total Nuclear Annihilation TNA. Now he says thanks and look forward to your thoughts. Now. Brent, I will say in full disclosure, I did respond to Brendan's email with my response and put you on the carbon copy on it. Okay. okay. Now I'm going to be. I haven't looked at that. That's because fine. I'm terrible that's, at email. That's fine. I'm going to be as true. I am with most things. It's all good. Consistency all good. wins the day. It, 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 consistency does win the day. That's right. Um, I'm going to be true to 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 my uh, advice to Brendan, and I I picked TNA out of that list. But I did so for a couple of reasons, okay? Number one, it is just a kick-butt game, and it's a ton of fun, okay? (laughs) There's that. Number two, it's going to be a fairly exclusive game. Spooky's stopping production on it uh, very soon. 
I know they're they're uh, very very close to being at their five their their five fifty ish number that they're they're calling it quits on, and there's really no guarantee that it'll ever be made available again. <laughs> I mean, there truly isn't. I, you know, they're just yeah, that's true. Just not. I think it will, but I you're it, right. It, it you're could, right. It could, but we might be two to three years out, Brent, because there's there's other games that Spooky needs to make before they make more TNA. Okay, so maybe they turn, maybe they come back to it, maybe they don't. That remains to be seen. Now, the thing with Star Trek LE and Ghostbusters LE. <laughs> Lane, oh, yep, Lane Wright. Yep, gotcha. Got oh, yeah. Excellent. Thank God, you. We have got to do something about yeah, this. Brent, I tell you, when every door in your house is a screen door, dude, it I makes am, it hard to solve. I am right? lousy with turkeys. <laughs> yeah, yes, you are. But that's okay. Like I say, as long as you don't run out of ammo, we're good. Ugh. Now, Ghostbusters and Star Trek are both absolutely fantastic titles mm-hmm. the issue is is that brendan said he wants le's and the issue with le's is they're they're only made once during a game's production run at the very beginning they're a limited in number and if you don't get in on them at the up at the onset chances are you're buying secondary market on all of and them. and it's not like i've seen le trade hands <laughs> and and you don't see le's trained trade hands all that often if at all okay very very i mean they do they do don't get me wrong but you're you're buying somebody else's game at that point which you know there's nothing wrong with that but if you got the money and you're and you're going after he says a new pen uh ghostbusters le or star trek le will be hard to get new unless you were to find uh old stock at a distributor that just didn't hasn't sold them all yet all the le's that they purchased which is a possibility but i think a, a fairly thin one and then you mentioned mmr i can't can't argue against that. That's a great title, great history, great lineage, great game. Um, be, it'd be a great one to get new, no doubt about it. That was that was my logic behind my behind my answer, Brent. Kind of curious as to what, where you're at. Well, I keep staring at. I mean, we know I like Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, yeah. And me, I just me too. Yeah, we we know I like Ghostbusters. But what what really keeps drawing my attention past the Ghostbusters, if I was going to set out today, uh, so I've got to look at this from the perspective like you did, that I don't own any of these games. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's how I tried to look at them as well, yeah. And because you own a TNA and you own a Ghostbusters Premium, which is the same playfield <laughs> yeah. as an LE, and I own a Star Trek Premium, which is oh, the that's same true. You do own all LA. three of those, don't I you? I forgot of, about the I own Star three Trek. Three of the four, yes. Oh. Uh, and I'm trying not to go predictable because, you know, the the obviously I I put my money in the Ghostbusters in the Ghostbusters camp, mm-hmm. but mm, if I had to buy an MMR is. <laughs> it's hard to it. I still I'm still strong in the MMR camp. Yeah, but here's my here's my thing with 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 uh uh was it chicago pinball or whatever it is yeah chicago gaming chicago gaming yeah i know they've got three games out uh-huh but what i what i haven't kept tabs on and this is this is my meantime between failure brent mind working what what do you do in a couple years when people start to have board issues or What's mm-hmm. the long term there? Mm-hmm. So that's why I am really, I've really become to like medieval madness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me. And that's why I'm staring at it really hard 
but I'm also trying to be practical about it. I mean, mm-hmm. the Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters already scares me enough because of the node boards. There's a couple yeah. node boards in there that are going to be specific to the game. Yeah. Because they're shaped in a specific way for LEDs or whatever. Yeah, for the play field and everything. Yeah. Um, but there's enough of a base out there. And yeah, it's surface mount, but it's nothing way over the top, at least not that I've seen. And you couldn't, you could probably fi- figure it out. And then you get into the motherboards, you've because of your install base, you've got availability of the raw yeah. part to yeah, a degree. Yeah. yeah. So I'm torn, honestly, between Ghostbusters and Star Trek. Okay. And and I I, and, can, I can totally see the logic in yeah. that. But he but he does say LEs. I and, know, and that's that's gonna that that's gonna make you're talking hard about to get. being able to get it. Yes, exactly. To me, if if I was going to buy, if I would, man, I, I'd I'd have to go. I'd have to go Star Trek. Would you? I'd have to go Star Trek. Yeah, yep, yep. And it, 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 it is the game that gets the most play in my basement. It, it wasn't a priority of me to to have when when that was available new. Mm-hmm. I've if if my priorities were different at the time because I had other things financially I was fortunate enough that if I w- I could have purchased the title yeah but there was just other things going on that was taking my attention and I couldn't focus on feeling good about a purchase like that yeah so I let it go yeah I love that I love the Kelvin universe that this Star Trek is based I, I upon I do too I, I love the game I played yeah. more of it in uh, in Nashville yeah. It's like you said, the the sound package does. Oh, it is phenomenal. It yes. is phenomenal. Phenomenal. It is. It is. I, I would go Star Trek. Yeah, I, and, and I, I totally get, get, the, it. get a premium. Yeah, get get a premium. And it, I, I will say that uh, number two on my list would definitely be the Star Trek. Um, and and again, it's it, it is the one that gets the most play in my basement. Yeah, my number two would be the Ghostbusters, and then number three would be uh, Mustang Boss Edition. <laughs> that's not, but that's I have not no on the idea list. why I like that game. Yeah, it's well, I, I, I'm not really sure either, but that's okay, Brent. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I don't judge. <laughs> I'm not. I've, I've never really figured it out, but it's but it's okay, you know. It's it's all good. Uh, so anyway, so Brendan. There you go, buddy. Um, get yourself either a Star Trek LE or, or, or Star Trek Premium or a TNA and and uh, take our advice. And, and all we can say is just play pinball and have a good time. So uh, obviously, buddy, you're doing good. You know, you can you can swing a new pin purchase. So, man, have fun with it and let us know what you do. Uh, the next one, Brent, is uh, this is from listener Mike Thomas. And he says, uh, subject is question for the podcast. And he says, first off, Best podcast, hands down. In fact, over time, I've narrowed down my podcast to only one podcast that I listen to. I love your tangents and your ramblings. <laughs> it's like talking to friends. It's great. You know why, oh, he's, Mike, you know why he's narrowed it Mike, down? To, God bless you. You know why he's narrowed Thank it down to so just much. one, right? Why is that? Because our shows get so long that yeah. you can only squeeze in one, one, one. Yeah, one in a month. That's true. No, one podcast ever. Oh, ever. <laughs> okay. all. Fair enough. Well, you know something? The iTunes review actually alludes to that. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. He goes, I know you guys were not available last time, but hopefully next time I get to visit my family in Bardstown, we can meet up. He goes, now on to my question for the podcast. 
I'm restoring a Qbert and have an above and below coin door. I have the correct raised uh, Gottlieb logo coin door, but it's in sad shape. Plan to have it stripped and powder coated, but how should I handle the raised letter Gottlieb logo plaque? We wouldn't want to powder coat the whole thing. And can you powder coat only part of it or can you mask? Thanks. So how'd they do it from the factory? Was it painted? They powder coat, they probably painted it and then they laid a silk screen over it just to get the tops of the letters. Yeah. And then I, good question. Don't know, but I did talk to Chris royalty about that, how, that's about why I was going to do this. Yeah. Cause and I know he can do it. He, he can do it. And so, so here, here's what he told me. Okay. And, and I, and Mike, which is you, better than what I'm going to say. Cause I'm going to start with, okay, what you do is you get you some paint. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Krylon, yeah. whatever, you know, and then, and then you, then you, you know, peel it off, blast it <laughs> off, whatever you do. I don't know. But, um, Mike, I'm going to send you a reply uh, with pictures so that you can see what I'm talking about, and um, I, I think it'll it'll be worth the thousand words here, real quick. But nonetheless, I had my Gottlieb raised letter coin doors powder coated by Chris Royalty at Hot Rod Arcade, and he did the black mini text powder coat on them as well, and they came out absolutely perfect. And I asked him, I said, Chris, how do you guys handle the raised letter logo on the Gottlieb and the Centuri and the Tato doors, Tato doors and all of that? And Chris said, well, Whitney goes like this. We go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah. And we get, go back we, to hardware. And we get some tape and yeah, and everything. <laughs> no, but what he no, said. Chris, Chris runs a real business. <laughs> that, that, that he does. But what he, what he told me is immediately after those badges come out of powder coat, and before they go into the into the oven for for final prep and for final for final cure, they do a wipe on those logos. And he said they they get a they get a magnifying glass and they just do a hand wipe. Oh, so they're powder coating the base color. Mm-hmm. And for for those that aren't familiar with powder coating, it, it's actually a powder. Mm-hmm. It, so what happens is is you you ground the piece. Mm-hmm. And then there's a positive charge applied to the powder out of the gun, so it sticks. It's, yeah, it's electrostatically charged. Yes. And then when you, you put it in an oven, and that powder melts and congeals and forms that coating. Forms the coat. So yes. he's he's doing a base coat, uh-huh. getting it out. Uh-huh. Wiping shoot, it. Sh- no, shooting it black. And then wiping it to expose the silver. That's exactly right. And, and then it goes into the oven. Then it goes back into the oven again, I mm-hmm. guess. Yep. yep. F- to cure the black layer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So he does a white. I guarantee before. you that it is the that Kubert crud. The Gottlieb did not do it that, that nice. I, I doubt they did. Uh, I doubt they did. And what they may have done is. They, I, think, I think it's painted because you've seen them worn. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, would, I, would, I would bet they powder coated the doors. And then you take a silk screen with just a rectangle in it, not even Gottlieb, because it'll over that space, yeah. and you roll paint, and it just picks up on the tops. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, it very, very well. I'm could, sure that's what very they did. well could be the case. Or you do it the way Chris does, and it lasts forever. And, and then it would last forever. But but Mike, that's that's the response that I got when I asked the question of the powder coater that I used, and I'll be more than happy to connect you uh, with Chris, and hopefully uh, you can get your Gottlieb uh, door done. The 
same way that you'll see in the pictures that I send. Uh, but I, I do have, but Mike, I also have pictures of what has been, what I've had done by Hot Rod Arcade uh, in the show notes on previous episodes. So I'd say just go back and go back and look. And if I can do a, a search here real quick, um, it looks like I mentioned this back in episode 72 this is back in august of 2018 way back so, in episode yep. 72 yeah, it is it's episode 72 and i remember I, those days I, I remember those days well so mike go back and look at the show notes i was for, much i was much younger what is, <laughs> much younger what, not, not as gristled as, not as jaded as not as jaded yeah oh, exactly yes. Yes. far less jaded. far less jaded yeah, yeah so so it works out but yeah episode 72 mike go back and look at the show notes for episode 72 you'll see what i'm talking about and uh, we'll get you that in email and then uh so yeah see i was gonna you're you when we move on the next one i was gonna catch that then ask you about that sure it's from uh a joe and joe just writes in his message search for galaxy of games found your site yeah great arcade in frankfurt back in the day so i don't recall ever having discussed this was this something this is episode one, Brandon. Is it? Yes. That is w- that is where this oh, all came back. My, you and I my did- jading has so clouded my memory at this point, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 74 episodes later. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and you know, Brent, I didn't even need one note to find this one. I, I, was, I got this. I was wondering if that was something that was covered by you before the podcast no, started when no. it was just a blog. No. Okay. No, this was you and I talking about our, our history of gaming, or I guess our pedigree in gaming. And uh, the arcade that I cut my teeth on that I went, my brother and I went to as a kid was the Galaxy of Games in Frankfort, Kentucky. And I have not responded back to Joe. Oh, so we were discussing our episode one history, our history in kind gaming of so what, that listeners were familiar would, with us. familiar with us we that's, were, that's what we did in episode we were establishing one. our arcade cred yes okay yes for whatever that was worth you know we that's <laughs> what we did and um I, i'm i'm gonna respond back to joe and uh see if joe might have any pictures joe might have anything Related to the Galaxy games because, um, like I said, my brother and I went there. We went there with my cousin who lived in Frankfurt as well, uh, my cousin David. And it is just, it was just such a great, great experience. Well, but he was I, I looking. Just, I bet he's because that's all that his email says. That, that's all his email yeah. said. I, I'm assuming he was probably. Oh, he's he's in hunt, he's hunting something down. Yeah, he he either grew up or still lives in Frankfurt. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to reach out to Joe. So Joe, thank you so much for that. Um, that, it gives me hope that I'll actually find something about the Galaxy games at, at some point. But. I, I was talking to uh, my sister because my sister right now has the bulk of the family, or actually, there, there's there's family photos scattered amongst those of us that are left. Yeah. Yep. But the stuff that com- comes from my mom, Brittany has, my sister has all those. Okay. And... I'll be over there for Christmas, and I was just kind of chatting with her about just sitting down. Yeah, because I know there's Brent with Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Oh yeah, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. Birthday parties with Brent yeah. or her. Yeah, at 
there's got to be Chuck E. Cheese photos yeah. and stuff and like that. And going through and seeing what you can find. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that would be that would be well worth it. Well I'd worth love it. to find those just so that people could see young Brent and then current Brent and would just wonder what <laughs> happened. What, what went wrong? What? Where did, did... Did he get that mad when his Atari broke? Did, I mean, really? Yeah. yeah. Where did he turn the corner? He didn't finish Zelda and this is what we got? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah, yeah it's tough. Yeah. Um, <sighs> But but uh, Brent, we've got one iTunes review, and this was this is very recent. Uh, it's from the twenty second of November, and it's from uh, Kitty Co. And I, I just thought that was that was, was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. But here we go. Is that a web URL? I, I have no idea. I think it's just an iTunes username. Okay, uh, you read. I'm gonna yeah. try it. Okay, fair enough. If you see me clicking real fast, you know it's, it's yeah yeah. If you're closing something down real fast, yeah. I, I got you going on. So here it is. So five star, the go-to podcast for the arcade and pinball hobby. And I, I just, you know, I read this, I read this review and it just, it made me smile on just so many levels. It is good stuff. So thank you up front. Content, content, content. There's no shortage of information and detail in this podcast. If you are interested... And occasionally in, they talk about arcades. It, occasionally, <laughs> occasionally we'll get there. If you are interested in anything related to arcane gaming, pinball, consoles, gaming conventions, latest gaming news, and more, this is the one place to go get it to go get it all. In addition to the standard gaming fair, Brent and Whitney frequently delve into topics that connect you to the real world. It's not uncommon. To, it's not uncommon to learn a little something extra like plumbing or in-depth <laughs> reviews of ratchet straps, all while keeping it relevant to their gaming activities. Hold on, hold on. Sidebar. Yeah. yeah. Somebody said something to me at Nashville as we were working on a truck, like loading a truck. Yeah. And I did a little, some ratchet strap tricks I've learned for standard ratchet straps in rental trucks that are set up for e-truck and they'll have, and they looked at me like that, where did you learn that? And I just, just said, man, I have a whole, we have a whole show dedicated to ratchet straps. Yeah. Episode episode number two. And I just left them with that and walked off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just exit stage left. Yeah, exactly. Peace out. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do a, do a number two and drop the mic. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Well, that didn't come out exactly no. like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> Episode number two, Brent, and then drop the mic. <laughs> uh, well, this took a turn. Yeah, that took a turn. I'm just going to finish reading uh, so this. So where are we at this, yeah, I, this wonderful exactly. term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. That's uh, I didn't mean. I didn't mean that whatsoever. So there we go. While it sounds offbeat, it really is entertaining. The extensive back catalog is a time capsule of gaming goodness, and you won't be sorry to invest the time to listen to them all from the beginning. The hosts do a great job keeping it relevant, engaging, and lighthearted. This family-friendly podcast will provide hours of enjoyment, perhaps months, if you listen to the whole catalog. The production quality is excellent, something that many podcasts lack. Well worth subscribing. Thanks, guys. Keep it up. So that was that was awesome. I I really really got a lot of uh, a, a lot of joy after uh, after reading that. So I, I'm I'll speak for you, Whitney. Yeah, I, I'm. We're we're really appreciative, not only for the review, but not that we we don't appreciate all the reviews and the time that it takes to, to leave the review. This was, this was more than just, Oh man, they're, I like these guys, five stars, great show. Da, da, da. That's great as well. I, I, I don't even do that stuff as often as I like. Yeah. As I should to support the shows that I really like. Yeah. 
this thank you so very much yeah it's the reviews like this that make it all worthwhile in the in the listener email that that ask the questions and prompt the great conversation it, it it just really really creates that 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 great audience feel that that we we know that the listeners are plugged in and and they're they're, they're digging what we do so yeah so uh kitty.co thank you so much and uh thanks mike and thanks joe and and you know appreciate it brendan for taking the time to write in i mean that's that's the kind of stuff that we love and and we, we appreciate every single one of you guys so i'll add one thing real yeah. quick to that in, in all seriousness everybody knows we do this for the love of it and mm-hmm. september was five years five years we have released a show every month for five years not missed not missed a month yet no yeah in some months we've released multiple shows where we've traveled or we've done something special we did a lot more that early on i will say that yeah your work schedule and not just you yeah there's a lot that's changed in my world too in five years that's just made that a little bit more difficult Mm -hmm. we don't have as many interviews as we like i I was just thinking today there's a a couple people some people that we've met uh, in atlanta some specific people came to mind today yeah that we've talked to about having an interview with for a long time (laughs) we've never done just never been able to do it yeah yeah And, and where i'm going with all this is it it can be difficult at times to record the show Yeah, for us to get together and make this happen. We, there was mentioned in the, our, our audio quality in that review. Yeah. We want to do this face to face for that quality, for, for that quality to come through. That's exactly and that, right. That adds a, a level of difficulty it, and a flaming hoop or two that <laughs> has to be jumped through every single month. <laughs> and, but when we when we all when Whitney and I we all yeah. the, the two of us well, that's an all yeah. we're a group right it, it, yeah te- we, technically you technically are correct okay good yes. okay we'll yeah. make sure we're still on page yeah you got it when we sit down and do this all that craziness goes away uh-huh. Whit, ask Whitney will tell you before this the show uh, I was running around this place like mad yeah. I had a thousand things on my mind plus trying to get us rolling yeah Whitney Whitney came rolling in. His his hands are full now. We've talked about the plumbing issues. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And but when when the mics go on, you do the show. You do the show, and yeah. you've got us, and we love it. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely love so, it. So thank you, thank everybody. you for the feedback. Yeah. And, and we really understand that everybody it. can't or that isn't their thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's cool. Yeah. We 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 know who's out there. And we we thank you, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, so much. So, with that, Brent, um, where, where can, can I, hey, where can you actually come see us and get some signatures? Yeah, for, well, for, it's, for for a nominal it, fee, it's a nominal fee. It's going to be at the Louisville Arcade Expo, just as you mentioned earlier, uh, March one through third, March one through three, uh, first through the third. Uh, we'll, we will plan uh, to live stream uh, both Friday and Saturday night. It is our tradition of sorts. And so uh, assuming nothing changes, we'll, we'll certainly be there doing that. And, and we'll be th- we'll be at the show the entire time that it's up. So we'll have our booth and uh, come out and play Skyskipper and Domino Man and, and some other games as well. So it should be a fun time. Buy a shirt. Oh, yeah. Please definitely. buy a shirt. Please buy a shirt because we want to get new ones. So yes. we got we to. We need to sell through. out. Yeah, we need to sell out. So that would be great. We're not going to sell out. Whitney, we're never sell out of <laughs> Sure. Uh, we need to sell our shirts. Yeah, oh, there always. You go. <sighs> yeah. That. That. Yes. yes. All right. So you can find us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. So please leave a review and rate the show. Again, we do this for us. And 
moreover, we do it for you all. Yeah. Us is doing it for us. That's not the right term. We do it for you all. Yeah. We enjoy doing the show, but it is, it is cathartic for us, but we do it for everybody else. Yeah. If you leave a review, iTunes tends to be that, that, that tipping point, that place that everyone goes to, uh, to, to figure out, you know, where the hot shows are. If you leave a review, it helps us to get noticed. It moves us up in the list. It does. And, and then every the show, single one matters. Yes, yeah. it does. Every, and then we just get a little further reach and, you know, we get to, you know, share what we've learned and the ups and the downs with everybody else and, and, uh, and more. So yeah, check us out on iTunes. Please leave us a review. You can find us on, you going to say something, Whitney? No. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, Xbox Music, and the Google Play Store. Yeah. And social media, we're at facebook.com slash broken token, uh, Twitter at broken token, then our website, brokentoken.com. And with that, Brent, uh, I think we can apply the proverbial phrase for the next month. We have literally said it all. <laughs> so and then some. And then some. So with that, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll say keep your quarters clean and game on. Congratulations. You made it to the end of another episode of the Broken Token Podcast. I promise they'll do better next time. Maybe next episode they'll actually listen to me for a change. Just go easy on the guys. They don't have a lot to work with, but I know their moms would be so proud. We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Broken Token. Britt and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes, and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes store and on our Stitcher Radio page as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at brokentoken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. The Broken Token Podcast would like to thank the only person on staff who has actual vocal talent, Miss Christy Letzi. And that's me. <laughs> music for the Broken Token Podcast is graciously provided by Mr. Scott Denisi. For more information about his music and the projects that he works on, visit his website at www.scottdenisi.com. Go Team Fiero. Just slowly watch me just evolve into total nothingness, and eventually, when I explode, hopefully, it just won't make a big mess. <laughs> it won't, Fair enough. It won't impact you. Yeah, I, I, hopefully, I hear the beeping sound in enough time to activate my shields. Correct. There, I don't think I can make this any worse. I think we're doing good. <laughs> you know what? I I, I, tr- I trust I trust that you got it where you needed to be. <laughs> Jeez. That's what you, you do two of those before you start and three of them when you're done. <laughs>